Yes, yes, y'all, it's going down right now. Episode 79 of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror podcast is coming at you live. I am your host, Mood 616, also known as The Moods. And of course, I've always got my Mexican landscaper who keeps our shit in check, Double Shot J, also known as JP. And we are very excited to welcome back to the show Matt, a.k.a. you and your goddamn creature features, also known as you and your horror movies. Welcome back to the show, brothers. Yeah, what's going on? I feel like he should just be called, like, Creature Feature Matt. (laughs) (laughs) That would be me. I always like that, man. Every time there's, like, some type of creature feature that gets announced, like, you know, one of the bigger ones or something, you know, somebody will post it and they'll tag you in it instantly. So it's like. You and your goddamn creature features. <laughs> it's appropriate, though, right? It's appropriate. I know. I should probably, I should probably create a YouTube channel called Creature Feature Matt. <laughs> creature Feature Matt, yes. Like Uncle Traveling Matt. Here's Creature Feature Matt. What's your famous <laughs> creature feature today? <laughs> yeah. That's great. <laughs> so if you, uh, if you listeners aren't familiar with Matt, Matt uh, was on episode 71, which was Sweatshop, when we talked the uh, 2009 slasher film. Man. He's also actually was a guest on a previous podcast that I did uh, called A Double Shot of Horror. He was on episode... One. I think... Was it one? Yes, it was. It was the first one. one. It was the first episode. No, no, no. It was episode two. He was on Hood Horror, right? That was episode one. Nah, two. What was Wasn't it episode one? one? Uh, New York Horror, where we called oh, yeah. the that, that was oh. Mr. Clive Craven was on that show, and remember you mm-hmm. had... Who else did you have on that one? I was just... Uh, it was Rich and Clive. Oh, Rich and Clive. Yeah. But, uh, on Hood Horror, I think that there was th- four of us, I think, maybe. I can't remember. Yeah, it was Rich, and then there was, I think, Steve. Yeah. Steve was having issues with his uh, video at the time. Yeah, yeah. So, um, hmm. yeah, you can find that on my YouTube channel if anybody wants to dig deep down and check that out. But also, <laughs> you know, I... As always, anytime we have a guest, I absolutely love if you just plug yourself and let everybody know where they can find you. Yeah, go and talk about your damn self. Yo, this is me talking about myself. My <laughs> name is Matt. M-A-double-T. <laughs> also, known as, also known as You and Your Horror Movies. That is my YouTube channel where I talk, describe, and show off all different types of horror shit. Yeah. Horror yeah, shit. So yeah, make I like sure that. you go ahead and subscribe horror to Matt shit? on horror YouTube. Shit. Yeah, check out my channel. I do reviews, show off my collection, collectibles. Top 10 Tuesdays? Top 10 Tuesdays. Got to show off those top 10s. Yeah. And you're one of the regular, you know, members of the Top 10 Tuesday crew, too, because you don't really miss too many. Just a couple here and there. Yeah, the odd one. Of course, sometimes you just can't do them. But I always look forward to Top 10 Tuesdays because I like lists. I don't know why so much. They're fun. Yeah, because they're just, always different. You could always think, well, I'm going to have this movie on, and all of a sudden, here's that curveball. Exactly. Holy shit, I forgot about that film. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. JP, yep. what's going on, man? How's your week been? Man, I've been sick all freaking week. And as I alluded to last podcast, uh, this was a long week for me, a six-dayer. And, you know, I had work today, which I never like working and then doing the podcast later in the day because I'm always so tired. But yeah, man, I was just I was just heavy dosing on some NyQuil. I was telling you guys before the show, I don't take DayQuil, so I take NyQuil during the day as well. And uh, <laughs> yeah, like I, I I literally sip on it all day. Like I just you know take take sips every time my throat starts to itch. 
And, and then he drinks monsters before bed. I, you know, I know Dude. to not mix ups and downs together, so I, I had to cut off on the monsters for the for the most part while I was sick. Uh, I would wait till the night quill wore off completely before I would open them. I, I think I only drank like two monsters this week, not counting today. Um, but you know that normally I drink one at least one every day, and sometimes more. Uh, when I'm off of work, Fuck. I'll drink like three to five sometimes. I know Dude, it's my, crazy. My fucking. So what heart would happen if you took it. your Nyquil pills with a monster drink? Well, I was I was sipping on uh, Nyquil uh, like cough medicine, so I wasn't taking the pills. Um, but yeah, you're not supposed to mix up and ups and uppers and downers. It's classic. I know exactly bad, what happened. Bad if mixing. Did, if he started drinking Nyquil. And drinking some monsters, he would have about fourteen more podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, I, I Dayquil could be doing a, a review a day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Dayquil does nothing for me, so I've always took Nyquil, and I have a high tolerance for it. And one thing that I've always noticed about Nyquil is, if you, it's the only, it's really the only cough medicine that actually makes me feel better. And yes, when you first take it, you are smacked in the face with tiredness. But if you if you stay up past that initial tiredness, um, usually every uh, every dose after that is kind of uh, you don't really get the tired effect as hardcore. Oh kinda, man, kind of break through it. That shit that shit knocks me out like a Tyson punch, man. <laughs> like I'm fucking KO, dude. It's bad. So I, I have no tolerance for any type of like cough medicines and shit like it just mangles me man any type of codeine or anything i'm just fucking floored but i can drink like 24 beers in a city you know but i can't drink one little shot of nyquil there's no way yeah but you know it's weird how the tolerances are yeah it's that you know one of the reasons why that uh alcoholic beverage it was called four loco i don't know if you guys had that in your areas but it was pretty big you know five years ago or something here well i would definitely pick that up for loco it's like yeah, well, oh, it, for crazies, it's for the crazies. <laughs> it, it was like a malt liquor. Oh, of course it was. And it was mixed with like an energy drink, so it came in like a like a Red Bull style can. And sucks. it was a lot of kids were drinking it all over the place, and and a lot of them were ju- taking too many to the face, and and uh, you know either dying or getting into some serious like medical oh, so, issues because so they, it's up it's an upper and a downer at the same time and you know when you're young you can't really be doing that so they uh, they actually took most of the um they still sell four locos but they're like a, they're like your typical like um like sort of like corner store like not liquor store but you know like gas stationy type type deal that if they sell like uh alcohol like- like you your know, fucking cheap, OE like, and cheap, shit. Like, yeah, yeah. Like your malt liquor is like two fifty a can or something like that. You know. Oh yeah, the cheapest product on the shelf with the most alcohol in it. Yeah, yeah. yeah the malt liquor, man. That just sounds right. awful, man. Malt liquor and fucking energy drink. Oh, it's like two things I can't stand. Yeah, I mean they weren't that bad. <laughs> like I, I drank a few of them, but they took out most of the energy stuff, so they still sell them, but they're they're weaker now. Um, but you know, right, rightfully so. Too many people were getting fucked up on that shit they were getting uh, dead they were just getting dead yeah, just getting <laughs> dead you know dropping and, a dead of heart attacks <laughs> but yeah so i mean my, my week was pretty crappy like I, I had a rough time i was telling you guys watching the the films this week because i kept just being dead tired at the end of the day yeah that's tough sleep man. early and stuff but i got i got through it um, you know, for for the people listening, I, we really need to start doing this move, but we always forget. Next week, we'll be we will be covering uh, Jorg Burkwright's Shram. 
Uh, so if you yeah, guys, instead of doing it at the at the end of the show, at the top of the show is probably a better idea. You yeah, because I'm, yeah. I'm assuming more people are listening to the the top of the show than there is at the end of the show. So absolutely, yeah. So <laughs> um, if you guys are familiar, for I, I don't even know a lot of episodes we we've been covering um, Jorg, Jorg Burkwright's filmography as they've been released by Cult Epics. We started with Necromantic and then um, Necromantic Two, Dutoted's King, and now uh, we're kind of capping it off with Shram coming up next week. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Uh, but another yeah. thing that I wanted to say is, you know, I really like when uh, we can have guests, especially someone like Matt, who honestly we've been friends with for a long time. I don't even know how I met you, Matt. Do you know? Do you, do you know how you met us or how we? Probably through the, the Facebook group page and then probably through YouTube itself. I feel yeah. like we're friends before the Facebook group page. <clears throat> yeah, I, I believe so. I mean, I found Matt's channel, and I think he only had like roughly twenty subs or something. I think when I first subbed to you, I don't know if you remember Matt, but I remember you were very, very small. You started out. Yeah. Um, I think your very first videos were literally showing off your uh, your collection shelf by shelf style, mm-hmm. and and I love those. I love to see what's in people's collections. So you know, I'll always watch those videos. Wow. But uh, yeah, I think that's how we met. We just started talking, and that's how we met. Anyways, I don't know. Probably yeah. Yeah. So but I think Jeremy put me in the the group page. Yeah, just started talking through all around that. Yeah. yeah, you know, I was thinking that the other day when um we was getting all that feedback. It's crazy to see how many people like I know. You know, like I'll see their name, I'll like know who they are and stuff. And there, there's a lot of people that I get confused with other people, but you know, everybody. The more they interact, the more I get to know them. And you know, Matt, Matt, and a couple of the other guys, like. Like we literally talk to like every day, you know, in our group chats and stuff. Like, I really, uh, I really am always kind of amazed at uh, how awesome, you know, <clears throat> Facebook friend, like people that I don't even know in in real like physical life, mm-hmm. are like some of the cooler people I've ever met, you know. And and Matt's definitely one of them. Matt's a cool dude, and uh, I highly recommend you guys. Um, sub to his YouTube channel and and befriend him. See, the internet's good for that right there. Yes, please. Know. I'm not a stalker. <laughs> yeah, it, the internet's good for that right there because you know where we can. You know, we always talk about this how like most of us don't have a lot of friends like we have on on you know the interwebs. You know, like you know in the physical form. You know, I've got I've got a good buddy of mine, Dylan, that he's very much into horror and stuff. He's also awesome, by the way. Yeah, which is cool, man. But you know, generally we don't have big groups of friends. We don't we can't just go to the 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 cinema one night to go see the latest horror film with like nine year buddies and they're all into horror. You know, so this is why, you know, the internet was such a cool thing because or for these type of communities that it brings everyone together. And we got super close. You know, some of us we go to, you know, we jump states or countries and we go and visit them in their in their uh you know, respectable cities and things like that. And so, you know, you create these bonds. And I think it's cool, man. I think it's, it's awesome. Very awesome. Yeah. So just for, especially for people who are, you can't really go up and talk to people. You feel very unemotional, very, you know, if I say the wrong thing, all of a sudden I, I hurt their feelings or <laughs> I, or I or do something here. You can type it and everyone's like, yeah, that movie's great. Or yeah, I agree with you or I disagree. Or then you get into conversations and all of a sudden you start building up those friendships and, yeah, we talk horror a lot, but then we'll talk MMA, or then we'll talk uh, um, Western movies, or we'll talk just what happened on TV, or I know. Like, we just like we found out Prince died today, which sucks, and China yeah. died. And we'll talk about all the deaths happening, and then we're just like our own little community. Mm-hmm. And of course, everyone's welcome to come in and chat and everything, and 
pretty much we're all open arms unless you know it you is. get butt hurt over certain things and other than that you're good to go oh yeah the, the, we have our fair <laughs> share of fights and people leave the group and they come back five minutes later and then we hug and kiss and make up and then you know but yeah it, it's amazing how like these things affect us so much like you know prince dying today was it was like wow you know it's like holy shit dude like what happened there mm-hmm. you know like he's like a fucking living legend like i didn't you know after that like i you know, I, I wasn't like the hugest Prince fan. I had a few albums growing up and things like that. You know, he's just kind of one of those guys that just kind of forget about. You know, I, I like his music and stuff, but kind of forgot about him. Yeah. And then and then he dies and I go and look up. I just kind of look into him a little more. I'm like, that dude was a living legend, man. He had like, he made like multiple albums every year from 78 all the way until now. He's got a new album coming out on the 29th. I'm just like, this is incredible, man. You know, he touched a lot of people and Derek was really, you know, offended or offended today. <laughs> <laughs> nice and offended because Derek doesn't get offended. Derek hasn't been offended in a while, though. You haven't, <laughs> you haven't really pushed his buttons yet, JP. Yeah, I haven't been fucking with Derek much. I meant to say Derek was affected more so than more than you know the rest of us. I think today with his death because he was a huge fan, you know, and that's kind of what happened with me with Fife Dog, him passing away, you know, a little while about a month ago and stuff. But it's just like, what is with the deaths? <laughs> like in the last oh. like six months, man, it's oh, been crazy. Geez, you remember last year? Like we had a shit ton of horror legends die last year we even yeah. talked about it in the year end show this so, year is just getting crazy too though man yeah like musicians and oh man so yeah you know um it was funny not really funny but i seriously was like at work today and like somebody said you know i think prince died or something and then i think no it was china first and i was like shit i me and my boy was just looking at her porn the other day and mm-hmm. you know at work and then she's naturally <laughs> what do you do for a hotel you look at china porn <laughs> you know for some no, reason we're watching the talk. avengers i swear see the hulk <laughs> you know for some oh, reason God. we was talking about china and i was like yeah you know she did a porn once right and he was like yeah she's did a couple i was like for real i was like i never seen them and then for some reason you know next thing you know we we had to google that shit um yeah. and you know just to think that it was hilarious because I had just like subscribed to the WWE network for like my grandfather who likes, you know, the wrestling and stuff. And I started watching a lot of the old shit and stuff. And so it was funny that I was just literally like kind of watching all that, uh, like degeneration X era, the attitude era where China was involved, who literally I haven't even thought of since like the surreal life or something. (laughs) And, uh, you know, it's such a coincidence that, you know, in that same sort of time frame, she uh, passed away, which is, yeah. rough, you know, I think she's only, what, 45 or something? Yeah, 45, 46. Yep. It's crazy, man. Yeah, Prince was 55, 56. <clears throat> I think he said he was he 57. Was like <clears throat> yeah, I know. It's fucking. That's so crazy. I wonder if that Prince documentary that Kevin Smith made will come out now. Well, I actually got me thinking about that today. I was literally in the bathroom and I was I was brushing my teeth and I was like, man, I wonder if they're going to start releasing all the Prince's unreleased stuff. Because I remember reading a thing a while back on Prince and how he was he's very he was like a very eccentric type person. And he was he was always like in his weird little own bubble, you know, and if he felt he always felt like if something wasn't appropriate for that time, he would just put it into his vault, like a literal vault. So what would happen was he would record albums and like mute, he would do full like videos, which Kevin Smith talked about and stuff. 
And if he didn't like like it or whatever, he would just put it into his vault and never touch it. So and apparently he's got lots and lots of unreleased uh, songs and records and things like that. I'm just like that. It blows my mind for the sh- amount of stuff that's actually been released by. Maybe Prince. we should start doing that. Just like, start yeah, vaulting just... some of these podcasts <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and release them like yeah. years after we're uh, no longer relevant. <laughs> I, I think he's got enough material to like release albums for like the next twenty years. <laughs> it's like ridiculous. It's like the Tupac of uh, you know whatever type of music you want to call Prince. I don't know. I guess you can yeah. go as I mean, that's as... a good idea, though. I, I wish more artists would do that. Like, I always imagine, like, Stephen King has, like, hundreds of books that he's written that, like, will get released after he dies. He he has, like, tons and tons of stuff that he wrote during the 80s that he never really finished because he was all fucked up. Yeah. You know, he finished a lot of things, too, but I know he's got a lot of stuff that's unreleased. But, yeah, it kind of makes you think, right, when these people pass away, you're like, hmm, you know. What's, what's hidden in their desk drawer? What's yep. hidden in what's over in the, there? Like, what's hmm. in the vault? <laughs> I mean, because that would be some like some serious, heavy mastermind shit for like some somebody to die and then all of a sudden have like enough material to last like the next like twenty years. <laughs> I know it's, it's <laughs> fucking. That would so be crazy. cool, man. That would be leaving a huge legacy, man. <laughs> yeah, it would be, man. So. Fuck. A little off topic here, but you know what the fuck happened to me today, man? Some crazy ass shit. So I'm fucking I'm sitting at home and I'm like, oh, OK, so I got to get my shit going. I, I was being lazy. I was, you know, I took a nap in the morning. It was probably way too long. And I uh, got up and I'm going camping in the morning. So I had to get some shit done today. You know, I had to go, you know, grab some stuff out of my shed, just minor things. But I had to make a trip to the liquor store. That was the one thing the wife told me to do. She's like, can you please go and grab some Carolines and some beer and uh, whatever else and just get that done i'll grab the rest of the groceries after work i'm like fine no problem so i go to the liquor store today and i do that i grab what i needed to grab it's all fine put it in my car put the beer in my trunk and i had a bottle of caroline's and a bottle of uh, captain morgan spice rum and i put them on my back seat and i kind of you know i had a, a jacket back there and i kind of you know secured it to what i thought was secure anyways So I'm fucking driving home and I'm not even five minutes away from the liquor store and some asshole, you would think this would be in a car, but some fucking dick is stumbling on the sidewalk while he starts to shuffle sideways right in front of my car while I fucking slam on my brakes and the bottles that are on my backseat go flying onto the floor and all all of a sudden I hear this and it just, it didn't make a clink sound. It just kind of sounded like it broke and I was like, fuck. So I reached back. Sure as shit, man. The fuck I, I can smell right away. I'm like, the Captain Morgan's rum just smashed in my car. I'm like, oh my God, fucking brutal. So and it was on the way up to pick up my my son from school. So I, I swung by home. And luckily most of it landed on my my mat, the mat in my backseat of my car. So I kind of cleaned it up, kind of did that shit. And I, <laughs> I pick up my kid and I said to him, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, um, the car might smell a little funny today. <laughs> And he's like, what do you mean, dad? I'm like, well, it might smell a little funny, like kind of spicy and odd. And he's like, well, that's okay. So he gets in the car and he's like, oh, it stinks so bad. And his reaction was like so priceless. So like ever since I picked him up, I've been like soaking up this shit and like, you know, just trying to figure out like how to get the smell out of here. And just before we were ready to record the show, my dog started going ape shit. I was like, oh yeah, shit, I gotta, you know, roll up my windows in my car. And it kind of reminded me about the story. So, because I had my car parked in the driveway and the windows are all down and shit. I'm like, you can't do that. But, uh, fuck, man. So, yeah, like that was $25 down the drain. So I actually did go, I went to a different liquor store and grabbed another bottle. I'm like, I really want a, a spice rum and coke when I'm out at the lake. So, I have to grab one. So, ultimately, you know, that bottle cost me 50 bucks. <laughs> 
Ouch. <laughs> Brutal. Like, what are the luck, man? I, you know, I and I even thought to myself, too, I was laughing about it after. I wasn't even mad. I'm just like, shit happens, right? And I'm like, the last time that happened to me was like so long ago. Like, I was like 16, 17, just first got my license or whatever. Same thing happened to me. Got a boot, had some shit sitting in my back seat. Fucking, well, some asshole drunk idiot didn't jump in front of me, but I probably just didn't know how to drive properly or something, but smashed in my car, of course. But, but I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, it's 2 p.m. Why is this dude like stumbling around the streets, like in a school zone, all pissed drunk? <laughs> Who does this, man? Like, yeah. uh, it was just crazy, but I don't know. I just thought I'd share that story. It was just funny to me. Good story. Right. <laughs> it just doesn't happen every day, you know? So. But on that note, um, yeah, let's get into the news, JP. All right, guys, this week we do not have a ton of news. It's actually one of the shorter weeks we've had in a long time. But uh, this was funny because uh, I caught this caught my eye, obviously. Anytime you hear Friday the 13th, it catches your eye. But uh, as I started reading the article, I was like, wait a minute, I know that person. Um, Bloody Disgusting took a report and they say, according to an unverified source, and the person's name is Pizzawell. Uh, which I clicked on the link and I'm like, oh, okay, that's the guy. For, I know that guy. He's on YouTube. Uh, I think doesn't he do the Sausage Factory? Yeah, that guy's from the Sausage Factory. Yep. Okay, so um, yeah, I know that guy. Yeah, so apparently on his website, pizzawell.com, yep, he wrote up a little thing on the 19th, a couple days ago. Isn't that dude Canadian? I think he's Canadian. I don't know. Oh, maybe man, I'm thinking of the other guy, but yeah, I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> go on. So he says, uh, he wrote this up on his uh, website. He says, a source close to the Friday the 13th series reported to me that the CW network has officially axed their plans to produce a television series based on Friday the 13th. This will definitely come as good news to those who felt that the CW Friday the 13th union just didn't fit. So what happened? According to my source, the network didn't jibe with the concept for the series. What was the concept? Apparently, that's the problem. After a few months of... development there was still no real concept for the series causing the network execs to rethink bringing friday the 13th back to the small screen personally i had no hope for the new friday the 13th television series particularly one airing on the cw when the news first broke that the cw would be bringing friday the 13th back on television i posted a video voicing my concerns check it out here uh so yeah i found that very interesting the pizzle well has uh connects to the cw if it is true and i also find it even more interesting that bloody disgusting picked it up as an unverified source and actually posted an article about it he doesn't really strike me as someone that would just start making shit up he seems pretty legit and he seems like someone you could probably trust i mean i don't know those guys don't seem like they're those type of people to do that shit. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I, so, nothing I've ever seen him seem shady or anything. So uh, no. I mean, it, it's very possible. But that's interesting. Um, I definitely find it interesting that you know somebody that obviously is not the status of like a juggernaut, like bloody disgusting, who's literally worth millions of dollars. Uh, broke some news. Like somebody on our level, kind of. You know, maybe a little bit bigger than us, but still sort of. Uh, in the ballpark of us yeah it's crazy man so kind of figured i you know i honestly thought this was going to happen though you know yeah maybe that's, it kind of does pessimism make pessimism sense that's me. probably another reason why i'm feeling like that this could be true most likely yeah. true is because it does feel like that would happen 
Yeah, I, I always kind of thought this was just kind of kind of tank, but I'm glad they're not making it into a TV series. <laughs> I'm getting tired of all the horror TV shows. I'm Can't not be, getting they're tired. They're just blown out of control. There you know, are I a lot of them, but I'm not getting tired. I can't say I'm getting tired of them because I'm not watching them. You know, I think if I started watching all these, I would probably get sick of them, man. It's, it's like ridiculous. I mean, how many Scream Queen shows has, has there been? Like, like Scream type shows? I think Jason Lloyd posted there was like four different ones like There's last year. Four slasher shows. Oh, four slasher shows. But even four slasher shows. Crazy. That's crazy to me. Yeah. But, you know, see... For everything that I've pretty much seen besides Scream, and even Scream, like, I, I thought was okay, I, I've i liked. So I can't really say that I'm getting tired. Well, one, I don't watch them like moods. But two, like, <clears throat> I'm not really going to get tired of good good content. So yeah, as long as it stays good, which, I mean, honestly, like, I've heard, you know, when Hannibal was on, like, everybody talked about how good it was. Like, I liked the, the first two seasons of Bates Motel, and I hear everybody else talk about it. American Horror Story. I mean, the list goes on and on. From Dust Till Dawn, I really enjoyed. Like, so as long as they're still good, like, why not? <laughs> but I'm, just, I, I'm honestly just watching all the wrong shit, man, because <laughs> I didn't really have the greatest time with Scream. I talked about it on here for the people that didn't hear that. I uh, gave my thoughts on the series. And um, I'm very, very hit and miss with The Walking Dead. And those are the ones, you know, I keep up with. Well, I shouldn't say I keep up. I watch the seasons when they come out with the special editions because I'm anal like that. But, you know, that one's really hit and miss with me, too. And honestly, it's not one of my favorite series. And um, and those are the ones that I've really checked out. I mean, I have a lot to get to. But uh, even some of the ones that I've heard, uh, like American Horror Story, very hit and miss and stuff. So I just I'm always kind of leaning towards I'm just going to stick with my fucking movies, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because I think it's overwhelming too. like sometimes I feel that I'm just so far behind now that I'm not even going to try to get in the game. You know, I'm just going to yeah. say, fuck this, man. I'll just keep in my own pace. And when I feel the time is right, I'll get down to the ones that I really want to watch. And then by then there'll probably be four thousand on TV, literally um, on every single network. And uh yeah, I don't know. Speaking of horror networks, what the hell ever happened to that Canadian network that was supposed to launch like last year and then it get, kept getting pushed and pushed and pushed? I actually went to the site about a month ago and it was still saying coming soon, coming soon. And it had like new content on the site. So it's not like like flopped or anything. I don't know what's up with that. Yeah, I'd like to I know what the hell's up with that, that channel. <laughs> yeah, it was it's like all horror network and it had like a bunch of tv stuff and then it obviously had films and it was going back from it wasn't just modern horror it was you know right back to like the silent era like all the way to shutter no it's not shutter it's a canadian it's a canadian uh uh network i remember you actually a tv network a while back but i can't i don't remember for some reason i just i can't remember the fucking name of the network but yeah it was like it looked really cool because you can scroll through um you know like the the films that they have on it and stuff and it looks awesome. And like, there's tons of really great content on there. And I'm just like, when is this thing actually going to come to my TV? You know, so I can sit on my sofa and watch this. But I don't know. Huh. Just not happening, man. I yeah, know. I, I kind of forgot about that thing. Yeah. I think you're the one that actually brought it up on an old, old podcast, probably <laughs> like a long time ago. Huh. And I was like, really? That's Canadian? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> dude, yeah. man, yeah. you know, I, speaking of old, long time ago like dude freaking 70 episode 79 
nuts. <laughs> 79. Yeah, it is episode 79. I thought it was episode 61. Yeah. Well, <laughs> at, you know what? Put this in perspective, right? You you say that, uh, you know, we get, we're, we were still so far away from episode 100. Think of this. Elsa <laughs> was 10 episodes ago. I know. So pe- double that, and that's how much time we got to episode 100. Ah. <laughs> uh. I know we got to get we got to get this ball rolling. I know there was a lot of people interested in helping out with this, so that's good. Yep. Now we just have to do our part and probably set up the sessions and get the ball at rolling next at week, least. Guys. Yeah, get the ball rolling. Next week is perfect. Yeah. To be honest, actually, uh, next Wednesday really does work for me. So, yeah. All right. Let's do uh, it. So, continuing along here in the news, we have. Uh, a little bit of some news about a film called Vampires. Uh, this is Victor Metellano's uh, Vampires, which is supposedly a erotic horror film. Uh, mm. The poster looks cool mm. here. Not the poster, but the still image that they had. Apparently, this film has been done for over two years, but it's finally finding a home at the Cannes market. According to Screen Daily, the title has sold to Japan, New Select, the UK, Soda Pictures, South Korea, Alta Media, Taiwan, Movie Cloud, Scandinavia, Nujutu Films, and Munich-based Denau Films. Uh, and what the hell? No U.S. <laughs> Go figure. Uh, no U.S. Uh, release date yet. But um, the remake of Vampires, which I guess is a remake keeps its sensuality, its gruesomeness, its insolence, and its twisted atmosphere, but includes so, more action, more horror, and more gore. So you said this is a remake of Vampires? Are we talking like JC's Camp Vampires? Uh, what'd you say? John uh, John Carpenter's Vampires? No, 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 no. No, this is, this is, an, this is Vampires with a Y. Oh, the remake of Vampires. Wow. Okay. That makes a little more sense. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Erotic? And I was like, vampires? The, the yeah. original film was from 1974. Yeah, I know the film. I got it. So that makes a little more sense. You know, if you had a, just kind of accentuated the vampire, the vampires, or whatever you want to okay. pronounce it. Like, yeah, dude, it's it's a very sexual driven film. Yeah. Strange. Yeah, well, the, the, I, I just, just described the, uh, the little um, picture that they the still from the film. You have two naked chicks in a bathtub with blood on them. One of the chicks is licking the other one's chest while there is presumably a dead body hanging above them with uh, red liquid draining from the face to neck region. Yeah, it's – yeah. So it's probably going to have lots of lesbian action in this one too. Um no, Matt, it is not a Jess Franco film, surprisingly enough. I think it is, Matt. <laughs> no, it's not. It, it's a strange, weird, lesbian, erotic, oddball film. Like, a lot That's of those awesome. films that came out from those times, so. Huh. But why? Like, that, that, that's crazy. That film is getting remade. So strange. Yeah, yeah, so that's, a, that's, that's happening. Uh, after that, guys, we have some news about a Flatliners remake. Um Flatliners. I don't think I've ever seen that, but that's Kevin Bacon, I think, right? Keeper Sutherland, Kevin Bacon, Julia Roberts, Julia yep. Roberts. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen it, but apparently, uh, it's it's going to be remade, and wow. uh, Nina Dobrev has actually signed on to be in the film. 
Um, she is from the Vampire Diaries, and if you are a weirdo like me, you might recognize her from uh, Degrassi: The Next Generation, where she played Mia. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. No, no, I'm a big fan of the original series, as you guys know that, but I never really got into the the yeah, Next Generation. I like them both. I like them both. They're the same thing, just just different yeah. generations. Um, so this one's going to be directed by uh, the girl with the dragon tattoo director, Nils Arden Uplev. So nailed it. Yeah, yeah, it did. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's happening. Any thoughts huh. on that? It's weird. I, again, it seems like an oddball choice for a remake, but not as odd, odd as vampires. So that one's strange. But I don't know, man. Does Flatliners really need a remake? Mm. Not really. Not from really. the '90s, and everything. I think it is. I think it is from. Is it 1990? It came out or 91? Yeah, so it's really the beginning of the '90s. But I don't. It goes weird. I was. I'm subscribed. So I'm subscribed to the horror pack, and I actually got Flatliners on a Blu-ray. I didn't even know I even had a Blu-ray release. That's pretty and cool. And I was kind of shocked. I'm like, all right, great. I love Flatliners. I remember watching, it and it's it's really weird. Because they're all experimenting with death, and they kill each other and bring themselves back. Because they're med students trying to figure out what it is after death. Yeah, it's flatliners. It's really weird. I, I like that premise. So yeah, because they're all medical students, and what they do is they kind of push the limit. Like they start mm-hmm. out by going like three, four seconds, and they'll bring them back to life, and then they'll go a little longer, and then sh- and of course, a couple people get a little fucking insane in the film and have to go crazy long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, the premise is is kind of thrilling, you know? Huh. Cool. I, I think it'd be kind of cool to change it up a little bit and just have certain characters like, oh shit, man, he died. He's he he dead. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, Whoops. He went he went a little too long. We'll scratch <laughs> that one off the bucket list. <laughs> Don't uh, do a, this. A minute four. Nope. Doesn't nope. work. <laughs> <laughs> do not push a minute five. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I want to check that movie out. I never seen it. Um. So after that, this 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 I don't like the, this news is just too weird for me, but. So the Twilight Zone, we all know it, we all love it. It's had many different iterations, uh, but now there's something different that's going to be happening as sort of a, I don't know, like weird kind of experimentation. So digital video company Interlude has secured a deal with CBS to turn the series into a project marrying live action film and gaming, reports The Wrap. Interlude is known for making videos that play like sophisticated choose-your-own-adventure films, explains the site. The company ha- was has widened its scope since then, using its technology to help filmmakers, music uh, artists, and bands craft interactive online videos. For the coming Twilight Zone revival, Interlude and CBS were vague about the shape it would take, defining it as an in- original interactive project that will let viewers step in and become a part of the story. Like many of the startup's past creations, it is sure to sew together live action storytelling with opportunities for the viewer to choose the direction of the narrative. Here's the bombshell. Ken Levine, esteemed in gaming circles as the creator of Bioshock, will write and direct the pilot episode. The new Twilight Zone will honor the original series approach, but all but will add twist of letting the viewers change and adapt the story based on what he or she feels. The company said, 
as with all other interlude videos, viewers can return repeatedly and have different viewing experiences each time. So. What? Okay. <laughs> yes, thank you, Matt, for being the first one to say that. What? <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, doesn't sound right at all. Wow. Uh, I don't even know what to say about that. I just am not a fan of stuff like that. Like, I, I, I just, it's not, it, it's just not going to work for me. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just, I, 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 anytime like this new tech, like concepts always come out, they always suck for about 10 years until like somebody like figures out a way to really like perfect the craft of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's always just gimmicky and lame when it first happens. And I don't know, dude, to me, I, I, I just can't see myself really being that into doing something like that. Like, I don't know if it'd be like a Netflix type thing where you have to like, you know, click a something to go to what you think the story <laughs> should go turn or to something. Page 64 okay. It, okay. Do you guys remember? When Final Destination 3 came out and the DVD was like choose your own adventure style. So like – Pick your destination or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, So the movie would freeze frame and then there would be like two arrows and it's like you can click this one or you can click that one. And then it would be like a different death scene based on what you clicked on. Yeah. I just picture it being like that and honestly that was Well, that's pretty much what I pictured it too and I'm like this isn't really that new. (laughs) I don't know, man. Those type of things, man, they are a little bit too gimmicky for myself. Not yeah. really by Like, I mean, I didn't really care. For, I mean, I th- the idea of the Final Destination one was okay, but, you know, it, it, the novelty wears off super fast. Yeah. It's like, I just want to sit there and con- I just want to press play once <laughs> and then press stop when it's over. You know, like, really, like, if you're going to sit there and watch a film, for me, it, it's veggie time, man. I'm fucking sitting on yeah. the couch. I don't want to be, like, thinking and being like, okay, I got to go left and, oh, I got to go right. And, like, fuck, I mean, playing a video game and shit. If I want to play a damn done, video game, I will fucking done. pop on a video game. Exactly. Once you know the outcome, you're like, all right, I'm done now. What do I do next? Oh, exactly. I can watch another episode? No. Well, I, I, do could, it. I, could, I could see that just getting so old so quick. Yes. You know, um, I don't know. A little too gimmicky, I guess. Don't know what else to say about that. Yeah, I'm with <laughs> Especially like the Twilight Zone, too. It's like, uh. I know, because, like, if you would just tell me the Twilight Zone was coming back, I'd be like, all right. About I know, I'd be, I'd be all... back again. I would be happy with another Twilight Zone. Fuck yeah, I totally would be, too, man. Yeah. yeah. Hell so. yeah. But, you know. Sounds like an M. Night Shyamalan out. type thing. Guess the twist. <laughs> there you go Gets the twist <laughs> that's good that's good yeah so um that's happening i guess uh the final bit of news for this week told you it was a short week guys uh the stephen king adaptation of it uh last time we reported we said that uh the director carrie fukunaga uh, had exited the project but apparently it's still going on it required the script to be rewritten and now apparently that it's supposed to start shooting in July uh, in Canada, I believe. Yeah, uh, it's going to take place in – it's going to be filmed in Canada. And listen to this, guys. It's going to be filming from July 7th to September 6th. Huh. That's a long time. It is. July – well, I mean two months. Yeah. Does July it say where they're filming? September sixth. That's that just seems like way longer than 
than most movies. For like two months. Like almost a day. Yeah, but... Uh, I, I, that's what I, I mean, I guess. I mean, I guess it's... In today's world, I, I mean, I guess it could be a little bit long, but... Okay, um, yeah, it's a tight. They must have a tight schedule, man. Fucking so, every eighteen hours. Um, yeah, the uh, new director is uh, the director Mama. So, oh yeah, we'll see how it goes, guys. I mean, I was really looking forward to this, but I'm a little nervous for it now. Huh. Cool. Yep, that's the news. That is the news. All right. Um. Getting into uh, mood swings um, with the DVD and Blu-ray releases for April 26, 2016. Uh, before we get into those, um, there was one thing that I caught today uh, just by chance, actually. Um, I was on uh, Zombies Don't Run. It's a website. And uh, I believe the guy that writes on that website, he has a YouTube channel, too, of the same name, Zombies Don't Run. .net, I believe, or .com or something like that. Um, anyways, I was watching his videos and I clicked on the thing and I saw that he had just posted a thing on Wild Eye releasing. You guys are all familiar with Wild Eye. And they are apparently putting out a burn-on-demand uh, Blu-ray line for some of their titles. So if you guys are interested in that, which really, honestly, I'm not interested whatsoever <coughs> no. in that, to be honest, because you know, 85% of the wild eye releasing is pretty bad. And I, I really don't see the point in putting them on a lot of those films on Blu-ray and nonetheless, like, you know, fucking burn on demands. I can't imagine what they're going to be costing because they're wild. Eye. probably not that expensive, but uh, if you guys are interested in that, they should be dropping soon. Didn't see a date or anything, but yeah, wild eyes dropping Blu-rays for those <laughs> Blu-ray lovers what? out there who don't like to buy DVDs and you just want to have your blues. Wild eye. And I believe they're only through, Amazon for some weird reason. I think it said it was just Amazon, so I I don't know. That could be wrong. Don't quote me. Wild Eye is funny to me because like I feel like they know some secret. Like like Wild Eye has figured out some secret on how to like produce DVDs at such a cheap cost that if they sell like five, they're in the green and they're profitable. (laughs) Like (laughs) like they they know some secret because the amount of movies that they put out versus the amount that I believe they probably sell. Seems like they would be always losing money, uh, but I they, must they put a lot obviously of money in their have to be making money because like they keep putting out so much stuff. So I just feel like they have that like is... minimized the cost so much. They found some kind of magic leprechaun or something to where they literally can sell like ten copies of like Ghost Shark or something. It's and... called <laughs> artwork because they put out so much insane of their artwork That's on great. their covers. Then you watch the movie and you're like, wait a minute, this artwork is completely different from the movie itself. Wild Eye just completely reminds me of like 80s films. You know how like, remember, there's so many good cover arts in the film itself would be like, okay, whatever. But it always had amazing cover art. I think this is what their business plan was. They're like, we're going to take these films that are super low budget. No one else is ever going to release them. But what we're going to do to sell these we're going to promote these things. Not, we're not going to have any promotion for them, nothing. We're just going to have really awesome cover art, and that's what's going to sell it. And I think it's working because how many times have we looked at some of the cover art and went, yeah, give that a shot because of that? <laughs> you know, the fuckers suck well, you in. Me, not many times, honestly, mm-hmm. if I'm being honest. Like, I look at the cover art, and I'm like, yeah, it's pretty cool, but it's still probably an awful movie. Well, fuck, dude. That, the new line that they have, uh, Wild Eyes. Um, oh, what's the new line that they have, Matt? 
uh, it says on the side of the, of the, of the DVDs, uh, it's with uh, Morbids on it and a lot of those oh. other new ones, uh, Thrill Kill and um, it's like a new kind of subline for Wild Dive. But anyways, that's kind of when it started with like all these crazy cover arts and stuff. But the movies are like five dollar movies. Like they they paid the artists more. But this is why they're making such good money because these films are they're probably picking them up. They're distributing them for like super cheap or whatever. And then you know they're that yeah, was their who business, are these people business that are buying model. them? The business model was we're going to sell this shit just based on cover and it's kind of working a little bit, I guess. But they they've slowed down though. I mean, look at last month; it was like every week they were releasing three or four films. Uh, they haven't really released much this month at all. Maybe they're working on their burn on demand line or something. They found their Blu-rays. What kind of artwork can we them in this time? I have literally never purchased a Wild Eye film. Literally, I a, never. When Wild I Eye, when Wild Eye first came out, they were a different type of company. They actually were releasing quality indie type films. They've definitely dropped off in quality a hundred percent since those days because they kind of went quiet there for a while. They were dealing with these, you know, little more, I would say, better indie films like the Disco Exorcist and things like that. Um, the Bloody Ape, which you know, it's fun. You know, it's a shitty film, but it's totally fun. Yeah, I've um, definitely seen a handful of good Wild Eye films, but yeah, you know. But recently, I don't know where they're picking up some of this stuff, but they all – I do have to give Wild Eye a little bit of credit because they did release Bread and Circus, which is a film I was looking forward to seeing forever. I mean it was a film that came out in 2003, and I remember reading about it years ago and being like, fuck, I got to see this shit, man. It just sounds batshit insanely crazy. Well, I had like completely forgot about it because it was just no release, blah, blah, blah. And then they announced it, and I went, holy shit, really? <laughs> like that's amazing. That movie's fucking insane. You've seen it, Matt, right? Yes, I have. It is so insane. I mean, the the film starts out with the earth giving birth to this <laughs> dude out of like this earth vagina. It's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> that's actually one of the ones I bought too because it was like five dollars. I did I too. Picked up, yeah, yeah. I I mean, I had to. I mean, you know, I'd requested to review that, and of course, buddy never sent it because he still pissed off at me about the uh, the review I did, whatever <laughs> the couple reviews I did. But anyways. I'd purchased that, and I'm glad I did because they didn't send it to me. But uh, I thought it was fantastic, man. Like, just it's it's kind of funny that movie's so ridiculous and silly, but like the social, you know, relevance to it. Like, there's just so many things that are going on, like the political aspects of it, and you know, <laughs> it's pretty crazy how they did it. Well, they got me with Raiders of the Lost Shark. I saw this cover art. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, this looks sick. You got sharking. There's explosions. There's plane chases. I'm like, all right, a solid action shark flick. I sit down, get ready to watch it. I'm watching going, what? <laughs> what am I watching now? <laughs> they're in a lake. Now they're in a pod. I know. The now the shark up. is flying in the air. What? You know, Matt, everyone I've seen show that video off in, a, in an update or whatever, or talk about it, just said that sh- that was like the worst shit they've ever seen. And I'm like, I don't know, man. You haven't seen Morbid yet. You have not seen Morbid yet. <laughs> I've seen Morbid. <laughs> oh my god, it's so I have it. Oh, but bad. you had you had the, the 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 displeasure of watching Acid Bath, though. You see, that's another one. Great cover art, which you yeah. actually had in your recent video talking about. Great cover art, but terrible fucking movie. Mm-hmm. You know, this is what their business plan was. I'm telling you, they sold us. They they sold us, Matt. Me and you. We're victims of this. You know, to a certain extent. To say, <laughs> anyways, but. <laughs> JP's the only fucking smart one here. Go figure. Um, but any, but anyways, get into the uh, the DVD and Blu-ray releases for April 26, 2016. First up, we've got one here from Screen Factory. And I'm still going to say this. This is the most odd release that they've done to date. And I'm sticking to my word. And it is Death Becomes Her. 
honestly, man, this movie should not be on the Screen Factory line um, whatsoever. It's not a horror film. It's it's a comedy. It's a dark comedy. Uh, this probably would have suited Shout Factory's line a lot more. The thing that makes this release even more stranger is that they never commissioned new artwork for this film. And also the special features are very lackluster. And um, I do know that because I watched actually Buddy's video last night, uh, Zombies Don't Run's review of Death Becomes Her. And because uh, he's quite obviously on their mailing list. And um, he was he was even talking when he's like, there's like barely any features on here. So why is this a collector's edition? <laughs> so you guys be the judge if there if you've seen the film before. Um, it's not a bad film by any means. It's not really my favorite thing in the world, but I don't know, man. What are your guys' thoughts? I know, JP, you haven't seen this one yet, have you? No, but I'm looking at the uh, special features, and there's literally like a making of yeah. feature featuring uh, interviews and be a behind-the-scenes featurette, and that's it. I know, and this is a collector's edition. This is what I'm talking about. With no commissioned artwork and uh, no features – and it seems like it's on the wrong line. Like this is, has to be the redheaded stepchild of the Scream Factory line. Um, I don't know, man. It, it's strange. It's really, really strange to me about yeah, this one. Yeah, I honestly, it's like it should belong with Garbage Pail Kids. It doesn't work. Yeah, Garbage Pail Kids was another oddball one. At least no, that's... that fits, dude. Like, there's so many people who like love that movie. Yeah, well, it's I love so cool. It's, it's not cult. really a horror. But it's yeah, but I mean, neither there's a there's a lot of movies that aren't really horror. Like I feel like Scream Factory is like horror slash cult. Like mm-hmm. Dark Angel is that or Ninja Three are those really at all horror? No, but those but those I would consider to be cult films. Death Becomes Her has fucking Meryl Streep in it. This movie is not a cult film. I mean, I remember watching this shit like you know with my parents back in the day. Like there was no way my parents were like checking out fucking. Uh, some Dolph Lundgren film, you know, like Dark Angel and shit like that. Death Becomes Her was a mainstream film. You know, the, the, I, I I, mean, more, definitely not cult, cult, but I don't know. I, I, I just, I'm, I'm still fascinated by this choice of film from Scream Factory. Um, I honestly truly believe it's not going to sell very well. Again, I would love to see some numbers, but yeah, you know, well, it I seems just, like we're always 100% wrong on what sells well. So I know we always are. We always are. Um, you know, the <laughs> one thing that. That, that I will say is like, I don't really, I, like the one beef that I have with it more than anything is the fact that it is a collector's edition because, okay, so what makes it a collector's edition? Absolutely like, Is it nothing. just because you wrote collector's edition on it? If if so, then it completely devalues what a collector's edition is. Exactly what right, I said before. Nothing to it. I said exactly that before. I said, and yeah, we, you know, next week we'll kind of elaborate on this more because uh, we actually had a listener write in to the email and ask us and give us a topic for knowledge. But I didn't want to do it this week just based on the fact that we were reading five films. But it's something along the lines of that topic. So we'll get to that next week. Okay, well, that's good. That, that, that's awesome that someone wrote in and actually, you know, had that on mind because, yeah, man, I, I don't get it. And I completely 100% agree, man. It, it devalues what a collector's edition is. And it's kind of a shame. It's kind of a shame. You know, I mean, they're doing it to themselves and people aren't stupid, you know? It's, it's well, kind my of thing is just like, I hate the fact that, like, the only way you can get them to answer a question is if they choose to on the group page or the like page. 
Like, I would love to, like, just have somebody out there who literally responds to the questions that we ask. Just one person, just all day, respond. Yeah, they're their PR work isn't like really the greatest sometimes. And but it's not just them. Like they honestly have better PR than most people. Oh no. The, companies. You know, well, the thing that bugs me about that, the screen factory page on Facebook is that people ask questions all the time. They do respond here and there, but there's that one fucking douchebag that has to answer everyone's David goddamn Steinman. question. Who the fuck? Like, <laughs> and I honestly don't even go. I haven't been on the screen factory Facebook page for a long time because I can't even stand looking at that motherfucker's name. That guy is a piece of shit, and that's the epitome of why I stay off a lot of things like that. I don't really go on my general feed, and I just stay in our group page, and you know, and become a hermit that way because of shit like that. It's like he's literally like a teacher's pet. He fucking ruins it for me, man. I'm like so annoying. I don't want to hear you answer the fucking question. I want to. I want it to come from the PR guy because then I'll actually believe it. You know, you're just speculating right. more, and that's all it is. And then he gets in arguments with everyone. Then he starts calling people names and or bullshit. No, and I'm if just you like, say something dude. negative, he'll be like, "Now, guys, don't you think that it's okay?" That and I'm just like, <sighs> I know, dude. Like, what the hell? <laughs> you know, I mean, there's some fanboy. I mean, we could probably consider ourselves like, I, you know, I like Screen Factory. You know, buy all their stuff, and but this guy is just like on a different play. He's on a different ball field, man. Yeah. You know, I, I don't, I don't get it, man. It's really irritating. And that guy can fuck off. <laughs> so, anyways, moving along with the DVD and Blu-ray releases, we've got. Uh, <laughs> I still think this is like just the best time of the year to release this film because it just doesn't make any sense, and that's what I like about this. Um, Krampus <laughs> from the director of uh, uh, Trick or Treat, of course. Um, I reviewed Krampus uh, after I saw it in the theater. No idea what episode that was. I'm sure JP could look it up right now. But, anyways, I shared my thoughts on it. I know a lot of people really dug this film. Uh, I definitely had a lot of problems with it. Um, there's so many good things about this movie, and then there's so many faults to it too. At the same time, and it's just it's kind of a mixed bag for me, um, <laughs> you know. But uh, I don't know, man. This one, I think a lot of people, you know, could have fun with it and stuff. But it is what it is. Matt, have you seen it yet? Actually, I have not seen it yet. I'm gonna be waiting to probably pick it up next week and watch it then. Yeah, I've I've been hearing all mixed reviews on it. So I'm kind of on the edge, but still, I don't care. I'll watch it, and if it's good, it's good. If it isn't, well, yeah. oh well, I wasted whatever, how much it was <laughs> for it. I'm really looking forward to Set watching it shelves. again, just knowing what I'm getting myself into. Because honestly, dude, like I, I, I specified in my review, there was one point in this film where you know everything was going so great. I was really enjoying the the character interactions and the imperfections of the characters and the atmosphere and the setup, and everything was going really, really well for me. And I was actually sitting with my boy Dylan was sitting right next to me and this part happens in the film. We both literally turned to each other and went, what the fuck? <laughs> like both of us at the exact same time. It was like, it was, per- it was like, it was calculated. And, um, and I was like, okay. And then we're just trying to get past that. And then, you know, and then some more shit happens and it just, it turns into this full moon fucking bizarro thing. And I'm just like, I don't know, man, I, I have to rewatch it, but you know, those were my, my initial thoughts. And, uh, I just felt like it just ruined what it was, what it had. You know, so biggest shame. um, I've heard many reviews since episode 66 in which you reviewed it for the first time, (laughs) uh, including episode 68 in which Dave reviews it. And I got to say, I've heard many more after that. And yours so far is literally the only negative, not even negative because you did give it a positive review, but um, yours is the only review that I've heard 
where you were uh, lower on it than mo- like you know just well you gave it a six point five out of ten. So everybody that I've heard has given it an eight or higher. Yeah, um, man. Literally the only person. Um, I've probably heard about close to ten reviews. <laughs> it's funny um, with all the top ten shows that I listen to. Oh, when everyone together. says I always come in with the highest rating. Fuck you guys. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I, I'm. I mean, I'm interested just based on that curiosity alone. Yeah, but I still haven't seen it. You know, it, it's very much one of those films that is. Uh, it's a judge. It's you know, you got to judge it for yourself. You know, it's all depending on how you take certain things in it and stuff. And I just, whew, I don't know, man. I just, if they had to kept like that first quarter atmosphere and that type of tone throughout the film, fuck, man. Crap, Krampus would have been, it would have been in the nines for me. It would have been a really good film. I like the ending. I thought it was good. So, but uh, yeah, that's Krampus for everybody that wants to watch a Christmas horror film in April or sure, May, why not? early May. <laughs> why, like, why not, right? You know, coming uh, summertime. Yeah. Why not? Uh, moving along here uh, from Screen Factory, we got another one here, and it's called. S- I hate the title. <laughs> I hate saying it. Uh, yeah, we know what that is. Uh, snake film from the early seventies. Um, getting a Blu-ray release, man. Actually, I'm excited for this because I the only edition I have of this film is in like a four pack, and yeah. that's I actually bought that four pack for this film because I had all the other ones. But, yeah. same four pack. Now I actually have it. I have it in a single films. release. Oh, you do have the single one. That's cool, man. All four of those films in that four pack have now been released after have all been released by Screen Factory on Blu-ray. Yeah, that's right. Yep. I was actually no, I noted that to myself when I was uh, organizing my room. I was like, "Wow, that's really cool." They released all these on Blu-ray, so I like the film, man. It's pretty cool. It's I've pretty always, cool. I've always, really and, and what is and what does this film remind you of, JP? Puppet Master uh, Eight or Curse of Puppet Master. <laughs> It's the same same film. It is. It is. But what's funny is um, Matt, when I was watching his top 10 franchise, when he talked about Puppet Master, he said he didn't really care for uh, Retro and Curse. And I'm one of the, like, I swear to God, like, only people who think Curse is one of the best Puppet Masters. Ugh. How? That's interesting. Yeah. Because it's, it's, (laughs) and and it's good. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) <laughs> okay well, that, all, all right <laughs> I, you know i'm honestly kind of with matt like i like the first five and you know honestly i, I really you know something hold on I, i'm gonna you people who like parts four and five but don't like curse blow my mind because those are not good movies four and wow, five that's are weird because shit, i like four and, four and five like four and, and the puppets five. are good guys and it's lame but as like hell curse <laughs> I don't know. There's something about those films. I think it's maybe the way Jeff Burr approached them, his direction of the film. Yeah, it is different, but I seem to like everything that Jeff Burr does. He's kind of an underrated director for some oddball reason, but um, I don't know, man. I, 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 I they added, they added an extra element to the movie where now the puppets man. are fighting the totems. And it looks fucking great on Blu-ray, man. I'll add that again. Ugh. That shit looks great. I, I, I remember doing my Puppet Master Marathon well, technically, if you look at it, part three, they're heroes, too, because they're killing Nazis. Yeah, but they're not, like... They're like, still good. They're on the good side. Uh, or they're, they're just they're killers, kill- and they happen to be killing Nazis. <laughs> well, no, they're they're fighting in, during World War II, where the Germans are taking over. They're, you know... They're fighting as American the, soldiers. the Jews and everything. <laughs> and the Jewish people hide, and one of them happens to be Andre Toulon, and he's taking some of the the 
parts of like the librarian that was killed. He made Jester. He killed a strong. They killed a strong man. He put part of them, and that made uh, Pinhead, and so on. And he made a couple in the name of the Nazis, like Tunneler, Blade, and he made them fight the Nazis. So they were technically. Yeah, I don't think that's like. I mean, it's not the same as as it is in part four and five. They're they're still. It is a little different, yeah, Matt. Because, I want to ask you something. The, the thing is, What's is that? like, okay, go ahead. Did you watch Puppet Master three right before we started recording the show? Yeah, because <laughs> no. you knew a lot of the details that I had forgotten. <laughs> I was like, damn, dude, that's really good. I haven't watched it in a while. Well, so. It's weird. Okay, I only listen. own Puppet Master one, and I own Puppet Master nine and ten. That's it. When we do the Puppet Master the show, that's Matt is yeah. doing Puppet Master with us. All right, you want to Puppet Master? I'm 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 getting close to have them all on Blu-ray, man. I got one through five and a nine, ten. No, I'm lying. I have ten, nine. I only have nine. So there are four good Puppet Masters. All you need is six, seven, and eight on Blu-ray. That's pretty cool, man. But uh, yeah, I'm looking. For, I'm actually looking forward to doing them all. Are we going to throw in the the uh, demonic toys yes, versus Puppet are. Master? Of course we are. So we're going to be watching eleven. Oh, we'll be twelve. There's, there's a new oh, one, because coming, out, there's a new one coming out, and I'm sure it's going to drop any minute because you know Charles Band just seems to drop shit. I think. Uh, Come on, Charlie. I drop. think. I think it like it's hot. <laughs> Evil Bong High Five, which I love the fucking title. Evil Bong 420. Fuck, those are clever. Um, yeah, High Five, I think, just premiered on uh, Full Moon Stream, and I think this, like, in the last couple days. So, yeah. Well, if you really Masters break down. Good. I'm sorry, that's the last Puppet Master is supposed to end the Axis trilogy. Well, right. Again, they're fighting the Nazis. The Nazis. So yeah, adding- and that's another thing. I, but see, it's different because they really do feel like good guys like ever since like part three uh, since after part three i i still feel like they're villains in part three even though they're fighting villains you know villains and villains can still fight each other but they become heroes in part it's kind it's kind of what like you know where the godzilla franchise went i guess if you want to call that yeah you know i don't like either he became like good and stuff i i honestly i prefer godzilla as you know the evil villain but yeah. Well, the Puppet Master series is funny because literally there's one good movie, and then if you're a Puppet Master fan, there's four good movies. <laughs> but if you really look at it, like th- there's only one well-made movie there, and we know that it's part three. <laughs> <sighs> I can't wait to do this one. It's weird. Yeah. Didn't Puppet One and Two actually have a theatrical release? I think one m- might have. I, 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 I mean, I two. like part one two and three a lot but part, you know, part one i don't think did. that they're very good i think one and two didn't and three came into the uh direct to video three and was, was like perfect. such three a big movie awesome. for what it was you know <laughs> yeah that's strange though if one and two had theatrical releases and then part three being probably the best and the biggest didn't yeah <laughs> it's kind of funny how that works but yeah I, you know, we'd have to look into that. That's uh, Paramount. You know, I think that's when Paramount was backing them, one, two, and three. Oh, when they were distributed. Yeah, yeah. That's right. All right. Hey. So moving along with the the releases, we got one here from uh, Blue Underground. And you don't say that very often, actually. <laughs> they don't release a whole lot of stuff uh, these days. Um, but this is kind of an interesting double feature because it's actually featuring one of the two films on here has never been released by uh, Blue Underground before. The other one has... Uh, it's a double feature called Diabolical, Bizarre, and Sadistic. Um, two films are The Million Eyes of uh, Sumera, 
or Sumeru, and The Girl from Rio, which is a Jess Franco film. <laughs> Oddly enough, I just picked that up on DVD because I buy a lot of the Blue Underground stuff on DVD because that's just the way my collection goes. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm going to grab The Million Eyes of Sumeru on DVD, which is – that's just the way I'm rolling. So, uh, But I read The Girl from Rio. I, I think I, I read the premise to you guys like the other night. <laughs> that shit sounded fucking crazy, man. Crazy, crazy. But you know, you know what you're going to get with some Jess Franco shit though. Shit. So, yeah, that's the way do, that's the way we do it. Um, yeah, moving along here with releases, uh, we got one here from Arrow, and this is one right here that uh, I really don't know a whole lot about. Um, I know it's from the same director that did Island of Death, and I believe that you can watch like the trailer and, and little bits and pieces of it, like on the Island of Death Blu-ray that was released by uh, Arrow, and it's called The Zero Boys. I'm excited for this one. Me too, man. I just these are the type of releases I get super stoked for. I don't know if it had a release anywhere else before this. I do you know if it did or not? I don't think it's. I don't think so. It. I don't think it even has a uh, a DVD at all. Yeah, I, the only way you can get it is maybe a bootleg. But other than that, no. Yeah, I'm thinking so too. But this movie just looks crazy. I was like reading the premise on it, and I'm like, well, if it's anything on the same, it won't be on the same lines of Island of Death. Because have you seen that one before? Yeah. That, oh yeah, that movie is just fucking. But I love the director because I mean the reason why there's so much crazy taboo type things in that film is because he purposely did it like that he wanted to piss people off hence you know all the the, the homophobic stuff and like the the goat fucking the goat fucking <laughs> like you put all that type of shit in there it's just ridiculous like the incest and yeah. you know fucking the sister like there's a crazy shit in that film man and uh i always remember the part where he makes the the dude suck the gun it's, it's actually on the cover of the of the blu-ray release um you can see it like in the yeah. This movie looks cool as shit because I didn't even I wasn't even aware of this release really, but I'm like looking at it now. I think I have a you know one of those Arrow screeners that are like not the real release. They're just like blank discs. Mm-hmm. It's like um, almost a redneck versus like a bunch of kids. And the yeah, kids this like this looks this back. looks right up my alley. Like I'm reading I know. The description and stuff. It looks so good. I can't wait to check this out, man. It looks great. So, but you know, it's an Arrow release, so it's probably going to be. Uh, fantastic so yeah looking forward to checking <laughs> nice. that right there well if you look at they put on it if you look at uh, imdb the uh featured review there down in the user reviews is from november 1999 from leo flavum uh out there in tyringe sweden and he says it's the perfect combination of action and horror nice <laughs> i've actually watched a trailer of it because i was very curious what this whole movie was about and it sucked me right in. I'm like, wow, this looks badass. Cool. I'm like, ooh. Yeah. I am really, really stoked for that release. And uh, that is going to conclude the releases. Uh, there is a couple other like kind of cult ones. We got uh, Dolomite coming out from uh, Vinegar Syndrome. If you guys are interested in uh, black exploitation, I am hugely a huge fan of black exploitation. I love it. And are you going to watch it this week, Moots? Um, when I get back, I'm out of town for the next three days. So, yeah, <laughs> I got a lot of shit to get to next so, week. So, um, you should I'm, watch it. You should watch it when you get back, because I'll watch it, and then maybe we can discuss it slightly on the show next week. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Sounds good. Cool. Cool. And uh, Arrow's also releasing Dillinger. So, if you guys are into that type of thing, which is a very cool film, actually, um, they're releasing just that. The cover looks badass. Just a couple cult films you guys are into. So, yeah. Sweet. And yeah, that's going to conclude the releases. Now for my pick. Release. 
<laughs> my release of the week. Basically, I fuck everything up, man. I'm just ter- I'm terrible at this. I'm awful at this. I'm just I'm terrible at what I do. Um, for myself, at least you're consistently terrible. Oh no, no, I'm really, really consistent with being terrible. That's something I no, I, you can't take away from me. You just can't take that away from me. <laughs> Uh, so not a whole lot of releases this week, but you know some definitely some releases from big companies. You know, I got a couple of Screen Factories, Blue Underground, double feature, pretty cool. Arrow. Um, I am going to go with the Zero Boys. Got to pick up something this week. Go with the Zero Boys. It just looks and sounds fantastic. And I mean, if it has any type of, you know, any type of that crazy style and substance that uh, Island Death has, this shit's going to be batshit crazy. Mm. Awesome. You know, I. I never really say what mine would be because this is Moods' thing. Uh, but I usually say if I agree with him or not. And honestly, like, you, you got a few things there. This is the gamble. And I think I think you go with the gamble this week. So, so I agree with Moods. Mm-hmm. You know, none of us really know what it is. We never, none of us seen it. But, yeah, I'm It's I'm almost like Hills Have Eyes meets the Platoon. Nice. <laughs> that, that, that is so strange. How I'm sure like there's like one? multiple people screaming at their audio going, you fucking idiot. Should be Krampus. <laughs> <laughs> no, it should be. Yeah, no, no, no. There's that like really small minority going, really? Death becomes her. That is the best film <laughs> out there. Come on. It's a Blu-ray, damn it. <laughs> it's got Meryl Streep in it, man. Come on. You know, you can't go wrong with that. So, uh, yeah, that's going to conclude the DVD and Blu-ray releases. Um, yeah, moving along with uh, questions and voicemails. Uh, do we have any questions or voicemails this week, JP? Oh, uh, yeah, before, we got some. Before you do it, I just want yeah. to say, um, after listening to the last podcast when you guys were daring, um, the Heron Lauder, the second part two, yeah. and they asked uh, for the questions was to move the hist- move the news or pick of the weeks to at the end or not do them. Yeah. I'm listening to everything. And I wanted to wait for the show because I wanted to you know give my thoughts on it. Good time. And, for, and I want to say I love it. I'm glad you guys do it. Uh, for me, I find it very helpful because it helps me realize what movies are coming out that I want to get, not get. I love finding the the news interesting because there's some stuff I would never even know about. And I want to thank you guys for doing it. Like you said, you guys are the only podcast that does this. And again, you guys do it awesome. You guys do it the, the right way. You do it right in order. You want you don't want to put it at the end because you want to say that for what the podcast is, the the pick of the the move, the main review. That's what you do. You don't put the goods at the end because then everyone's going to speed to the end and get to the goods. Whereas you want to get to the goods and then the final product, which is the review, it's like ah. All right, yeah. you like that? You get that happy ending, and I want to say thank you guys for doing this and keep it up. It's awesome. I've I've been loving it ever since I started listening to the show. Awesome. I'm not yeah, sucking that, any balls great. here or anything like that. I just want to say I'm. This is the truth, and well, I'm glad you guys are doing it. Thank you, Matt. And I have to say that's the first time we've had a live voicemail on the show. <laughs> that's awesome yeah no for real like that's cool i mean like we said in the last episode we was really blown away with the feedback and you know it it kind of reassured me that we should keep it the same which i was that's kind of what i was looking for like an answer to that and uh you know everybody likes happy endings Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> we do. See, the way I described it before, it was something on the lines of, you know, when you go to the cinema, you watch the trailers first, and then, you know, you get to the main feature. And I kind of think, like, everything else before is, like, kind of like that trailer, and then you get to the main feature, and then it is what it is. That's the structure. So mm-hmm. thank you for that. That was very – that was awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. So, kind, of, kind of speechless, actually. I wasn't expecting <laughs> that right there. Uh-huh. <laughs> awesome. All right, so we have some voicemails. Uh, we have two from Dave and one from Lawrence. Oh, uh, the Mr. Z. So, so Dave, uh, he actually misheard us on the last episode, or we misspoke. I'm not sure, but uh, he was under the impression that Kyle was going to be on this episode. So he does say the horror file uh, in his voicemail, but uh, he means Matt. Oh, that emo. That's so funny. <laughs> Maybe we did say – no, I'm pretty sure we said Matt. I could yeah, have said Kyle. No, Wait, Matt even get... said, we did say Matt, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Dave's just That's hard right. hearing then, the old man. <laughs> the old guy, yeah. I'm not <laughs> okay, answering so... his question then. Voice, <laughs> <laughs> or, or I could do it in the, the voice of Kyle. Like, okay, yeah. like, like um, let's do this, like, uh, yeah, um, like, two. <laughs> Uh, that's great so uh we're gonna play lawrence's first he's so mia he'll never hear that i know (laughs) yeah you know what i like moods i like that once people like get on the show then they stop listening to us (laughs) brandon yeah fucking brandon kyle i still listen jeremy i think matt might be the only person yeah I'm John, cool like Matt. that. Steve. I don't think you ever listen to the show anyways. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. All right. So uh, here is the voicemail from Lawrence. Hey, guys. It's Lawrence again. I'm calling, and you know I like doing something different. Well, I'm thinking let's try something new with this call. I don't know if you're aware, but... When Roger Corman was making his films, he never actually started off with a script for many of them, if any of them. He actually was approached by a studio with poster art, and they would give him this poster art to make the movie around. So basically, someone would make the poster for, like, Beast with a Thousand Eyes, and they go to Roger Corman and say, Hey, Roger Corman, here's $10,000. Make these with a thousand eyes. And they do it. <laughs> it was working out fairly well for him. So I'm wondering, how about we do that this time? Let's see. I give you a title, and you come up with a story around it, or at least the idea of a story. Just something to break with. So, how about we go with a puppet on violin strings? Sort of something a little off the wall, I know. But if that's too much for you, how about Necrospace? See what you can come up with for those titles. Anyway, have a great day, guys. Bye. Okay, so first thing I want to say is, Lawrence, we... I think you're slacking, buddy, because Roger <laughs> Corman Roger Corman had visual art to go with this. I demand the next time you do this, you draw us pictures <laughs> set in so we, so we have the posters too. 
Now I have to say, man, I have to say, we got a little short change on this one. JP's been, uh, I was going to say he was weak this week. <laughs> uh, he's been sick this week. So we usually get sent the, the, the voicemails ahead of the show that I'm hearing this pretty much for the first time. Um, so I haven't really able to put a lot of thought into Yeah, but I, I didn't want you guys to hear that one because I thought that it's suppo- like the idea is supposed to be spontaneous. Oh. Okay. Hmm. Huh. So okay. what we could come up with with the quickness. So so a puppet on violin strings. This obviously sounds like some sort of giallo. This sounds me. like an Italian giallo for sure. Um, directed by, you know, Sergio Martino. <laughs> yeah, so so let's say that it's set in a musical school. That seems about right. Okay. You down with that? Yeah, sounds good. Sure. Okay. Now you, now you pick something. Now you say stuff because I'm out of ideas. I, I was just about to say, now this musical school is like a covenant for, you know, it's like a witch house. And I was like, Jesus Christ, this fucking Suspiria right there. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, there, there has to be a scene where somebody falls out of a uh, a thing and like hangs themselves or something. <laughs> the murder weapon is going to be uh, piano strings or piano wire, and they choke everybody with the wire. You oh, see, like the yeah, blood coming around, yeah, and and their body it kind of hangs like a puppet from the strings. After you know, they're all hung. You that's know. that's the end. That's the final. Like you know, when the slasher movies. The final person's running, and then they find the the room full of all the dead bodies that have been murdered. They're all hanging like puppets. Yeah, I'm strange. There you go. So yeah. we got no. So we have no story, but we have a finale. That's good. Yeah. Well, the story. <laughs> yeah. Let, come on. Let's be honest. The story. The, that's all those yallers really are. <laughs> yeah. I mean, somebody gets killed in the beginning of the film from a POV shot, mm-hmm. black gloves, and you know, by the end of the film, there's a lot of people hanging from violin strings. Yeah, and we'll, <laughs> we'll have a detective who's been on the force too long and seen too much. Yeah. I mean, you got the sexy. You got the sexy teacher. Um, who is, uh, you know, teaching these students and she's all wrapped up in this because, you know, her friend was uh, one of the first victims. And now she's wrapped it up. She's all involved in the case because now the police are in there. She's part of the investigation and her students are the ones being picked off also. And uh, yeah, it's just a police investigation to why are all these students getting picked off? Yeah, this, yeah. This and, and there has to be a scene like in the middle of nowhere that just kind of happens where the detectives like investigating a bakery or something. And we have like a very eccentric, like baker who goes there to grab some cannolis because it's Italian. And shit. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I think that's our, Maybe you can have a girl that has a psychic link with the puppets. Like she can actually communicate with them. Jesus Christ. What is this fucking Friday seven? <laughs> uh, shit. Okay, not bad. Not bad. Let's actually, move that on. Was, that was really not bad for being off the top of the head. And you know, that was a whole film. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. That was a so, whole... so Necrospace. Okay. Necrospace. Necrospace. Man, the first thing I thought of was some dude that was somehow had this random kind of almost like a secret dungeon room in a hospital. Right? And that's where he's getting dead bodies. So, I mean, when you think of Necro, I mean... Mm-hmm. See, I mean, it's pretty obvious thinking, you fucking dead bodies, right? So. I was thinking a little bit more along the lines of like a sci-fi space epic where we have <laughs> this – it's set in this like futuristic environment where there's sort of like a la like aliens where like this one spaceship is kind of in the middle of nowhere and there's just one person on it and his name is like Necro and he's kind of like a badass, almost like a – 
like a John Carpenter's Ghost of Mars type thing, and he is uh he 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 makes it to a planet or something and he's like kind of a criminal like an out a space outlaw and shit but he's a necromancer as well so he like he like can control the dead or like he he like has some like dead powers or some shit you know honestly the first thing i thought of when i heard necrospace was the rapper necro i just thought of like him doing a, uh, a hip-hop video okay and it's starring necro <laughs> it's starring necro <laughs> <laughs> there you go man there you go. That really, you were thinking sci-fi in space. That's so that, that's it's called such necro a space. You could have like the name of the spaceship be called the the Necro, and uh, some kind of maybe an alien <laughs> comes aboard, or some kind of mutation happens, and it only happens on the spaceship Necro, the USS Necro. Yeah, maybe one of the guy kind of flips, and you get these aliens in there, and then he. It's kind of like one of those reverse home invasions, like the aliens try to invade the the spaceship, where he kind of flips it on them and captures them and then maybe does some really nasty and naughty things to the aliens <laughs> maybe maybe even like a zombie movie you know like in space zombies in space night of the living dead in so, space so basically which horror franchise has not gone to space so that is going to be the next george romero dead film because he hasn't gone to space yet like all the other franchises zombies in space i love it it's good shit all right. They did do a zombies in space type movie. Well, they done actually they done a couple of them. Never mind. Zombies in space. Yep. What? Like if, what? what have they done that was in space? It was zombies. Um. Let's see. There was oh, something Mars. Um. Uh, what the fuck was it? I have the blue Mars. No. 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 It's uh. They're in outer space. They're on Mars. They. Oh, find... with Lee Driver. Yes. Yeah, that movie's good, man. I like oh, that movie. Uh, what, the, what the fuck is it called? Something on. Into no, Mars, something on Mars, something. It's where they find these bacteria, and the one guy says, "No, I want to keep going." He falls to a pit. They come rescue him. He ends up dying, and all of a sudden, he's like walking as an as a zombie on the planet Mars. Like his um, spacesuit is ripped. He's got the blast shield broken off, and he's coming after them. Last days on Mars. Last days on Mars. That's it. Oh yeah, That's I wanted to see film. that, dude. It's I actually like... really good. Yeah, I thought it was really good too, actually. It was kind of weird, man. I, I I bought that movie, and I was watching it, and for some weird reason, the, I think the last like fifteen minutes, like it it wouldn't play properly in my in my Blu-ray player, so I had to like watch it on my laptop. It was so strange, but yeah, so fucking weird. Yeah, but Last Days of Mars, I totally didn't even think of that. Good one, huh. good one. You're good yeah, that that was actually kind of fun, Lawrence. It reminded me of uh, the thing they do on the movie crypt, the five minute movie where they have five minutes to come up with a movie based on a tweet. It was pretty much that idea. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so uh, maybe try that again in a couple weeks. Give us some artwork. Yeah, damn it. (laughs) How how do you voicemail in some artwork? You can email it. I guess, yeah. Sweet. All right, so that's uh, that's – oh, shit. Thank you. Voicemails. Thank you, Lawrence, for that question. Once again, always appreciate him. I think he just made a post. I didn't read the post. Did you guys check it out? Yeah, he said a little that bit, yep. he uh, he will continue doing the voices and stuff uh, from time to time. But you know, he want to ask the cool question or something. So yeah, dude, you know we like variety here. So if you want to throw in uh, a funny voice impersonation voicemail and then move to like one of these questions where you ask us like to create a movie out of nothing and then maybe ask like a regular question and back to like yeah that's cool dude keep it keep it coming 
keep it coming. You're always a regular caller. We appreciate you. And now we actually know who you are on the Facebook page. <laughs> I know. Was, it was a mystery for like a long time. That was awesome. Yeah. yeah, you know, definitely, definitely uh one of our favorite callers for sure. So uh cool. with that said, let's move on to another one of our favorite callers who doesn't call that often, but he decided to pick up Brandon's slack. Uh, because Brandon used to be our regular guy, and I don't even think he listens to the show anymore. So uh, here's Dave <laughs> in for Brandon, subbing for Brandon. Hey, hey, guys. This is Dave C. I just thought I would phone in because I'm a phoner. <laughs> I guess that's how it works, right, Shut Actually, the fuck up, Dave. <laughs> Just silly. You know, since Brandon's too busy, I guess I'll try to take over his spot here on the show and uh, be a phoner again. And <laughs> I guess we have a question, and it just came to mind. I'm literally driving, listening to the show right now. The you know the latest one, not the new one, of course, that I'm on because I don't travel time. But I'm listening, and I, and I know that horror file Kyle's going to be on, so I'll ask all three. Think about your favorite horror franchise. I'm not doing it. And remove the best movie of that franchise. And then remove the worst movie of that franchise. And do you, does it still remain your favorite franchise? So, chew on that one. That's the best I can come up with. Keep doing what you fuckers are doing, man. Love it, love it. You guys are great hosts, great people, and great friends. So... Some fucking weird so question. I'm gonna go right into Dave's second voicemail because I think he kind of rewords his question in the second one, um, but I'm not sure, so we'll just play it. Okay, guys, uh, Dave C again. I'm an idiot. Uh, I was more concerned about making jokes on the last call than the quality of the question, so this will this will make more sense now. Check it out. If you remove your favorite movie and your least favorite movie in a series, that, that means that's your favorite series. Whatever, that's stupid. Uh, what I was trying to say is, if let's say Neighbor and Uncle is your favorite one, and you do that, your number two and number three favorite series, if you do the same thing to them, would those movies, in fact, take over your number one spot? So like if Psycho is your second favorite series, you remove the favorite, you remove the least favorite, would that go ahead? Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, because that may have, you know, changed positions due to the addition and subtraction. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a little bit better of a question if I look at it. There was two parts to it. So, so yeah, that's that. Um, voicemails for exploding heads. You know what? I, I we don't have enough participation. We only have three emails ever in ten shows, so we're waiting. In the meantime. Why don't you guys just send a voice memo on Facebook to my personal account or to Brandon or Christian or whatever. 
or if somebody has an iPhone or an Android, they can make a voice memo and email it to us. So I'm going to talk about that on our show, of course. But in the meantime, if you guys want to do that, it's all good. So, yeah. Anyway, thanks again. Love the show. Talk to you guys soon. Okay, so the first thing I got to say is, Dave, once you take over the uh, number two spot with, uh, you know, (laughs) currently featured by uh, the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror, then you might get a little more participation in your voicemail line. But, you know, for now. Until then. Yeah, we'll we'll call you up. I'll send you something. (laughs) So the, the question was interesting because... I think the moods I'd like to let you answer first because uh, you recently – you know literally your number one favorite franchise and your number two and number three right away because you recently did a list. Matt, you also. Me, I'll have to think about it a little bit, but moods. So if you take your number one franchise, which was what? What was your number one franchise? Nightmare on Elm Street. Okay. And you removed the your favorite film from it, which was? Part which three. Part three. And you removed your least favorite, which is the remake? The remake, yeah. Okay, now what was your number two favorite franchise? My number two favorite franchise is Phantasm. So Phantasm, what's the best one in Phantasm? Uh, My number one for me. Okay, so you removed number one. What's the worst one? Number three? I would probably say... Oh, I'm trying to think of how I rate them, but I think probably number four I gave... The lowest rating too. Okay, so so the franchise consists of part two and three, uh, and now what's your third favorite franchise? Psycho. Psycho. So you remove Psycho one, yeah, correct. Yep. And you remove the remake. <laughs> yes, the remake. Yeah. So what is your favorite franchise? Man, that's such a Out fucking of those that, three. That is a well. It's interesting because Phantasm's only down to two films. I mean, really. Part two and three, um, good films. I got more films in Friday the Third, Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the Thirteenth. Uh, but if you would take away the two, you won't have a franchise anymore. So technically, you can't do Phantasm because it won't be a franchise if they true. take away those two. True. That's very so interesting. Have, that is very very interesting. You just have a duo of Phantasm. Okay, so what? Do you know your fourth favorite one then? <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah number four was uh just give me one second to think about this uh number four is friday the 13th i remember okay so, so. let's bump out phantasm <laughs> since it automatically disqualifies itself and uh add in friday the 13th which your favorite is part four i believe yeah and your least favorite is obviously not jason goes to hell it has to be jason x right it's jason x yeah okay uh so does that change anything Oh, that's Elm Street's still your favorite, which would consist of part one, two, four, five, and six. Yeah, Elm Street doesn't change because, I mean, really, part one is probably probably a better film than part three, but I like part three more. Um, I don't know. I got to go with Freddy's my all-time favorite villain. Nothing's ever going to change that for me. I like the whole idea of that franchise. Taking away my favorites leaving myself with those other ones, part one and part, you know, four shit, dude. Nightmare wins. Huh? Okay. It does. 
Uh, let's move on to Matt. Matt, your number one favorite franchise was Friday the 13th, correct? Correct. Okay, so uh, you remove uh, – what is your favorite? Part four. Part four. <laughs> and your least favorite is obviously Jason X, correct? No, it's not. <laughs> it better not be Jason Goes to Hell. <laughs> it's actually the uh, the remake. Okay, I'm cool with that. Oh, wow. Um, so I could deal you, with it, but I was just like, eh, all right, I can deal with it. But So what's your second favorite franchise? <laughs> it was actually Nightmare on Elm Street, but I was going through my list trying to figure out since Moods already did Friday and Nightmare, let's let's mix it up a little bit. So, of course, my next one was <clears throat> Final Destination. But if you take away the two, you don't have a franchise. All right. The next one was Phantasm. Oh, shit. Can't do that one. <laughs> the, next one the, ne- the next one after that was actually Halloween. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So we'll do Halloween next. And uh, my favorite of uh, the Halloween movies would be the first one. Okay. And the worst one for me would be Resurrection. Okay, so you still have one more franchise, right? Oh, we have to do three franchises? Yeah. All right, hold on. Let me get my list. And then <laughs> after Halloween was Texas Chainsaw. Okay. Whew. So you take out part one and the next generation. Yes. Got to be that, yeah. Okay, does that change anything? Is your favorite franchise still your favorite franchise? Yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> so this is, this is actually exciting. Yeah, oh, wait, yeah, wait. Okay. I should do it. I should do the Kyle. Like, okay. Um, like my first one was like uh, Friday the Thirteenth. Yep, yep. Okay, guys. Like uh, my next one will be like uh, I think it was Halloween. So the worst one I like would be um, like uh, Resurrection. Like, yep, that. One. And my favorite one was like um, uh, the first one. Like, like okay. And now like we're going to Texas Chainsaw. Like, oh my god. The first one, yes, gotta be my favorite, and like the uh, the worst one has to be, you know, like uh, next generation. So like, yep, what I have to go with it is like nothing would change. Oh, that's, right, it. that's great! <laughs> oh shit, gotta soundbite that. <laughs> so, so uh, I'm I don't have a list that I recently did, but I can do a mock one really quick. Uh, so my favorite franchise would be Friday the Thirteenth. I'm gonna exclude that one because I know that it won't change. Uh, doing this, so I'll go with my second favorite, which is uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street. And then my third favorite, which is uh, well, Phantasm would be in there, but we're obviously excluding Phantasm. We'll go with Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and then finally we'll go with Halloween. Uh, so so we have uh, three big juggernauts there. Uh, so my favorite Elm Street is part three. My least favorite Elm Street is the it's the remake yeah uh, part five is pretty close with that but it is the remake oh um, man, crazy so and I think part five. six uh texas chainsaw part one is obviously my favorite generation is my least favorite uh so the same as matt and then uh halloween my favorite is part two okay and my least favorite is resurrection now looking at looking at it now uh, Chainsaw definitely gets gets sliced up a bit with the loss of Part One because that's yeah, such a time. film yeah. in the franchise. Elm Street, to me, I think is technically still my favorite. There, even though Part One is classic, Part Two I love, Part Four I really strongly like. I don't like Five. I don't really care for Six, and I don't really care for Wes Craven's New Nightmare. So really, there's three films there that I'm that I'm kind of standing on. With uh, Halloween, 
I I still got part one. I still got part three. I still got part four in H2O and Rob Zombie's remake. Nah, and H2O, H2, man. which I do like. I think that Halloween then becomes my favorite. Huh. And it hmm. bumps Elm Street up because there's just more films that I like there. But it's weird though. Once you remove uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3, Part 4 and 5 don't make sense because 3 goes into 4 and 4 goes into 5. Yeah. Yeah, but once you ins- once you just have <clears throat> yeah. Halloween without Part 2, you go from Halloween 1 to something that also <clears throat> doesn't make sense. Halloween 1 to Part 4, technically. <laughs> to, no, 1 to 3. I think it's so well, fascinating three, there's that... No, three has nothing to do with the series, so you just like, but it's still basically if you're going by series. Well, it's part of the franchise, but if you're going like chronological, it's like one and four. Because <laughs> yeah. two is just a completely different film, but the film is awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, honestly, I think that's how it would go, but, uh, you know, I... Obviously, that's with me removing Friday the 13th, which would actually still remain, you know... I could, I could probably chop, like, my top two favorite Friday the 13ths out of the franchise and keep the bad ones and still it be my favorite franchise with Friday the 13th. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's very interesting. Good question that, though, Dave. Really kind of yeah. cool. Very, very interesting. I think it's interesting that, that you like part two so much and you dislike part five. I think that's of what of uh, nightmare on Elm street. Yeah. Well, part two is actually like good and it's scary. Mm. And part five is like pure comedy and it's got unlikable characters. What about part six? <laughs> I think uh, that'd be really worse. Part six also has Part six I just I still can't part even. Part six has retarded comedy, but it has likable characters. Uh, uh. Come on. <laughs> yeah. The car the Carlos scene. Yeah, I've uh, <laughs> like that. That's awesome. Freddy's dead, man. Oh my god, I can't stand that film. <laughs> it's just I can't do it, man. Now you're playing with power. Oh, it's so stupid. Yeah, <laughs> but so I, stupid. I mean, I you know me. I've been a strong supporter of Part Two for a long time, and I stand by it, man. That movie's, you know, I used to dark I, as fuck. I used to, yeah. Part Two for me has always been a strange one because it just it's so oddball, like it. Mm-hmm. As a sequel to the original film, it's just so strange, and you know everything about that film is just weird to me. Uh, part five was one that I never used to like that much until you know I've watched the franchise so many damn times, and it grew on me, man. Because there's like this little mini kind of trilogy in the middle of it. You know, you got three, four, and five. Five is a weird film with the whole pregnancy thing and you know the comedy and things like that but i don't know man it's probably due to multiple watches i just really become accustomed to it it doesn't matter how many times i watch freddy's dead i still i still want to beat myself up every time for watching it you know I'm like why did i sit through that I, shit again I, but I'm see like, the thing what? that i like about freddy's dead is i actually do like some of the concepts like the last elm street kid and how like elm street is this like that's weirdo the- town that's like completely abandoned and just creepy now that's but it, the-, the comedy fucking ruins that Dude, I know. Thing. That's the thing, man. I, I totally 100% agree with you. There's lots of things in that film that are decent. It's completely ruined by what they did with the comedy. Nintendo. <laughs> yeah, they just they went so, you know, t- one way. They just went comedic instead of actually, you know, exploring these you know what pretty scene decent does ideas that they had. had. You know what scene does it for me? When Spencer is like bouncing up and down, and you have that like Looney Tunes music, dude. It's I know, man. I fucking oh, <laughs> it just drives me nuts. It's just like boink, boink, boink. <laughs> <laughs> so fucking 
<laughs> when he's on the steps and he's like wobbling back and forth. Like, mm. and, and Freddy's dead. Like it starts out promising too. Like it has. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, and it just it just tanks. Like even that. if you take him riding on the broom and shit, like I could actually live oh, with that. That was Wizard of, Oz. <laughs> Wizard of Oz. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Even like with Carlos's yeah. death scene with the whole ear- hearing aid, that was pretty funny, but still a nightmare nightmarish type thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you go with the whole like Nintendo that... thing where he's bouncing all over the place. I'm like, what? I know, man. <laughs> the, no. the Carlos scene at least is like cringeworthy because like yes. you know yeah, that sound pretty, of the nails on the chalkboard and the Q-tip in the ear thing, and it's actually quite disturbing when you actually take it literally. Like this dude's mom used to abuse him with Q-tips, and like fucking make him deaf <laughs> deaf <That's true. laughs> which is creepy like you know that movie could have been totally redesigned and actually been like a hell of a good elm street movie <laughs> i'm sure we'll talk about it one day yeah i mean probably way down the road but yeah i could see it happening the right. show the show that's all the voicemails that's all of them yep cool all right, so moving along in uh, mood swings. What do we do? We we have any listener feedback? Not that I, except for I guess Matt was a listener feedback this week. <laughs> yeah, there on the feedback. And I'm assuming that we don't have any knowledge either, right? I told you we do have something, but we're gonna save it for next week. That is right. So then we'll just skip forward into the classic room morgue. Corners reports, weird stats, and morbid facts. Um, yeah, this is actually kind of strange. Uh, the one that I picked here. This one is coming from issue 162. <laughs> so many weird things are happening right now. Uh, December 2015. This is the Krampus issue. We just discussed Krampus for a little bit. Very strange that I. This is not planned. There's no planning here. I don't plan anything because I'm consistently really bad at my job. <laughs> And the one I chose is very strange because it happens to have or have it has to do with Nightmare on Elm Street. So a Nightmare on Elm Street, Heather uh, star Heather Langenkamp has two cameos in Wes Craven's Shocker. Really? Dead bodies featured on the evening news. Huh. I didn't even know that. I was like, I was trying to think of it tonight. I was like, (laughs) I can't even fucking remember, man. Then again, I don't like Shocker. So really odd. I love Shocker. I love Shocker. Love it. That soundtrack is phenomenal. Soundtrack, it's just a nightmare ripoff. Kind of did his, mm-hmm. kind of made it, remade his film differently. I ah, love Shocker, man. So much fun. It's not a great film by any means, but Horace Pinker, man, badass killer. Great soundtrack. Mm, it's got amazing. a really, it's got a, oh, come on, man. Horace Pinker's, <laughs> even the name like Horace the, Pinker is scaring the shit out of me the, now. Honestly, that there's scares- like two Wes Craven films that I don't really like, and it's Swamp Thing and Shocker, and I guess Hills Have Eyes Part 2. Oh, man. Yeah, Swamp Thing, I'm not a big fan of either, to be honest. But, I don't know, man. Shocker. I, I I have only seen it once. I haven't popped in the Blu-ray. Hopefully, that'll change my mind. I'm just I don't like Shocker. Yeah, you will after you watch the Blu-ray. It okay, looks pretty, it looks pretty sexy. <laughs> Hopefully I do. Sounds good. <laughs> so, yeah. So that is going to conclude uh, mood swings and the room or corners report. All right. So you know, moods. Before we get into what you're about to say. I've always waited for the day, you know, you've been doing these corners reports for such a long time. I, like I, for some reason I thought eventually you have so many of them with so many 
you know, corners report things in each morbid facts in each book or whatever. Yeah. I always expect you to be like eventually just start to make them relevant to like the featured review or something or like, you know, at least kind of in there. But of course, we can't expect you to actually. Well, every, every I have done it before by chance because what I do is I have this massive stack of room orgs and I, this is how I do it. I generally just grab one by uh, randomly. Right. And then I go through it and I'm like, okay, that one seems pretty good. I mean, to find something relevant, I mean, I guess I, I don't even know. I, I don't think I've ever read one on Tremors before and all the issues. So, yeah, yeah. yeah but, you know, like some of them did. I know there was one, I, I think when we did the Mario Bava show, I think I did the Corners Report or something like that on Mario Bava. I think that's how it went down on that one. I don't know. I'm not sure. But uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, honestly, it would be hard to go through and find some shit unless I like actually noted them the issues. But I go, okay, well, I'm doing this episode, so I'll note this. <laughs> so <laughs> are, it does make a little more sense to do that. But yeah, are we gonna play Seven Degrees of Kevin Bacon at all? I have no idea how to play that. <laughs> are you serious? Oh uh, no, no, I do. I was only joking. We're not actually gonna play it. But... No, I I know the Seven Degrees of Kevin Bacon. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's like Jesus, it's too much thinking, man. It's too much thinking. But uh, on that note. What are we here for? Tremors. Tremors films. Under the ground. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Something that is right. So for some odd reason, if you're just tuning into the show right now, like right at this point in the show, and you have no idea what you're listening to, well, you've just turned into the featured reviews franchise, the Tremors franchise. Yeah. yeah. Which and, made uh, my top ten. It did make your top ten franchises, didn't it? it did. It's awesome, man. So, yeah. So I guess we'll start in, uh, well, with the first Tremors film from 1990, directed by Ron Underwood, um, who I believe, what did he go on to do? He went on to do something notable. Uh, not much, though. <laughs> I don't know. I guess I got it. But, of course, this one right here is starring Kevin Bacon, Fred Ward. Michael Gross is in this one. Uh, Reba McIntyre is in this film. Very it's strange. First movie. Yeah, very, very strange, actually. That's I always remember he went watching. on to do City Slickers the next year. City Slickers, that's and the Mighty movie. Joe Young. So he only did City Slickers then. Yeah, so that was a notable one. <laughs> uh, Mighty Joe Young, not good, not good. Um, Tremors, nineteen ninety, rated PG thirteen. Wow, uh, and like actually, all these films are rated PG thirteen, with the exception of what uh, Part Three. Part Three is rated PG. Very strange. Damn. <laughs> so PG thirteen franchise making a top ten. Who said PG thirteen films can't be good? Uh, Jeremy. Jeremy. <laughs> yeah. I was waiting for that. I was waiting for that. Jeremy totally said that. Anyways, guys, Tremors from nineteen ninety. Um, synopsis: Natives of a small isolated town define defined. Defend themselves. It's one sentence, damn it. <laughs> I know. Natives of a small, isolated town defend themselves against strange underground creatures, which are killing them one by one. Dun, yeah. Dun, dun. yeah. So, man. Okay, so the first thing I want to say is every time I watch Tremors, I am just so impressed with the scope of the film. Like, it is a big freaking movie for, you know, got Kevin Bacon, Fred Ward, Reba McIntyre, and just the, it looks like it costs, like, so much money to make. $11 million budget, man. Which isn't even that high. $11 million budget is fuck all, man. It's crazy. Half that probably went to Kevin Bacon. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's actually quite impressive how good the, you know, well, they don't even have a name in this film, but I guess they call them Worms or whatever. Um, 
What do you the mean? It's on the graboids. Wait, what the hell are you talking about? They, that's where they get the name. Uh, Do- Walter Changs are going, we need to name them. They keep thinking something. Snakeoids. Oids, snakeoids. No, but they, like, don't, they, don't, they don't actually officially call them graboids until the yes, beginning of part two. Nope. I thought they were just That's throwing true. around names. They actually officially. Nope, he's like, no, graboids. That, he's we'll like, call I, them I like graboids. that one. That's what we're going to call them. <laughs> so maybe they don't actually use the term graboids after he says that in the film, though, because it makes no, it. He, that's the only time he says it. Exactly. So they make it prevalent in the beginning of part two. So I might have just overlooked that. I remember them. I actually like that part of the film when they're throwing out the names and stuff. But yeah, right at the beginning of part two, they're like graboids. I think that's cool. But yeah. Uh, but so, anyways, the graboids, they look great in the film. That's one thing about this film that, you know, watching all these years later, I haven't seen in a few years, but it's just really, really well done, man. Mm-hmm. This oh, whole yeah, fucking man. film. Watching it the other night, I was just blown away by every technical aspect of this film. Yeah, you everything know when from it, look to acting to effects to setting to story. The camera work under the, the ground sound, when it was everything the is amazing. Editing. This is an amazing low budget studio film. This is really well done. This is how you do films. Yeah, check this out. It only made it cost eleven million dollars. It only made sixteen million. Ah, that's fucking crazy, man. Yeah, that is so crazy. VHS, when it came out on actual tape, it blew its budget out of proportion. Everyone flocked and bought the movie on VHS. Yeah, uh, that's, that's where it's got its money from. Yeah. Yeah. So, like Modes was saying, everything in this film is done so well. Like they use miniatures. Yep. Like, dude, yep. puppets, puppets, yep. and miniatures, and and they use you know and, and they you know, did it good they did it good never do you sure, look exactly. at this movie and be like oh that is silicone and fake blood like it looks fantastic like every time you see a graboid it looks like a living creature it does mm-hmm. yeah the technical aspect of that those graboid effects man are beyond me right now it's really amazing how they did it man and yeah. honestly guys this they film don't film. has such a unique and awesome story mm-hmm. for a creature yes, feature. It yeah, it really is well done. Like, and another thing that I'll point out that I have always loved about the Tremors films is their character development and the way they flesh out these characters is so so ahead of what it should be. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, from the very first scene. Where you have, you know, Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward out, out by the truck. They're, they're uh, you know, Fred Ward is sleeping uh, and they, they, you know, he messes with them and wakes them up. Uh, and basically uh, when, the, when they're kind of getting up and they're all like trying to do their thing, one of them is looking through his pockets. He finds a uh, lighter and matches and the other character is looking and he finds cigarettes and can't find a lighter and matches. And vice versa for the other person. And then they just look at each other and like they have this buddy thing going that's immediately established mm-hmm. from that scene, which is so well done. That is brilliant writing to instantly establish like they are like like Valentine McKee is peanut butter to Earl Bass is jelly. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, you know, by the setting of it, they don't really have much choice. Of course, they're going to become best friends because there's like no one around. But you know, it's like <laughs> the whole paper, it's rock, scissors. They didn't argue. They just go, fuck it. Paper, rock, scissors. Let's go. One, yeah. two, three, go. Yeah. All and right. that, you know, the, the paper, rock, scissors thing. I know it's amazing how you can capture that friendship and like that bond of characters so early in a film so effectively. And it just works. It doesn't even come off cheesy. It's not forced at all. It just seems so natural. That's really, the, that's really effective. 
what the movie does too it foreshadows for the ending like everything that they did in the beginning goes towards the end the stampede thing stampede where they're located what's going on and he just goes it just happened to me stampede That's right. That's right. Like, yeah, shit. even even the lighter thing, like that he doesn't yep. have the lighter. Like yep. it's it's actually quite brilliant, honestly. Um, but you know, as always, guys, we will be spoiling these films because it is a franchise show. Just throwing that out there right now, since we always forget to before we start talking about the movies. Yeah, spoilers. <laughs> of course, spoilers from nineteen ninety. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, uh, the the film plays out so well because it really does move at a fast pace. You have. These uh, two guys who instantly you see that they're like these handyman and they're kind of developing their their characters very very rapidly but very um, easily to where it does not feel forced at all. And then shit goes down. Shit is going down like, you know, first they run into uh, the guy on the telephone pole, which honestly I remember as a kid watching that, uh, it actually kind of – creeped me out a little bit like they, they, they they're driving down the road and they're like yo 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 <laughs> there's a uh, old nester whatever hell his name is uh, yeah, I think it was uh he's like shit Edgar. that's old nester and you know something else guys and this i i take note note of things like this um writing also well done because there's just a little line thrown out where you're like well how the hell would they know that's nester and it's Val, uh, throws right. out the line. Well, hell, he always wears that same damn jacket. You know that little line right there. Yeah, means so much in terms of like plot holes. Like that just little line. Like, and it also adds to characters and the place that they are. Of course, there's a guy who wears the same jacket all the time. Like mm-hmm. it just fits in this small town of perfection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and they know that too because they see him every day. Yeah, <laughs> right. You could not miss that, <laughs> you know, and yeah, that's so what I like about it because they capture that little small, isolated, desolate area so well. Like these characters know everything about everybody. You know, another it, thing it's, it's that I natural. took note of is that the characters often say out loud what the audience is thinking. So mm-hmm. you say you, you see him up on this pole and they're like, you know, well, he had a he had a. 12 gauge shotgun or whatever and they're like so why why the hell do you dehydrate up there you know and they talk out loud and they speak what we're thinking uh and even later in the film when they uh sort of uh get stuck there because the rock collapse on the road like the the audience might be thinking like oh of course the rocks fall down onto the road and they can't get out or whatever but then the character says what the hell it feels like the universe is out to get us you know how is it possible that this would happen on all that? You know, so it's like yeah. it's it kind of catches those. That's a good note. Brief like moments of where you might think, oh, that's a cliche or like plot holes or something like that. You know, uh, I love that style of writing because it instantly like rectifies what they the 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 and it justifies what they uh, their decisions in the storytelling of like how they're stuck here. Mm hmm. And it makes it more it, believable. It does make it believable. That's the best thing about it is that it does feel very believable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what it made. This, this whole film is just so effective in every, in every aspect, man. <laughs> One part, actually, just before shit starts going a little, uh, little crazy for him <laughs> is when uh, uh, the two characters, Kevin Bacon and, uh, and uh, uh, what's his name? 
Fred Ward. Fred Ward, yeah. Um, <laughs> they're sitting there by the kind of like that little junk or whatever, and they reach into that toilet. They use a toilet as the air cooler. Yeah, yeah. I love that shit, man. That's yeah. just perfect small town uh-huh. <laughs> shit, man. It's great. And it's cool that they threw in stuff like that. Yeah, too. and like they're how really they're arguing cool. about who cooked dinner last time. He's like, it was bologna and beans. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, no, no, it was uh, uh, burritos or something or tuna, whatever he said. But it's it's funny. He's like, bullshit. It was bologna and beans. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's what I really like about this film, too, man. A lot of the dialogue and things that happen in this film, you know, it's – this is a it's a very strange film because you could classify it as like a it's like a horror comedy action thriller sci-fi it's like every category it's one yeah it it's really is it really it's is a buddy fil- it's a buddy it's like a buddy cop film minus the cops <laughs> exactly. it's got a love story <laughs> a love story like romance uh, i mean it, it's everything like you said and you know, the, these characters work so well together. I, I've always loved that that team up, and I've always wanted to see them return, both of yeah. them, into the series. I know the the comedy for me in this film works so well because, you know, at first you would probably assume that it's going to start coming off very silly because of what it is. It's like a, you know, essentially what this film is is like a, it's like a throwback to fifties creature feature type films, right? You know, with like a nineties twist kind of thing. Um, so you would expect it to be a little goofy in times, but the, the things that happen in this film and the dialogue and the jokes that happen, it's like, it's almost like this dry, effective humor that just works on all levels. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, nothing you know is, why like, you, you, I you never kind of look at it you never kind of look at it and you never go, okay, that was stupid. It, everything they say just comes off natural. The comedy flows very, very well. And mm-hmm. that's what makes this film work for me personally on Every level, man, is the interaction with the comedy. Yeah, because I think that the comedy works so well also, Moods. And one of the reasons I think it works well is because you watch this film and you're like, oh, it's labeled as a horror comedy. Oh, it like it it seems like it's funny. But when you really think about it, none of the comedy comes from like – like stunts or stupid wacky stuff. It all comes from the characters' interactions with each other, much like real friendships – are there's comedic moments in your yeah. friendships like yeah. like when we're sitting here people we're talking being all serious talking about stuff and people f- find stuff that we say funny sometimes and it's just because we're doing funny like we're just naturally being friends and we laugh at each other and you know the, some of the things that we do are funny it's like they, they're just being people and like sometimes when you're in everyday life like funny things happen and that's exactly how this film plays out. It's just mm-hmm. two friends who happen to be funny together. I know. And, and that's the best thing about it for me, like that they didn't overuse like physical comedy when they totally could have in a setting like this, you know, just use like stupid, silly things like that. But it's just, yeah, it, it just makes it so much more enjoyable to see good writing, you know, solid, you know, interaction. And that's what the comedy is, you know? It it doesn't have to be dick and fart jokes. It doesn't have to be physical, stupid comedy and things like that. It's just these are real characters and this is how they talk and this is how they react in situations. So. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And you you also have um, – it's not just uh, Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward's characters of Val and Errol. I mean you have, you have Burt Gummer who's sort of this uh, – who we know later on becomes like a main part of the series but – but he's he's this uh, like doomsday prepper, like paranoid, 
gun freak, but he's he's really well written because he takes himself 100% seriously. Yeah, and and it's so true to the times though too because I remember, you know, early 90s people were starting to just think about like the end of the world because it was like 1999 and 2K yeah. thing was coming along and you know, that's never mentioned in here, but that's exactly what they're getting at. People were getting they were starting to get paranoid. Oh, the 90s are here. That means Y2K, blah, blah, you know, all those things, they were just around the corner. So that character is, it was relevant. And it's funny to see, to look back on it. And I just, and you're so right. His character works because he does take himself hundred percent seriously. Like the, like when he's giving him the, the vacuum pack food and stuff. And he's like, Oh, you got like all your things in toilet paper and fucking blah, blah, blah. And he's just so dead serious about it, but it works because that's, mm-hmm. that's how these people think he's a real, he's like a real paranoid character. And I do kind of like how his character you know, like evolves a little bit throughout the film and stuff like that, or throughout the series. Like he becomes yeah, so much yeah, different. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. How much he hates the government. It's like all yeah. dominant domain where if the government gets involved because we're in the little town and everything, which kind of leads to the future in the TV show where the government does get involved, which is kind of funny in itself. But Burt Gummer's all straight to the military down by the time down by this. And he's very, he's not the crazy one. Like you think, the doomsday prepper guy that's got all the guns, he would be the so-called bad guy of the movie. Well, but he's not. He, everyone, there's no real bad guy out of the group. There's not one person that you hate that you can't wait to no. get devoured. Yeah, e- even Melvin, Everyone's who's great. a little dick, is just a young, uh, yeah, annoying a kid. You know? Yeah, and but he, but it comes off natural though. You know, and it's never, it's girl never over the top. It's not an annoying little girl either. Yeah. Uh, Which Cindy becomes there, fine. Oh, Mindy, Mindy, yeah, she becomes Mindy. super hot in part three. <laughs> yeah, she does. <laughs> oh. like, it's so totally awesome. But yeah, no, Bert's awesome, man. He's um, he's like just that real character, man. You can kind of identify with him, you know. But the thing about Bert that's kind of cool is that he is he's got this total, total, you know, uh, paranoid kind of attitude towards him and stuff. But you know, he's well, he's grounded because he has this wife that's kind of on the same level as him a little bit. You know, it's not like this, you know, like a lot of movies, that character would be the loner. He wouldn't have a wife, you know, yeah. he yeah. just wouldn't have a wife. He has this person that's with him and well, stuff. It, and there's it's one, like a different dynamic there. It's so strange that he has a wife and has even a, their relationship. I found, found was like, there's just these little lines I think work really well. Like it's towards the end of the movie where uh, Bert and Val start getting into an argument where he talks about we had Bert's like we should have stayed. We had food and this and that. And Val's like they would tore the walls down around you or something. And then Reba McIntyre's character kind of steps in and pulls uh, Bert away. And she's she's like, I know, I know. He thinks he knows everything, you know, and it's just (laughs) stuff like that 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 feels real to me. Like that feels like something that a wife would say. To like kind of pull her guy away, you know what I mean? To calm him down. Yeah. Because if they fight, the situation that they're in now is not helping the situation. They need to figure out what the hell's going on. And like the funny part is too, when they're on the rocks, and he's like, "When it comes down to starvation, I'm gonna walk with one of these out, let them swallow me, and light the fuse." And of course, Fred Ward's character goes, "That's great!" Like a funny moment, yeah, you know, but he's that, actually that's being not serious. A bad idea. And everybody's <laughs> like, "That's actually a good idea." <laughs> yeah. They're like, oh, yeah. no, you're not going to do your lasso trick. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> yeah, so even even in situations like that, they're kind of busting each other's balls. But it never yeah, feels, yeah. like, unrealistic. Like, it, it feels like that. No, it does. They're, they're definitely a close and, community. 
it's you know the whole storyline in this film is is quite in, interesting to me because actually throughout the whole franchise, I mean, you you learn bits and pieces. You, I mean, we also see the elevation or the elevation, the uh, evolution of these things too of these graboids. They learn later turn into different things and stuff. Um, but the thing I like about this film is that you're left in the dark, really, of where these things are, you know, really where they come from and things like that. There's no real explanation for it. And, you know, sometimes with these type of films, you're like, okay, well, what the fuck? Like, where, why are these things here all of a sudden? Like, where'd they come from? Blah, blah, blah. There's speculation. Um, I think it's just executed perfect. I don't think you need to know any of that shit. And you, you, those are the type of things that are meant to be, you know, found out in sequels and things like that. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's why I don't hate sequels that, that yeah. expand on the mythology because that's the time for it. Exactly. And, and this it, first one's perfect, like you said, because it, it's just like, hey, these things appeared one day yeah. and now we're like cut off and we have to figure out a way to, to survive. And I love – you know, and we'll talk about it more in the, in the sequels, but like they really do keep a lot of like continuity and like – and like they Dude, mention characters and stuff honestly, throughout. Honestly, the whole thing is done very well throughout the whole franchise. Like the way they kind of elevate these things and they keep certain characters and they they talk about certain things. It's done pretty well. You yeah, know, it's like they don't forget what happened before ever yeah. in this series, which is is hard to do in sequels. It's hard to find sequels that do that. And you, and, know, you know, they get smarter, and that's that stays. That's a yeah. staying issue throughout the the franchise yeah, that i love it's, it's noted it's noted all like all through the whole franchise right into part five when you know bert's character is like oh they just they just keep getting smart he says something on the lines of that right you know it's just it's the same joke throughout the whole franchise like yeah these things are always fucking with us because yeah you always feel like you have the upper hand yeah and then they always turn it on you and you know it it, even then this this first one here right like they they kill the two with the you know Bert kills one and they blow up one and they the other one who's they call old stumpy because he attached to their uh you know to the truck or or whatever You know, I told you I wouldn't hold up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Is that um, like right after? After they kill the first one, and Kevin Bacon's like, "We killed it." Fuck you. Yeah, <laughs> says that. I'm like, you know, generally that would come off so stupid in a film, but it's just so it's so yeah. the character, right? Yeah, it, you, it's so like, great. You genuinely love these characters. Like, yeah. they're such strong characters for oh, fucking horror great. film. So I, I mean, I told you guys, I you know, I've speak all my thoughts of tremors before but i literally have seen this movie like 30 times or more Mm -hmm. um oh yeah it's one that i grew up watching i remember the first time i seen it it was i was it was on like tnt or something in like 95 (laughs) and you know it's one of those films that i literally told you moods like i can pop that you know it's gonna be a rough week for me to watch these movies because i'm sick and i got a long week and stuff but I it's not going to be hard because I can literally like just I I can watch them at any time like I can watch them over yeah, yeah. and these ones never get old to me especially this first one because even you know I we talk about this all the time too but when we critique when we watch a movie for the podcast it's like we're watching it for the first time in a different way you know what I mean because we're we're looking for things like more closely and we're paying attention to editing and lighting and and set design and and creature effects and stuff like that. And, you know, I was even more impressed this time than I think I ever have been watching this movie because I was looking for those flaws in it. Mm-hmm. And I just kept seeing, like, Speak- excels. 
speaking of that, um, Matt, you have the Blu-ray set of this, right? Yes, I do. I have the attack pack. Okay, so yeah, I just have the DVD set. I'm just I'm not as cool as you. Me too. Um, <laughs> it's okay. It's you can get it cheap still. It's all right. But I was just wondering, how does it look on Blu-ray? Like, do oh my you, god, are you noticing? Awesome. Uh, like, the effects hold up on you know in the in the 1080p. Yes, it's a lot clearer, less grainy from the uh, the DVD. Yeah. I was just surprised I'm watching going, wow, this is actually better. Because I used to watch these on DVD all the time. Mm-hmm. When they all came out, I bought them right off the bat. And I said, you know what? Let me upgrade because I needed to save room in my collection. So I went with the attack pack because it's got all the special features. My DVD of Tremors 1 had no features. Mm-hmm. This one has features on it. So, fuck, I got to get that. Watching them going, wow, all four of them are nice, clearer, less grainy. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm like I'm very shocked in this fat on this attack pack. Like, wow, this is good. <laughs> I was really hoping that they were going to look good, considering what the settings are. I find you know these type of films that are set in these type of you know scenic areas and things like that that they generally should look good. And I'm glad to hear that they do. Oh, because yeah. that that's going to add an element. Because I probably I'm definitely going to upgrade my DVD set now after watching this franchise because it's been a long time since I've watched five films in a franchise and been pretty. Uh, Pretty Supposedly, sad. they're putting out another tack pack that's going to have all five of them on it now. Oh, uh, that's pretty cool, man. Yeah, yeah you know something, Moods? The, on, the, only, yeah, the only one I watched on Blu-ray, obviously, was part five. And it's just, it looks so fantastic, like, the transfer on that. Obviously, yeah. saw it in HD, too, though. But, like, it's like, holy shit, dude. Watching the first four on DVD and then popping in five, I was like, fuck me, man. That's insane how good that looks. So, yeah. You, it, you know what, Moods? I was thinking something similar uh, you know, wondering about the HD. So I actually uh, checked the, the first film out online and it was in HD, uh, even though I had the DVD. I just I just wanted to see. Uh, and I never considered upgrading my attack pack in my DVD set because I'd had it for so long and I bought it super was like cheap, me too. Like 10 bucks at like Walmart or something. I just was like, I, well, I'll never need to upgrade these. Like it just didn't seem like titles I would ever upgrade. I'm upgrading now. Like these, these, you know, watching them this time, I was like, you know, I would love to have these on Blu-ray. So yeah. And the attack pack Blu-ray set is cheap as well. So uh, why not upgrade? Oh if, yeah. Uh, you know, D- Dave Z, I was think- talking about the, uh, thinking of when you were saying about, how it's been so long since you watched this and when we got into the comedy and stuff because Dave Z's perception of this film I think was a lot like oh like you know it's those comedy worm movies like creature feature probably cheesy and stuff and I think that a lot of people who've never seen this film kind of have that perception of it and I think he was pleasantly surprised when he actually watched it for the first time which I convinced him to do uh so yeah I mean definitely if you've never seen Tremors watch it because no, i'll tell you the first tremors movie has the highest body count out of all the rest of the movies really I didn't know that it also it like probably has the highest survivor count too <laughs> yeah. yeah which yeah which is totally strange but uh, yeah i think dave said that that was a criticism kind of of his where he's like you know i wish more people would have died but uh, you know at the end of the day this film feels like you know obviously it's cool to see a lot of deaths and stuff in films and you know, you know every but if every well, film just, ends uh, with with one or two survivors I really, then then it's boring so you have to but have here's like the thing, though there's a ton of survivors but in this movie 10 people are killed yeah 10 but that's you know, high for a creature feature with a lot of survivors too that, that is man. perfect that plus is plus three worms see i think it i think it works well, for me four worms 
<laughs> I think it really works for me, though. Like, I don't really notice the whole block of survivors in this film due to the fact that every character in this film is likable and you don't really want to see him die. It's not like you're watching a slasher film where you got these shitty characters and you're just going, I can't wait till you fucking die. <laughs> you know, we all have those moments in films where you're like, I can't wait for those people to die. This film, honestly, I think if you started killing off these really likable characters, I think it would have hurt the tone of the film. Because the tone is perfect. It has this great, you know, comedic element to it. It's it's taking itself serious, but it's not at the same time. You know, there's like it has this perfect blend of everything that just makes up a great tone to the film. And I think if you started killing off, you know, certain characters, I think it kind of would have hurt a little bit. Maybe that's what they that why they did that. I don't know. Maybe well, they just kind of got lucky with it. But that's also, what that, that's my personal thoughts on it. And, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of I'm glad the way it ended up because I never noticed it. And that's a good thing. Yeah. Well, it's, it's me not a- personally, you know, I, I like all different kinds of endings. Like I love downer endings where everybody dies. Oh, dude, you uh, have no I, you know how much I love those. <laughs> those yeah, I, I, I like endings where there's a final girl and maybe every once in a while it's like her boyfriend. It's like, oh, that's different. It's not just her. Uh, but, you know, you have to have all different types of endings in horror films if everything ended the same shit would get stale really fast so there is room for endings where like a high count of characters survives and in this film particular this film is about people who are friends in a small tight-knit community who rise up against something that's threatening their existence uh in in this area and it's it's really that about teamwork and them working together and and hence why there's so leaning on each other's shoulders so exactly it makes sense that so many of them survive for this movie this story arc this is how it's supposed to end i think it ends great uh and there was you know a a kind of touching death where the 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 melvin kid who's this complete douchebag character the whole movie um his dad dies Mm mm-hmm and he's, you know, he's like, you got to do something like that was actually kind of sad, you know? Yeah. And and, and that's stuff. what I'm saying. If you did that five or six more times, it would kind of change the whole complexity and, and tone of the film and maybe just change your overall perception of what you were watching. Was I watching a comedy or is this all of a sudden got like super serious? You know, like when you're watching like a sitcom or something like that and like it starts out funny and then it gets like uber serious and it ends serious and you're like, what the fuck did I just watch? <laughs> and like, what just happened, man? You know, I remember like uh, some TV shows would do that. And it's just like, oh, my God, like that was weird. Um, That doesn't happen here. You never have that moment of like, what the fuck? You know, like it just stays consistent throughout the whole film. And I think that's perfect. Yeah, just perfect, man. I think it works great. I think, you know, I mean, I guess if you're looking for a high body count, you don't really care for the characters and stuff, then. Maybe that's what Dave is looking for. I don't know. And even when I explained but. to him, like, what I just said, like, I think he was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. That actually, yeah, you know, kind of opened up a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, you guys have much more on this one? Well, I, I, I wanted to get into, well, <laughs> as they so play or so kind of subtly name them in the film, the Graboids, the Worms. Um, the thing I love about this film is how like how they made the graboids, you know, um, that they hunt like the way they hunt, you know, by vibrations and things like that. I think that idea is scary as shit. Yeah. And the characters 
are always thinking too and they like they, it takes them a while to figure this stuff out and they're always trying new ideas and they never feel dumb right they always feel like, you're never like oh i would do this i would do that yeah. and the characters don't do those things like now, they do right. all the things you, that yeah. you would think of now let me like when you start to learn things about these graboids and you know how they hunt by vibrations and hence standing on rocks is a good thing because they really aren't going to break through the rock and eat you that way you know they start to learn these things and it's very smartly written too now what are your guys' thoughts on you know, the, uh, the seismologist that they meet that she's out there doing, if you don't know what a seismologist is, it's uh, someone that, you know, registers basically earthquakes or like moving in the earth and things like that. Well, she just happens to be out there. And of course these things are, you know, that's how they hunt, you know, by vibrations and things like that. I mean, it could come across quite cheesy and also, you know, a little convenient for the story to have someone like that, but it doesn't even affect the story whatsoever. Yeah, at all. Okay, the way way I justify that is they write the character in perfect. Like she's not the one that's like, yeah, this and that and blah blah blah. And like she's like this big fucking hero because she's a seismologist. She's the brain. She's all this and that. Well, they talk about they talked about a uh, student that was before her. They said, well, was that the grass guy? It's like no, he graduated. Now we got someone else, which is happens to be yeah. uh, They say a geologist at the time. They're like. And Val's like, oh, that's supposed to be a girl. And, of course, he bolts right to her. Mm-hmm. saying, you know, you're going to have long legs, great. He's listing all the stuff. And that introduces uh, the girl. And she says, well, I'm actually a seismologist. Yeah. So it's kind of like, okay. But I like how they wrote the character because she's not this, like, know-it-all. And you're just like, oh, okay, fuck that person. Like, she's not part of the small town. She's not part of that configuration of characters, right? She's an outsider, right? But she fits in. They managed to write her in as a character that totally fits in. Yeah, yeah. That's unheard of. That's, like, unheard of because she's the brains. They're supposed to be not. Like, I like how this all goes down. I really do. I like, I love the fact these grabbers hunt the way they do. They figure it out and things like that. And then I love their tongues. Yeah, I love that whole aspect of it. I think it's fantastic. And I like how, I I just thought it was, you know, we should probably mention this because there is an elevation of the grabbers and what they turn into. And and then there's more of an elevation, you know, of uh you know progression of the the graboids and things so but yeah i just i just really enjoyed the way that was all done i think it was Mm -hmm. great so it it didn't affect me because i know me and jp we've talked about convenience in films so much and yeah it's it's always a problem and it's so notable for like the you know somebody that's just watching films you know here and there whatever you probably don't notice as much as we do but like there's a lot of convenience factors in poor writing in films a lot you know, and yeah. this and this isn't one of them. It may come across as being convenient, but it's totally not. It's done. Well, it's not because, okay, I don't know much about seismologists, but where the fuck would they be at? Probably in Nevada in some desert, like, ju- like measuring earthquakes. Like, I, I don't know. It seems like where they'd be. Well, yeah, I mean, you would think, but I mean, they're probably everywhere. I mean, they probably work. Every- I mean, you get earthquakes everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah, but, right? but it doesn't also. Also, you know, it makes sense because I believe she even drops a line that says like they, they've been uh, getting some really weird readings from out here. So I came to investigate or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which makes sense. For, they had the equipment there for quite a while and she wanted to yeah. check them out. Yeah, exactly. It's perfect. Yep. It's cool. Cool. Um, I don't know. I, I don't really have a lot more to say. No, I think we handled it. On this one, so mm-hmm. ratings. Well, the fun time, the ratings of Tremors, nineteen ninety. Um, I'll go first. You know what? I'll go first. Okay, because go for it. Because I don't. Be honest, I don't go first. I go fucking first. 
<laughs> hey, I'm not Jeremy, all right? So you can go first. <laughs> um, yeah, man. Uh, I, I, think we, I think we pretty much summed it up, man. I love that this is, you know, it's meant to be like a 50s throwback kind of monster film, but it's done so well, man. There's everything about this movie just blew me away. Like I was like 20 minutes of this film. I'm going, I'm loving this thing. I haven't seen it in years. And I'm just like, this is so much great. So, so much great. <laughs> it's, it's so great. The film just packs so much charm. I, I really don't have anything to complain about this film whatsoever. Um, even though there's like this little jokester kid, you know, I fuck him so bad with names. You know, he even adds this like certain flavor to the film. That's like, it just works. Every, he's even likable in this odd little likable way. It's it's so strange. Um, but I love this film because it doesn't really fall into, you know, a specific uh, kind of mold. You know, it's like this this horror comedy, like I said before, you know, action, thrilling, sci-fi. It has everything in one, but it manages to, like, have its own identity. And that's the coolest thing about it. It's just it's all of this in one and it doesn't really kind of lean towards one thing or go to one, you know, another side of it and stuff. It's great, man. It's got intense moments. All the characters are likable. It's fun, shot well. It sounds great. It looks good. The effects are just, they still blow my mind every time I watch it. Um, you know, there's a, there's a perfect amount of gore and carnage in the film, you know, obviously for like a PG-13 film. But it's like, you know, if you if you kind of overdid that, you'd probably jump up into an R and then it just kind of maybe change things a little bit. But I don't know, man. This one really i have not a lot to complain about whatsoever in fact i don't even know what to say that isn't you know for this film (laughs) you know uh honestly the thing that sells this thing for me the most is that it's not this campy fucking creature feature bullshit that that we get nowadays um it's all practical effects obviously 1990 and things like that um Works on all levels for me. It is a 10 out of 10 for me. Nice. Nice, nice. I will go next. Um, I agree with all the things that Mood said. Uh, it is it's one of my favorite horror movies of all time. Um, as for like the like lone negatives that you could come up with, uh, I think the only things that I've ever picked out is um, sometimes you can see the ground is like foam. Um, such as like moments where uh, the graboids like kind of pop up and stuff. Like you, you can tell that it's foam in certain scenes. Um, even I think a scene where uh, the characters are like running or jump on something or something. The ground's obviously like a, a, like like foam. It's like to catch like uh, the I ball. Actually, I didn't even notice that on the ground, so I couldn't even complain about that. That's funny. It's probably due to yeah. the fact you've watched the film 30 times. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but besides that, I mean, there, there's not much uh, to complain about at all. And it, it just works so well. I really struggle with giving it a 10. I came in here wanting to give it a 9.5, but Mood's kind of, since he was able to give it a 10, it feels like I should too. So um, it's a 10. 10 out of 10 for me too. Yeah. <laughs> Nice. Matthew. Fuck you guys, it's all wrong. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> Did you imagine he's like, it's a fucking six. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's a five. What? <laughs> no, this movie is freaking perfect. I love how the camera work when you see it going into the ground. You get the ground dispersing everywhere. Uh, when you watch the special features, it's incredible what they did. Like, they used tracks covered up with dirt. They even used a water buoy 
to pull under the ground to simulate the graboid moving through the ground, oh, yeah. which was insane. I'm like, wow. And you got the the whole, what the director thought, like, oh, what, I'm on a rock working in the Navy. Thought, what happens if you get stuck on this rock? Like, there could be all different kind of things crawling around, but you make it a giant worm. That's cool. The I thought this movie was fantastic. Again, high body count. You get like a 10 kills of people for graboids, <laughs> but you have a high survivor count too, which is kind of a mix match, which is not re- not rarely done. Usually you have a high survivor count and maybe two people die or one person dies or everyone gets killed except for one or two people. This gives it a perfect mix between the two. You don't have mm-hmm. a lot of blood. You only have a little bit of blood, but mostly everything just being pulled underground. It's like something grabbing you and pulling you gives you that fear. Like, all of a sudden, what can you do? How can you escape something pulling you in the ground? Mm-hmm. And then, you, and then you, like, you either suffocate or you get munched on. You don't know. But it's just there. The whole point is where um, Gummer was in his uh, rec room. And they're like, they're coming for you. He's looking out the window going, I don't see a damn thing. What are you talking about? And it's also, no, it's under the ground. That's the, the really weird part about it. Like, Jaws has the water. Also, in Tremors has under the ground. Almost kind of like a blood beach thing, but mm. better. But a lot better. <laughs> but way fucking better. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, I'm definitely giving this mo- this one a ten out of ten. I love this movie. I watch this all the time. I remember watching, this going to the theaters, looking at the poster because my parents won't let me see it at the time because I was young. And I love the poster, the giant, the, the the spoof on Jaws, where so the shark coming out of the water, you see this giant mouth graboid coming up with. Val, Earl, and Linda there, standing there with the sun beating on him, and it's just like, holy shit, <laughs> this is going to be insane. And it is. Awesome, and, and, awesome. So uh, that means, with a combined rating of 30, Matt 10, me 10, and Moods 10, this is our newest addition into the Hall of Fame, which, by the way, I need to update very soon. Also, guys, I just wanted to say, the only other negative that I had that I forgot to note was the physics of, of everything. It It kind of doesn't make the most sense it doesn't seem like realistic at all but that's that's nothing really i mean it's it's a sci-fi film uh it's a contained horror film it's a suspense film it's a comedy it's a buddy film it's a drama it's a romantic film it's it's everything it's fucking awesome and it's a 30 yeah. out of 30 yeah that's one thing i we actually didn't mention in there i think the the whole uh, romance element 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 was handled perfect in the film with the writing because they didn't really try to there's kind of hints of you know this kind of relationship building but they don't really go into it right until the end it wasn't right. the biggest deal in the world is like they didn't shove it down our throats exactly but no. that's good because it, you know focusing on that takes away from what the film is about you know yeah. just throw those subtle hits in there hints in there and then just kind of display it after the fact right you can do whatever you want mm-hmm. after you've saved the day it doesn't matter at that point right and that's when they do it yep. so it's good all right, so moving along into 1996. So this was uh, six years later. This is actually quite an interesting franchise because they're quite spread out. Yeah. You know, it's amazing how, yeah, anyways, we'll get into that. But so Tremors 2 Aftershocks from 1996. Um Quick little synopsis here. When an army of graboids, giant carnivorous underground worms threaten the Pimaya oil refinery in Mexico, it calls owner Earl Bassett 
who once helped kill four of the creatures in Perfection. I love Perfection, man. It's awesome. Uh, Perfection Nevada. Having squandered the money they ca- <clears throat> that came from the resulting celebrity status, Earl is convinced by the 50000 a ahead bounty offered, <laughs> as well as the enthusiasm of an admired Grady Hoover, who became his partner. At Petromaya, Earl and Grady meet theologist Kate Riley and begin graboid hunting, tricking several graboids into swallowing bomb-rigged blah, blah, blah. Okay. That's enough for the synopsis right there. We don't need to get into that. Yeah, that's like a highly detailed synopsis. No, it's, I, that's why I started laughing because I was like, really? This is this is somebody wrote this out like this. I was like, we don't need any more. Yeah, basically, yeah, we got uh, we got some bounty hunt now in Mexico. So this one shifts from Nevada, a little south into Mexico, where we have, um, you know, of course, uh, who's the other guy? Chris Gratton. I don't really recognize the name or Chris Garten. I don't know what that guy's from, but anyways, Grady and Earl, of course, played by Fred Ward. They team up, head down to uh, Mexico where they, yeah, they're yeah, six doing years some later, six years later. By the way, this movie uh, turned 20 uh, just about two and a half weeks ago. Wow. <laughs> Drummers <laughs> too turned 20. Nice. Yeah. Which actually had a $4 million budget. Yeah, you can tell that it's definitely a little low, more low budget, though. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, this one starts off very interesting because uh, we, we obviously can't afford Kevin Bacon anymore. Uh, but Fred Ward came back and... Michael so, Gross. Yeah, and Michael Gross. So so we have Fred Ward, who is now sort of, uh, I guess, maybe a little bitter about how everything went down um, because... I don't think he's so much bitter. I think he's just kind of I think he's just kind of fed up and shit like that. He just wants to kind of move on. And he's kind of he's like, you know, not really taking this whole bounty hunting thing serious and stuff. I think he's just grumpy. Yeah, it's like, it, "Oh, I should have got a lawyer for all this stuff because he got all pissed off cuz now he's got a an ostrich farm, farm he's trying to work <laughs> on." Yeah, man. Like, he, mm. he seems a little more, you know, a little more agitated, a little grumpier in this one. You know, his character definitely is as fun yeah. as the first one. That's for sure. But yeah, I mean, what what happened is is I see they're kind of vague on the whole situ- situation. That's what I thought, too, because he obviously, you know, does not have money after the whole Graboid story thing that happened. Uh, he but, you know, we see that he was in magazines and but stuff. he has fame. Yeah. Yeah. So he's sort of uh, it, it seems like he kind of. um he got he got sort of uh, you know tricked out of a lot of money it. yeah uh, but he you know I, maybe you guys could clear this up because I've seen this movie so many times and I seriously do not know what what this means so one thing he says is when he meets Grady he's like he's like Grady says that he's already talked to his partner Val and yep. he's not willing to to you know go out there and hunt these monsters so we're coming to you. And he's like, of course Val wouldn't do it. He went off and married a good woman or something. But yep. then later he says something along the lines like, and I blew it on Tweety Bird or something or Big Bird and his scrawny girlfriend or something. Is he talking about Val there? No. I don't think so. Who's he talking about? I don't think we're supposed to know. Oh, he's talking about the two ostriches. Because he's trying to get those two to mate so he could get more money out of the deal. It- he had enough money, so he blew it on those two because that's why he yelled oh, out he, the window. 
Oh, yeah. oh my god! Possibly, yeah. I didn't even think of that. Actually, that's hilarious. <laughs> Trying to mate because he wants to have more ostriches. Oh, I so, wondered that so for like ten years. Dude, that's funny. That's so subtle, though. Too right. It's like I didn't even think of that. Thank <laughs> you for pointing that out, Matt. Because like, there's other things that are very vague in this. This like, because I remember when I was a kid, he has that chick on the wall, and and he's yep. like, you know, she's there to remind me of. Uh, you know, don't chase dreams or something like that. So, so the chick is that girl then? Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. Because she said she worked in college. She did photography and modeling. She said she even did a Playboy spread. And he goes, "No way! You were, are you such and such of that year? October seventy six. Yeah. And then she does the pose. <laughs> He's like, "Oh my god! It is. Yeah, it's which her. is which is totally. You know, there, there's one there." Yeah, you can tell like the writing of this film is it seems a little it seems a little fast at times and and kind of not really thought fully through at times. There's a part right in the beginning of the film where Grady um he's standing outside and I think he says to um I want to say Fred Ward's character or something like that. But he uh um no, somebody says they announce the name of what the worms are. It's like, oh, they're graboids. And Grady's character is like, oh, yeah, yeah, I knew I knew that's what you named him, you know, blah, blah, blah. He's like, I knew that they were called Graboids. Anyways, he goes inside and he's like reading the magazines and stuff like that. And. Uh, and then, no, he, I, I, how, did, how does that scene go down again? <laughs> he finds the uh, the arcade that's there because Fred has the uh, arcade Graboids. Yeah, yeah. Because he sees all the artwork. He goes, oh, I'm, I've spent so many quarters in this thing. I bet you made a fortune. He's like. Only if somebody I had a good made, lawyer. Yeah, he's like somebody made a fortune, wasn't me. Yeah, yeah, but like, it's just the way he reacts to like them saying, "Oh, they were the grab boys." Is like, "Oh yeah, yeah, that's what they're grab boys." But then when he goes inside, he's like, he's looking at the magazines and the grab boys game and stuff, and the, like he's talking like he completely hundred percent knew about them. Like he was just kind of like, "Oh, the uh, it's Mexican almost like, guy said we have killer worms," and he goes, "You have graboids in Mexico," and that's what he goes, "Yes, that's what it is. They're called graboids." No, I think he says it, it, it was weird he the way he said. It uh, I told you that's what they called them. I think yeah, that's yeah. the line, which is a little better than I I thought that or I thought that's what they were called. You know. Yeah, something. I don't know. The whole scene just went down like really, really strange to me. I was yeah, like, because you, know, you think that he's like this super fan and knows all the shit, but that's exactly he my didn't point. Was know like, they were called graboids? But but he I does know. say, "I told you they were called graboids." But the way he acts surprised about it is, I know, a little odd. I, I agree I, with you there. I know. I was like so. I was like, I even wrote it down. I was like, that is so strange. Like that just happened. <laughs> I was like, that's so weird. But yeah, I don't know. Um, the one thing I noticed about this film right off the bat, yeah, you know, you said the, the budget was four million. You can tell right away. Like it's just, it looks a little less budget, you know. And right when you first see like the first grabbers in this film, to me, they honestly looked a little more rubbery. Like they looked cheaper. <laughs> it definitely was not like you know that. Uh, that look that we had in the first film. I don't know if you guys noticed it, but I noticed right away. I was like, wow, that doesn't look as good as the first one. Different yeah, designs I mean, maybe I or something. I think they look good. They did. Uh, they did, they did, they're but... obviously different designs in terms of like it's probably a different effects crew that are working on these ones. I think it was honestly the way some of the scenes were shot too. I think they had longer – they kind of had longer shots on them and you noticed the material that they used was moving a lot more and it just – it didn't look natural. It looked like it was very thin rubber and uh, you know things like that. I, it was just things I was noticing. I wasn't even trying to notice it. I just was. Yeah. So. But also you can kind of say – 
you know, obviously if it looks a little faker, then you can't really cover that up. But maybe slightly different on the design themselves, they're potentially different because they're in Mexico and not Nevada. You know, well, I mean, which we see in part five. Yeah, yeah. Which is just, it's a convenient plot, you know, you can write def- that in definitely to help but... you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I so, guess. so what do you think of Grady? Uh, he's kind of a, he's kind of a, I don't know, in a way, like, he's not like a full blown smartass, but like he's, he's almost likable as a character. I don't know, man. It's 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 funny because when you take this, when you look at part two and you see Fred Ward, and the only thing you're thinking of is where the fuck is Kevin Bacon? And I got this. <laughs> I got this character. He's just not as likable. You know, he seems a little faster. I mean, I don't know why I keep using the word faster, but um, I don't know. He's just not as likable. He just definitely doesn't have that charm. You know, he doesn't have that. Uh, well, he's been screwed so much and out of money. He's gotten so his, the way his, he looks on life is kind of down. So therefore, yeah, that's why he's not likable is because he's all pissed off or he's grumpy. Exactly. And working on ostriches for crying no, out loud. No, no, we're talking <laughs> about Grady. Not not Fred Ward. Oh, I thought you were talking about. Oh, oh no, sorry. He, he's, de- he's definitely grumper because grumpier because he you know what the fuck happened to him. But we're talking about like with Grady's character. Grady is more like the starstruck. Oh my god, I want to go. I want to go. I want to go. Like I'm ready to go. Ready to do this and that. Like not paying attention to the consequences. Like mm-hmm. he's trying to think of that fast buck too. Well, that's what I'm saying. Where... That, that's why I said he's kind of a fast character. Like he's just looking to he's looking to capitalize on this type of fame and maybe he'll be the famous one after this, you know, kind of thing. He seems a little dirty, a little greedy to me at times. I like Grady. I think Grady is awesome. I he's he's like a it's like you team up you know, Earl with with somebody who's not Val at all, but he kind of kind of molds him into his like Val character, like his Val mm. partner. But Grady's like this young, like you said, faster. He's moving quicker. He's like almost yeah. ADD or ADHD. You know, what yeah. I mean? like, like he's just yeah. he just wants to do things. He wants to. He's having fun with it. He's really into the whole thing. Um, and I like that about him because because you have slow old Earl, and now you partner him up with this fast talking, fast moving kid. Um, obviously wise versus not so wise as well. And I like how yeah. there's that parallel there of like this old school ass dude, but this new kid kind of has a little bit of flair to him that they could kind of, uh, uh, you know, help him out in situations as well. Uh, yeah. They put, they tried to kind of pull that opposites, you know, should attract kind of deal there. You know, you got Fred Ward's character. He's, you know, old school, you know, kind of grumpy. Now this guy's like super fast, like almost over motivated, you know? So you have that type of dyma- dynamic there. That's like, I can just see that. Uh, that would be like me and some young 20 year old would be like, fuck, slow down. Yeah. You, <laughs> you know, know? The, the one plot hole in this film that is bigger than any plot hole in this entire series is the fact that Grady does not know what rock, paper, scissors is. I know what the, I know. <laughs> like, nobody in the world doesn't know what rock paper scissors is. I know it's so ridiculous. But, but, it, it, but it plays like, out but, well in the story though, because it's like it's like he's kind of tricking him, and he's kind of gullible and stuff, and and well, it's super and it, gullible, yeah. And it immediately connects the first film to this one. Like Fred is or Earl uh, is still the same character. You know, he's 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 instantly rolling into his rock paper scissors thing for the last pop. I don't like that they call it soda. Uh, there, there is moments though that you can see where you know the characters are kind of similar, 
is the scene where they're sitting there and the fucking radio's on the ground and the grabber just comes <laughs> up and fucking snags up the radio, which is ridiculous in itself. I mean, obviously it's making vibrations, going to eat it and stuff, but like, come on. Um, but, uh, but he left it on the ground and it just seems something that Val would have done too. Just like, you know, in the moment they're just chilling on there and like, Oh fuck. I yeah. left the radio on the ground. It, it, that was a moment where I was like, okay, now that seems kind of relative to the first film, you know, you know, yeah, it's a, it's a very yeah. similar thing that you would feel it would happen. It completely is. Actually, that whole scene made me laugh though. Like when, when then the grabber comes back around and you can hear that country music playing underneath the ground. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, I know this song. <laughs> I know this song. <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous, man. This movie definitely doesn't have you know that tight. It has like different comedy in this film. You know, like things like that that are a lot more silly. You know, yeah. and they really do stick out. You know, it's not as well written and stuff. But there was things that you know. It was making me laugh, though. They have some like good the ideas. part with the, the chain. He's like, I'm going to make this chain. <laughs> he you know, run, my dude, vibration. that scene is so funny. He runs in there with this big-ass chain. It's all like... <laughs> <laughs> it's all awkward. He's like, he's he's like all right, I'm going to go now. And it's just like... <laughs> it's so funny. And then, you know, I, I think that there are really well-done scenes in this film, too. Like, when he goes out there and the guy, he's talking to the guy, and he, and he's like... He's like, wait, 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 wait. You, what are you, you guys are going out? And he's like, see, raboids, they hunt by sound, all right? All right? And, and we're going to, we, you know what? We're going to go out. And then he's like, you mean you're the bait? And he's like, yeah. And he's like soaking it in, you know? He's like, he's loving it. He's loving this, like, this hero role that he's playing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, so this is the. For, you know, next evolution, as you alluded to earlier in the show, modes of the graboids. Uh, yeah. The first part of the film is them hunting graboids, and they're, they're, they're kind of, you know, doing it with the ease a little bit. And they eventually realize, like, there's tons <laughs> of them, so they have to call in the help of Burt Gummer, which, by the way, that's. It's like this ridiculous. Awesome. It's almost like a stupid, ridiculous montage where they're just having so much fun with it. They're like, remote control car, bomb. And I love it, man. It's like, boom, boom. They just keep blowing up these things left and right. It's like, that's what I'm talking about. Like the comedy is a lot more silly in this because that's just ridiculous. You know, they're just, they're that It's good, no much know? more ridiculous than the montage pole vaulting scene from the first one. No, but that actually works though, because this one with the it, music, it, the music. It, yeah. It kind of overdoes it. I mean, maybe not overdoes it. Well, look at this it, one, the it, part two, they got the chain in the ground with the graboids dragging them along like <laughs> know, to the ground i know the right? music playing yeah <laughs> yeah but th- this stuff, you know though. um so he caught they call up bert and right away like again like i love that they keep like the continuity in the film where you know he's talking to him and you I find like out this, that yeah. mcintyre kind of like left him and stuff I, I like the fact that they totally took the time to explain it in such a you know, in enough detail that you understood, but they didn't take a lot of time to do it and then just kind of move on with it. Yeah. You know, I like that, that they brought it back and they're just like, you know, they gave it to you like that, that easy. You know? Yeah. And, it, worked good. it worked good. And, you know, the camera pulls out and of course, like he has a mounted Graboy head, which is totally Bert's character, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you can see the wall. Yeah, the wall. Fixed. Where the graboid came through. That's yeah. right. It's a different yeah. color bricks. That's yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so Bert comes out, and the way they introduce his character is awesome. Of course, where where the uh, 
you know, they see something on the monitor and then it's like, boom, there's, there's Bert. It's not a Graboy. It's just a giant ass truck with a bunch of fucking guns <laughs> and shit. This, this army truck with like a whole arsenal in there. It's great. Yeah. And he's, he's so says he, he came prepared too. So he's like, if you know your enemy, you become prepared. I got everything. I am prepared. Okay. Yeah. He brought 120 nope. pounds, 120 pounds of that fucking vacuum food or whatever. It's, 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 like, it's oh, MREs, man. dude. It's what the military eats. I mean, yeah, I know. I'm have you guys like, ever eaten an MRE? Yeah, I have. I, I have two. <laughs> 120 pounds of that shit. I'm like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so good. No, yeah, I there's the funny part is he's like, this food tastes like toilet paper. He's like, that is the toilet paper. Yeah, which is what that that's another example of like the different like silly comedy that they're yeah. doing in this one. That's, but I still think awesome. it, some of it's effective. Um. So basically, after you get Bert, then is when kind of shit like goes out of hand, which always happens in these Tremors films, where you have uh, them having the upper hand, and then all of a sudden something changes. Like there's some different thing going on that they didn't expect, and we have Shriekers. So one of the worms gets sick, and they try to they they know that they can get double the money if they capture one alive. So they're kind of waiting on it to get to kind of tow it out there. And then they go up there, and it's, like, hollowed out. And that scene is really cool, by the way, because that's gross as hell. So it's, like, a worm that came up above on top of the ground, which is really uncharacteristic of them. And then next Mm. thing you know, it's, like, hollowed out. It looks like something ate it or ate out of it. Yeah. Which then we're introduced into the goddamn Shriekers, which is a funny scene in how they do it because it's, like – you you hear like you see the shadow and you hear this like pounding like on a floorboard or something, and then and they keep raising their the guns higher and, and higher and higher. <laughs> yeah. It comes out and they're like they drop their guns down to the ground. Oh man! So what do you guys think of the Shriekers? It's weird in the movie they never give the name Shrieker to them at all. Ah. That's when it, they give the name to it in, in the third one. But that's in right. The yeah. whole movie it's nothing to do with they call them Shriekers. They just make the weird noise. Yeah, they kind of do that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Huh. But it's kind of weird though how they did it. The little two-petaled, look like dog-like things, but also now they hunt by heat versus sound. So there's the thing that's changing. They're like they're eating car hoods. They're the eating evolution. Engines. Yeah. They're eating all this weird shit. And they're like, what's going on? Why can't they? They're still blind, but all of a sudden they throw this curveball at you. It's like, See, uh-oh. And they're deaf. Now I like this. Deaf, which I like this dynamic, man. The, the, like the first film, they have to not make sound. This film, they can make sound. They just can't yeah. be seen. They just can't be seen. And the, you know, they kind of. The, there's a scene in this film where they're like running. I think it's in this one where they're running across the uh, uh, the ground, and they've got like the doors blocking them and stuff. <laughs> so they can't be seen because you know they hunt by infrared or whatever. Um, yeah, I like this idea though. I like this idea, you know, to a point. Um, I, you know, I really like that they're evolving, you know, these graboids and things like that. Um, but it makes it makes it a totally different type of film now. Right. Because before we had these underground dwellers and it was like, OK, you know, I got to stay off the ground. And now now they're on land, you know, but now we can talk and it changes the whole complexity of the film. Um, do you guys like that? At all? I do, because what it does is it is it adds a new element without really betraying the original film because now it's it's a similar thing but it's just it feels like it feels like in the world enough to where it's like okay i can buy this yeah i mean i agree i agree i like the shriekers i like the shriekers the shriekers I mean, are actually my favorite 
of all the versions of the graboids. Yeah, that not mine. I like no. I like the graboids more. I like the I, I like the graboids a lot better. I like that whole idea of having something underneath you. I just I think that works way better as like a horror. You know, I think it works a little better. This one is interesting though, but I don't know. For me, it doesn't work as well. You know, I don't think it's that scary. No, it's, it's definitely not as scary. Or it's not. A, it's not as effective as well. because like because now instead of being quiet and really having to avoid things and stuff, you can talk and you just can't be seen. So, like I said, it changes the complexity so much of the film, and it's just and it does it like kind of switches big time. All of a sudden, when you get that you know that shrieker scene, and all of a sudden it's like a totally different film. Mm-hmm. It's like a totally different film. It's crazy how much it changes. Um, but I still really enjoy this film. I think it's fun. I think it's actually quite fun. So, Yeah, the only thing that I have with the Shriekers is, well, they shriek. They make that loud shrieking yeah. noise, <laughs> which kind of attracts the other ones. But I don't know how like talking doesn't attract them. Well, that's, a good, that, that, mm. that's a good point. <laughs> I never even actually thought of that before. That's a really good point, actually. Yeah, I don't know if they ever explained that or not. I don't think they do. No, they don't. Huh. Definitely don't. Yeah. So one thing, I, one thing I will bring up, though, this is kind of where we get introduced to minor CG in this film. Yeah, yes. yeah. You know, we start to get a little bit. And I have to say, man, I, you know, even for the times for 96, I mean, we notice that it's, you know, they're CG'd. It's mostly practical effects. It's more just for certain Which shots. Which I give them mad props for. Those things are probably pretty hard to design and make look right. Yeah. I, I thought they did a pretty good job, and that's what I was kind of getting at. I was surprised, you know, just noticing a little bit of CG here and there. But the the way they shot it was effective. You know, you know, certain scenes they obviously had the practicals and they had CG and stuff, but they blended it pretty well for like a film of '96. Because let's face it, a lot of CG that happened in those in those times is really really shitty. Oh, usually yeah. shitty. And for such a low budget film, this one actually visually looked pretty good, pretty good. You know. They didn't really have a lot of gore in this one, though. They didn't really, you know, do a yeah, lot. Yeah, not of not a whole lot. I mean, they blow up some graboids. They kind of. Well, that, that's one thing about this. They, they, there's a lot of explosions in this film, but like no gore, like not a lot of blood and stuff like that. It's kind of an oddball film. But there wasn't really JP, a lot. Do you hate this film there. more? What? JP, do you hate this film more because all the people that die are Mexican? that's one thing about this film that actually cracks me up the most man is like they go down to mexico they get these okay you get introduced to these mexicans and stuff okay here's your job you know you have to go and hunt these things we'll give you fifty thousand dollars hundred thousand for a live one right so (laughs) so they basically go through the entire film doing this and then you know the film ends and you never get reintroduced to these characters they never show up again yeah, like the, Mexicans, the owner never shows up. They never fucking appear back in the film. I'm just like, okay, what what happened there? I was like waiting for them. They never show up. <laughs> it's like so strange. It almost seems like it's kind of pointless. You're just like, you don't get any satisfaction. You're like, I want to see the Mexicans again. I want to see them having briefcases of money to these guys for saving the fucking day. But they never show up again. It's like so strange. How many films do you see where, you know, the people that hired you to do a job aren't there at the end of the film? Lots of times. Really? I, I, I don't know. I thought it was yeah, super noticeable. That so after they kill it, it's like that's the end. That's dead and they're either walking away or and like in this case, they leave a destruction everywhere. And they're like, 
Yeah, when they come back, they're going to be pretty upset. So they're going to probably give us a deduction on that. <laughs> I don't know why it was so noticeable to me. It's not like a – it's just like a minor nip. I just wanted to see him again. I don't well, know. Yeah, I mean it makes 100% sense. Like they're not going to go into the danger area when the, the no, who has the money is not going to so, go there. There's so many ridiculous action films out there where like it doesn't matter. They could be in like the – the deepest part of the Amazon jungle and all of a sudden this fucking, you know, this corporal will show up and be like, Hey man, good job. <laughs> like, where'd you uh, come from? You know, it's like so ridiculous, but yeah. yeah um, you know, I, I think that one of my favorite things about, you know, Tremors two is just that it continues a lot of the characters and a lot of the tropes that we're used to seeing and, and sets up new ones that will be continued on in the future. Uh, such as, um, you know, the, 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 what's funny is like the truck that they're in is very similar to the first truck. Yeah. Which I thought was cool. And it also sets up like the seismograph, like TV thing for like all the future Tremors films almost, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. which is pretty cool. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's just, they, they do things that, uh, that that you see continued on, uh, you know, they even lines lot, like, uh, different movies. yeah, like when when Bert kind of uh, gets like uh, attacked and he uses all his ammo, he's like, I'm completely out of ammo. It's never happened. <laughs> First time it's ever happened. Yeah, and he's like, <laughs> yeah. and it's just typical like Bert stuff that that we'll see in the future too, like how he uh, he's like. Uh, Somebody failed to deliver like critical need to know information. <laughs> <laughs> That's in that a lot. <laughs> and then like he'll when he shoots the one uh, shrieker and and it goes through the wall and through the wall and through the wall and hits the jeep or whatever and it's like how could I have known? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's like yeah, typical yeah. Of, of things that happen to him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. And then when they're running away from the the building, he's like, "You set a bomb, and you put it with the rest of the bombs. Keep running, yeah. keep running, don't yeah. stop." <laughs> it's like, okay, we need to just get into this ditch, and when we're in there, yeah, like because he cover your ears. he he fucking hog tying hog tying the graboid though is just great. Yeah, I love that shit, man. He goes and he, uh, you know, he he. F- figures out a plan he runs them through the building and then runs out the other side door and closes the door and then they're like uh bird what was what was in there and he's like oh my mres or whatever he's like how could i have known (laughs) whatever you know it's just bad just the worst case scenario always happens to to bert and it's awesome it's funny (laughs) because you feel bad for him but so these ones actually like reproduce by not mating but eating they're hermaphrodites yeah they're hermaphrodites yeah yeah, that's an that's an interesting concept. Actually, kind of scary. It's like gremlins; you know, they be- just multiply. Yeah, because you really have to avoid these things. You can't let these things eat anything. So that's that's a scary thought. Actually, I I, I thought that was cool. Yeah, because the cool. graboids, you know, the, there's a lot of parallels between the two. The you know, like opposites almost, I guess. And you have the graboids, like we said, hunt by sound. The, you know, they're underground. These things are above ground. They hunt by heat and not sound. Uh, but they also the graboids are really big, uh, and you know you can't really deal with them. Uh, you know one is such a huge problem, and the shriekers one is really no problem. But because they multiply so fast, you it's like mm-hmm. the zombie effect where like you yeah the more yeah. you have like the harder they are to deal with, and yeah. then they start like jumping on top of each other and shit, <laughs> <laughs> which is like uh, terrible CG scene. 
Yeah. Where they build their fucking ladder and stuff. Oh my yeah. god. That that scene is uh is a little much, oh, man. And another thing, like this is again like when I say I, I love the sequels because they continue stuff, like um she says like, you know, pre Cambium rock or whatever and she's like, you know, these things are prehistoric or whatever she said. And he's like and Earl's like, damn. Pre-Cambian, yeah, it's like it's like pre-dinosaur. Guys from outer space? No, yeah, they're not. Damn. He's like, I always thought they were from space because he says that in the first movie, you know. Mm. And and it's like they he followed they place. followed that line that yeah, line in the first I know, movie it's up, and they do that a lot in these films. I like how they did that though too because they don't go into like this whole production of you know where these things are like pre-Cambian and like all that type of thing. They just they mention it and you're like, okay, they're really fucking old. Mm-hmm. I thought that's cool, man. I, I, you know, if, you know, like some films, they have to, you know, in sequels, they when they feel like they need to explain something, they go all out and explain everything and something like, where are you getting all this information from? Yeah. <laughs> you know, they kind of find it because they, they kind of carbon dated it, and that's what it was. It's it's pre dinosaur era, and these things are old as shit. Yeah. So, I like that. All right. Um, Thank you, Bert. Do you guys have much more on this one? Mm, not really. No. No. All right, I'll go first on this one with the ratings. So uh, Tremors 2 is honestly like it. I've actually had it in like my top 10 sequels before because I've always just loved this one in particular. Like I, I can watch this one more than the first one actually. That's not saying that it's better. It's not even close to being better than the first one. I just have always liked this one. I like the setting. I, I sort of like the evolution of the characters. I actually really like Grady uh, and their interactions and stuff. And honestly, like I think the Shriekers are cool as hell. I've always been, been a fan of them. And honestly, this is the one that I've seen more. It was always on the sci-fi channel growing up like all the goddamn time. Uh, so I've probably seen this one more than the first one and all of them. Uh, so uh, definitely – a step down but it still keeps a lot of the familiar elements and uh just kind of gets a little bit more silly lower budget stuff like that it doesn't look as good isn't as sleek isn't it as well written uh, it's just lesser um but it's 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 still really fun and good i give it a 7.5 out of 10 it's <laughs> <laughs> <That's> awesome <laughs> all right well i'll go oh okay go ahead um yeah, so one thing I noticed about this film is, you know, even though it's a little sillier, sillier at times, it still is very similar in tone, which is interesting how they did it. Uh, I'm not, like, the hugest fan of Grady. I don't dislike him at all. I think uh, he was, you know, he was a perfect uh, kind of sidekick for, for Fred He's Ward. He's kind I, of like us, like the audience, like we're like the fan. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, exactly, right? You know, I, th- I think it works for what it is. He's not, like, my favorite thing in the world. Don't dislike him at all. But, um, you know, this one, to me, is a little slower paced at times. Uh, I d- you know, there's a lot of things I like about this film, man. I like how they, the evolution of, you know, um, the Graboids turning into Shriekers and things like that, which they don't even name them Shriekers in this at all. I think that's really cool. It's interesting. But for me, it changes the dynamic of what, you know, the Tremors series started out to. I like the, the evolution, but, you know, it's fun to a point and, you know, can't really I can't really fault it too much for that. I mean, you got to you got to elevate the story a little bit, you know, kind of do th- do some things. But the, the story's fun. You know, like the things that you learn about these things are hermaphrodites, how they reproduce, how they eat and stuff. 
I think that's the coolest thing about the, the Graboids is how they they reproduce by eating because that's a scary thought because then you really have to work to to kind of defend against these things. You can't let them do anything. You can't let them, you know, you can't lock them in a fucking barn or a big thing with a whole shitload of food. <laughs> you, know, you, can't, you, can't, you can't do that. That's just not good. Um, but, yeah, this one's fun, man. I, I really enjoy this thing. Uh, you know, it's it's not as good as the first film by any means. Um, it's definitely missing. You can just uh, read off the bat, man. I was just like, I just want Kevin Bacon back. But, you know, take it for what it is, man. I think this one honestly has it's, – it's kind of funny. But you know? aren't you at least happy we got Bert and – Fred Ward, like like that's oh, yeah. even surprising that you got two Bert, of those. Yeah, Fred Fred Ward's fucking awesome. I, I like how he's a little grumpier in this one. Uh, Michael Gross is just awesome. He's he's a little more in this film, which is awesome because it kind of makes sense. Everybody wants more Bird. Exactly, everyone wants more Bird, which is awesome. He's like probably the funnest thing about the film, in my opinion. Um, but good film, man. Really, really good film. Uh, just a little slower pace, but I give it about a seven and a half. Also, oh, so. thank God. Like it, it, the way he was going, I thought it was going to be way lower, and I was getting sadder by the moment. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I enjoy it, man. I think it's, I think it's cool, man. It's so. It, it has it, a lot of. It has yeah. a lot of interesting ideas that I was kind of be like, wow, those things turn into it's just these a lesser weird little. Movie. I called them. I called them walkers. Um, <laughs> what did I call them? I called them, uh, kind of prehistoric walking rhinos. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I had him labeled as. I'm like, it's kind of cool. It's different, man. It's different. So, yeah. All right. My turn. Um, I did like the movie. I thought it was pretty cool on some of the aspects. Again, the whole morphing into these little shrieker things from a giant worm. That's pretty cool how they did that. For me, I did not like how they had the body count. Now, with me, I love creature features. You got to have a cool body count. Only three people died. That's the first right. kill That's right. is the best. When it comes out of the ground and grabs the oil worker and you get the whole grab boy, the guy's in its mouth and it starts like eating him and then pulls him on the ground. It's like, yes, all right, we're going to get something cool. Mm-hmm. Later on, off-screen kill. Then another one, it's kind of like, eh, we're there, but that's it. But then that's all you get is uh, that. You would think you'd have, since you have more graboids and everything, you might have more kills. You don't. But that's okay. I wanted more, but I was happy with what we got. Uh, the storyline, the way it continues from part one into two, was well done. That it doesn't take place in perfection all the time. We go to a different area. We go to Mexico. Great. So now it shows that these graboids are other places, not just in one area. So we're not stuck in one centralized place, which I thought was another interesting idea. We didn't go like to Alaska or something. We went to Mexico. <laughs> Uh, Bert Gummer, awesome. I love how he his character comes back and how they, how his uh, wife left him. She didn't get killed off. She didn't decide to stay back. She left him because they've had a fight because over. Because they couldn't some... get back Reba McIntyre for the movie, <laughs> right? But they got rid of her by saying that he had an argument with her over some Soviet uh, something weird, some conspiracy. Yeah, that they it was which over is and that's totally how they awesome. Left. Yeah, I'm like it's a conspiracy theory. They're gone. <laughs> And, uh, like, oh, she yeah. said, uh, "She said I couldn't uh, be happy or live on without the possibility of n- global war or something. Like yeah, that. <laughs> without the threat of global war. Yes. <laughs> it's all this doomsday set up. And um, again, if I would, me, I would probably rate this an eight out of ten because the sequel was a lot more interesting. 
I just wanted more from it. But still, it was fun watch. It's enjoyable. It's a good little popcorn flick. Yeah. All right. So nice, nice. Long here. All right. So moving five years later into the future, and you know what? I think the reason why they couldn't get Reba back is because I think she had her own TV show at this time. That's what she was doing. Possibly. No, I think she had her own TV show, man. It was like Reba, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it was that same era, but could be. Was it not like in the mid nineties? I have no idea, dude. I don't fucking know. I was just going to think of that. But yeah, moving five years later into 2001, we got Tremors 3 back to perfection. So we went from Nevada to Mexico and back to Nevada. Yeah. So in this one, it says uh, uh, we go back to the small town, Nevada. Perfection, where local resident and adventurer Bert Grummer <laughs> returns after traveling abroad and killing carnivorous worms called graboids, of course. Um, basically, they must have to deal with uh, some crooked land developers, thrill-seeking guy named Jack Sawyer, looking for wealth and potential tourist town, and eventually dealing with a new strain of graboid worms that metamorph into their second shrieker phase and whom unexpectedly morph into the third stage for another harrowing, yeah, adventure into Tremors 3. Um, that's right, man. So <laughs> they just they just keep, you know, evolving these, uh, these graboids. It's ridiculous, man. Yeah, yeah. Kind of they go how from, they did it. They go from underground to walking on ground. And then they go into the third stage, which we'll get to in a minute here. Um, it's crazy how much they, like, you know, they just kept evolving. Like, is that what they needed to do? Yeah. yeah. You know, d- just keep evolving it? Yeah. Well, they got to keep changing the rules a little bit. You still have your main rules. Then mm-hmm. you got to change it a little bit. Now let's change it a third time to think <laughs> you're always being prepared. Now we're not prepared for this situation. How do yeah. we fix it? I remember that, when... that's the essence of all these films is like you, yeah. you're, you think you know, but you don't. Mm-hmm. I remember when I first watched this film, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> the, the, I mean, it just made me laugh so hard what they name them. <laughs> too. I don't know what the fuck. It, it just cracks me up, man. Um, but yeah, th- this one right here, man. I don't know. What are your guys' thoughts? Um, you know, the this experts. one, I remember seeing it when it aired on the Sci-Fi Channel for the first time. Uh, after my cousin had actually rented it and told me, yo, there's a Tremors 3. And I was like, what? <laughs> and, you know, he, he, I made him tell me, like, every scene to the movie. Like, just told me everything that happened. And even when I seen it, uh, I still was I still was pretty, pretty good into it, you know? Like, I, I still liked it. Um, I did notice that it was like a little bit slower and a little too long, honestly. But but for the most part, I, I still enjoyed it. I was like, okay, it's a, it's a um, you know continuation of the stuff that I love. And this one, honestly, even more so than part two, watching it over the years, uh, has even more callbacks and more connections and more nods and write-ins to the original film. I mean, they recast. Mm-hmm. major characters from the first film like miguel's back and it's you know the same person and mindy the little girl they, it's yeah. the same actress and her mom 11 years yeah and melvin's back too and melvin the same same, and melvin. And the same guy too yeah. that and you get like you have to get mad props for them getting the same actors who obviously hasn't uh, you know someone didn't really do much 
in the in the downtime, but they still was like, no, we're getting we're getting the same people. Mm-hmm. And you have instead of uh, Walter Chang there, you have one of his relatives taking over the re- the uh, the general store. Absolutely, right? that's right. That's right. And and they even do little things like I noticed that uh, you know one of the uh, the, the 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 tourists who were like, uh, hey mom, take a picture of me in the tremor, like you know, which is funny because like that's like a common like frankenstein's monster type thing right like like right. like true people know that it's 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 frankenstein's monster but everybody calls it frankenstein it's like the tremor <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly. you know because because in this world it's all been pop culturized like you know there's movies and 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 video games and stuff uh featuring the graboids and the legends and stuff so mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It, it's cool it's cool that they do that and that same mom is actually michael gross's real wife in real life, the one that calls him Mr. Yeah, that's Uber. right. That's right. Yeah. No, that's no, his wife. that's his sister. I thought it was his wife. No, it's his sister. Oh. Well, fuck me too. Jesus Christ. <laughs> man, yeah, I gotta say, man. They even cover, uh, sorry, Moods, they even cover what happened to Earl and Grady. Because uh, yep. Bert's yep. like, you know, what, right. you want to turn this into a theme park and. Uh, uh, Jody Chang says, "Well, it worked for your uh, friends Earl and Grady, so they That's really right. did that. <laughs> they actually made Graboid's theme park. That's right. Man, the the Graboid tours in this man had me fucking rolling. Yeah, they was all oh fake. <laughs> How fake they are! Like just what they were doing. I was like, oh my god! Like <laughs> they were just fire extinguishers shooting up in the air. <laughs> it had me laughing. So I'm like, this is so cheap, man. It's so cheap, but." Get all the different colored coordinated ropes, so we know which one to pull for each one to fall. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know if I really dig the whole idea of like popularizing, like making it pop culture with these things and stuff like that. It just seems, it seems like we're going into like different territory, like into a different world. Like I just can't imagine it's just that it's happening. You know, is it just so big there? Or I don't know, man. There's something about the feel of that just seems off to me in this film. Ah, I don't know because you look at the first film, and even then, like Earl, Earl and Val were like, you know, we're gonna get big off of this. You know, People Magazine is like, nah, screw that. National Geographic, like so. So it even sets. I don't it know, up man. There. I just, I, I know, I just find it so. I mean, I can see them going off and you know starting up their uh, their amusement park somewhere else where this didn't happen. But like, you know, do you think people are actually going to come to this area where all this stuff actually went down? Like, I mean, uh, but me if you personally, look at history, personally, right? People I wouldn't do that. To, like, that's I know. Like, the people visit these historic locations where like, like the nine eleven, the nine eleven site. Died. A lot of people go to visit it. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm one of them. I, I went to that too. But, I mean. I don't know, man. I mean, I guess if you're under the impression that these um, that these graboids and things don't roam there anymore, maybe you go back there. Which they are under that impression. I guess to a point. I think that they're gone because they killed four of them that were there. So now I think it's all safe. And now, of course, they're rigging it to make it look like a graboid. Mm-hmm. So they're like, well, we didn't see anything like and uh He's like, well, aren't you glad because now you live through this Graboid experience? And like, it's so weird to me because when I watch the film, I just seem like it, it seems like it's almost, you know, like I know these films are five years apart, but it seems like it's like, you know, a few weeks later. It just seems like, OK, we've we've put up these uh, these we've got these tours going and things like that. I don't know that there's something about this film that seems off to me. 
I don't know. Uh, it seems like of- it, I watched it like five years later. So when I first seen it, yeah. You know, so it like it felt like it's been that long. I mean, later. I guess. Yeah, I guess it's different when you watch part two and then you watch this one five minutes later. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Know? yeah. And all of a sudden, it's like I don't know. There's something. It's there's something strange about the timeline and the way it just it just seems so much bigger than it should be all of a sudden. But it's not technically bigger because they're kind of fucking around. But um, I don't know, man. It's just it's a weird storyline to me. And you tell, bo- but but it feel, to me it's like okay, if this really fucking happened, it would be a major fucking big deal. Like, oh, I know. It would be like Jurassic fucking Park. I know, right? I know, but that's the thing. I like, think it would I mean, be if, a if bigger these guys... deal than it's depicted in the film. I mean, they just don't show it, though. They don't. They don't have. I mean, they're not going to show that because if they went off, and made a big amusement park somewhere else, it's obviously big enough that you know if they're succeeding with their their park somewhere else, people know about this shit, right? Yeah, it's like Salem, the Salem witch trials. Like people still go to there and they have their whole, you know, the small towns selling their rocks from out in the woods and shit. It's it's like the same shit. It's like it's like it kind of died down a bit, but there's still a level of tourist attraction that people totally. totally. Go. Well, I go to Sa- I go to Salem every year. At the same time, I'm like, well, those Salem doesn't have fucking graboids in the ground that might <laughs> come and get you, though. Yeah, you but know? they don't anymore. Like these oh, people are under the impression they they're they under. They're not there yeah, anymore. they are. I don't know, but I just feel like I just feel like it wasn't. You know, it's if you not... haven't, if they haven't been there in five or six years or whatever, there's been no graboid attacks in six years. I mean, you would assume that it's pretty safe. I think they said it was like Maybe. eleven years. Maybe like they actually gave it a long amount. Yeah, of time. yeah, because they, they weren't. Had a they weren't in, in eleven years. Yeah, yeah, that, they actually do say eleven years. They because, actually do. They do actually say eleven years because it's because of the, all the characters that they brought back from the first film. So that was in real time, based off the first film. Yeah, because okay. you got to remember the second film was in a different section like there yeah. still was no graboids in in perfection oh, yeah. at that time so yeah. right. i mean even the people when bert does the emergency thing yeah everybody's like bert come on it's been 11 years nobody thought these things were actually coming back that's right that's right i don't care i'm still prepared <laughs> yep so then this is where we get introduced to the name of uh the shriekers the ass blasters yes, interviewed by uh no Streakers oh, are actually named in this film. Oh, and then of course we're introduced to the name Ass Blasters too, which which <laughs> which sounds like a porno flick. Awesomely <laughs> is named by who? It's just so fucking by Chang. By yeah, Chang. by by Chang. The I know, I know. I, I, I got that. But I mean, like, Susan really, Chang. Ass Blasters? <laughs> I couldn't stop fucking laughing. I didn't remember it. I was like, that is so awesome. Like she's coming up with other ones like fart lifters or fart something, and it's like ass blasters. So He's like, sounds like a porno. <laughs> that does. <laughs> oh shit, man! Just so because they light ignition from their ass. <laughs> so basically, what these things do is the graboids turn into the shriekers, who you know evolve into these ass blasters, which are they fly, and so again, it changes the the in, the total complexity of the film. You know, now instead of having something underneath you, uh, then we had something, uh, you know, basically with you, like on the land. Now you got to fight against something above you. Now, in the so, first movie, when um, Val and Earl were together, they're going off on the the horses. They said, "Aren't you glad these things don't fly?" And also, now we're dealing with them flying. Yeah, and not only that, Matt, but yeah, they also right. have a have a line when they find out that the 
snake tongue tentacle things are, uh, you know, attached to a big monster, they, he, I think Val says something along the lines of like, shit, for all you know, these things can fly. And then even at the end of the film, at the end, you think, can you he's fly? Like, can mother- you fly? You sucker. Can you fly? So yep, that's pretty right. interesting. Some, some, some super long ago foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's actually kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So one thing that about this one that, that, that I don't really care for is the character of Jack. Mm-hmm. I just don't really, I don't like him. Man, Jack sucks, man. <laughs> I, I totally 100 percent agree. He's so lame. <laughs> no, he's super lame, man. Because they're almost like they're trying too hard with the character to be cool, funny, and like he's almost like a he's almost like a hipster in 2001. Yeah. I don't know. There's something <laughs> off about him that it's just like he just doesn't fit the mold. You know, he's he's too much for himself, and just like I don't know, man. He's just not funny either. He's kind yeah. of an idiot. He's kind of an idiot, and that's and, and it's noticeable, and that's a big problem because he's supposed people, to be the likable dummy, but he's not likable. <laughs> no, that's the thing. He's no, a likable. He, he's an unlikable idiot, and uh, yeah, and which is kind of a shame because we've you know f- f- through the first couple of films we've had not pr- like predominantly likable characters, and then you get this one, and it really sticks out. It's a big downfall in uh, in character. So yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I have actually grown to like this one for um, like a lot of the things, like I mentioned, like the a lot of the nods and bringing back the characters and stuff. But but Jack always, or yeah, Jack always fucking just. <laughs> it's one. Of, it's it honestly is one of my favorite things about this film is that you know not only did they title it Tremors Three Back to Perfection, well they brought back you know pretty much the entire cast from the first film and uh, not like, the entire cast yeah, but like I all mean, the, a, lot of the, a few the majority of them yeah the majority of the characters which i think that's really impressive that they did that and i, I really enjoyed that the thing is man the, the film just feels a lot cheaper to me i don't know what the budget on this one is but it, it just apparently feels lot... it's the same as part two okay it's, it just Six feels million. a lot it feels a lot thin a lot a lot more thin to me um you know and a lot of the characters i find that are brought back um, you know, it's cool to see them, but they're kind of at times almost irrelevant in, you know, in the story and stuff. It's just like you could probably do without them, you know, which is kind of a shame. I mean, you know, as much as I wanted to see, I honestly, I wanted to see Mindy more <laughs> because she was like super hot, you know, her running around with her discman attached to her hip and stuff. Yeah, that'd be awesome. But, uh, actually she has, a, she has a really funny line in this film too. Um, she says, uh. Oh, what did she say again? She says something on the lines of, uh, uh, what did she say? What did she say? Something about, she, uh, you, she, you got to phone Bert. She's talking about phoning Bert. And I just, I fucking burst out laughing at that, man. <laughs> she literally <laughs> said about phoning Bert. I was like, oh my God, that is so good. I hope that JP or someone picks up. I did. Yeah, she's like, yeah, she's like, Bert just phoned in a request or something like that. She's on the radio. <laughs> That's what she says. She's on the radio and she's like, Bert just phoned in a request. And I was like, ah, <laughs> yep. It's not just Canadians that say huh. that. Come on. So kind of. Wow, funny. this girl was that girl was in Jurassic Park. Did Don't remember. Haven't seen it in a long time. Did not know that. So what did you guys? Okay, so this film right here, like I said, there's there's a lot of oddities about this one character wise you know story wise and things like that i'm not really the biggest fan of the whole um you know amusement parks and just the whole 
you know, popularization of the, you know, the whole sensation of Graboids and stuff like that. Um, I think they make fun a little bit of Jurassic Park in this one, too, about the whole parks and everything. I think they did a shot at it. I don't well, remember if yeah, this maybe. one or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, honestly, like, I like the... Uh... The the way that you know that like once that the, once they find out that the graboids are back, like Bart wants to you know obviously take them down, and then the government shows up because they're endangered species. Because that's exactly what would happen. Like you know now that these things are are, are more known, you know as soon as they they come up, they're like yep yep these these are these are important, and it is very Jurassic Park in terms of like trying to control these killing machines. You know what I mean. But is it necessary, though? Yeah, it's necessary. To have the whole endangered species thing and stuff? Yeah, I mean, because that's a natural progression of what would happen. Yeah, I guess. I mean, that's the way society that's, would that's probably try That's what happens to... when you find something that's endangered. The government steps in and is like, hey, these things are endangered and we got to protect them. I know, them. but they're just so extreme, though, man. They're just so... They're just so different and out of this world and, like, they're just so, you know, prehistoric. I mean, do you think – I mean, honestly, if we had, like, you know, Godzilla's running around, do you think that we tried to protect them because there was only, like, four of them left? Yeah, because the whole endangered species thing I do. kicks in. But honestly, but if they were destroying things, if they were destroying things and killing people and they were just a threat all the time, you know, I mean, we have endangered species that, you know, whatever, they're not the biggest threats in the world. But uh, these things are a threat, man. I mean, they literally rip through the ground and they, well, they, they attack. Well, they did that in, uh, Critter, at the end of Critters 3. They, uh, when, um, what's his face there, got the message saying you can't destroy those eggs. They're the last one remaining. We had to, you know, save, we have to keep them together. He's like, these are killing machines. Like, well, part of the code is we have to endangered species nationwide, uh, universal wide or whatever the hell it is. So they did that in like the Critters movies as well. But it, so it's, it's, it, but it almost seems stupid though because these things are like, you know, if they start to multiply at the rates that they probably could, I mean, you're yeah, just kind of set, you're setting yourself also up. Also, don't know all that. Like they they think that they think they know, but they don't know. Which is exactly right. what happens when, when you know anybody sees like opportunity to make like a name off of something or like be famous or like make money. I understand this, the whole thing. Oh, I understand it completely. But I mean, my thing is, is there is there people that would do that? I think there is. I think there is people well, who would do that. There's a hundred. There's totally people that would go out there and do that shit. But these things are like, I don't know, man. They just seem way too destructive, way too of of a threat to even. But protect are them. they like, why really would they though? Try? Like three people took them down like multiple times. <laughs> yeah, three regular guys. Well, even in this movie too, they sell the ass blaster. You think it's not like Godzilla? It's like destroying an entire like like city. It's like three guys killed all like hundreds of these things. But it's also the fact of the way these things also you know you know procreate. You know, like how they fucking evolve and stuff like that. I mean, it's kind of a threat, though, dude. I mean, yeah, really, if we're going to have, like, that type of a circle, man, I mean, these things, I mean, obviously, they just eat and they just, you know, reproduce and stuff. Like, that's crazy, dude. I would, you know, honestly, it's it could be a potential major, major threat. I mean, if these things got out of control, oh, we're protecting them, you can't do anything about it. It just, to me, it seems like, 
okay, there is a point where you might have to step in and go, yeah, this could get completely out of control because all the tree huggers are going, you can't kill the fucking graboids. You know, and then all of a sudden it just goes out of control. Yeah. I don't know. I just don't if like the whole logical idea. like me and you. <laughs> I know. But, but the like, world you know, is not logical. But I'm Everybody just thinking, I'm like, is not. endangered. I'm like, endangered. These things could potentially destroy some uh, – do some real – isn't that damage. the same in like every film though? Like every film about like like playing God and like keeping I, the – but you know. I think it's because it's set in this world that we can relate to. It seems it seems like this very normal, isolated. Like, take Jurassic Park for example, right? Like these things obviously will fucking kill everybody. Yeah. But yeah, not, Jurassic like... Park's fucking retarded too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's face it, man. Nobody wants to be fucking with dinosaurs and shit, man. That's crazy. I mean, we st- we're but as I humans, we still would. we still have to live. We still have to progress. Also, now if these things start producing at a rapid rate and start killing us off, oh, thank you for protecting the grabbers. <laughs> All you gotta do is follow the three rules, man. Have you watched Gremlins? Yeah, I know. But you know what I'm saying? Like, I just find that like it's set in in such a like a real world and I'm like, "Okay, well, But you f- what do you f- you find it stupid essentially?" Yeah, I mean, I mean these are real okay, people. Okay, well that makes they sense real- because it's set up to where the government's supposed to look stupid. Yeah, I know. I know. But I mean, it's just it's it's just the whole idea of it too, but I I understand. I get it. But, but also think that they say they're they have to protect uh El Blanco there that the, the- the white worm because it's it can't, uh, it can't reproduce. <laughs> I know. It can't reproduce, so therefore they can keep it protected. You yeah. would think at the end and and that they kill that ass blaster that they captured, but no, they sell it. Yeah, they sell the ass blaster, so they're technically it's sending it out into the wild. All you have to do is happen. stop the shriekers. But that is total. Because those that, are I mean, the that's only ones a... that like multiply, multiply. But they. That's a metaphor for society. I mean, people are just greedy as fuck, man. Any people do shit like that. People do that shit on a daily basis. They don't give a shit, man. It's like you know, gun dealers and stuff, man. They put that shit on the streets. It's like, well, you know, what's going to happen. You're selling fully automatic weapons. They're going to go and fucking kill people, man. That gun that you sold that dude may potentially kill some little kid. You know, nobody gives a shit. It's all about the mighty dollars. So that makes complete sense. Yeah. Right? Yep. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know, man. Ass Blasters, probably the funniest name ever. I literally did not laugh when that happened. I always it's, find it funny at the things you laugh at. Dude, because they're called Ass Blasters. That is so porno. It doesn't even, it's such a <laughs> stupid fucking name. It ass is Blasters stupid. Worst. It, that's why it's funny to me because it's so stupid. It's it like, does, it's a name that I would come up with in two seconds. I know it doesn't even make sense. Like it's like ass blast. <laughs> I don't know, man. But you know, continuing along in the movie though, like there's some other things that I like, like how once again they're always changing, and you know, Bert goes to to shoot one of them, and then it takes off, and they're like, "Holy shit!" Like I didn't expect that. And then later on, where they they're like held up in Bert's house thing which he protected from shriekers by building like fences and protected from graboids because he built like stone walls like underground Mm -hmm. (laughs) but of course he never prepared for something that he didn't know about and it comes in and you know once again it's it sticks with the uh the tropes of these films and then you know he they, they use the escape tunnel, but he has all his MREs in there. And they're like, Bert, 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 what, what's going to happen if they eat all your MREs? And he's like, ass blaster blitzkrieg. 
and he blows up his whole shit. <laughs> yeah. And then they're like, Bert, Bert, just feed them some of your food. They go into a coma. He's like, no, no, they multiply. They're like, no, 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 trust me, Bert, trust me. We just fed it, and it's a coma. And he's, he's just looks off. so destroyed. And you're just like, he's like, how could I have known? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, love that I just, stuff. I just can't. Fu- I, I just can't imagine Melvin being that position that he was in. You know, he was that like little annoying kid. He's you know he's kind of that character where you're like he's never going to really amount to anything because he's kind of a moron. But yeah, until he got the shit scared out of him. Yeah, and now he's like you know the big honcho real estate. You know, trying to sell some shit, dirt bag. Fuck, his character really changed. So he changed <laughs> from a douchebag to a douchebag, essentially. To a, like, <laughs> but to a, like a like an unlikable douchebag. You know, at first he's kind of like funny and cute, you know, and now he's just an idiot, he's just an asshole. <laughs> so I don't know, man. This one right here, man. It, it's kind of funny how. It has a lot of silly moments in it, but again, the tone and the feel of the film is very similar to the other ones. That's one thing about this this franchise is that they managed to capture that through all the films, in my opinion. Yeah, um, it, it's crazy. It's really, really crazy how it happens. But yeah. this one, I we find has like find a lot out. of dry humor and stuff too. Yeah, we also find out that the the ass blasters carry eggs, and that's why it makes sense that they fly so they can move their eggs far away to keep their cycle going and that's how they travel yeah and they need to get far so they so they can lay their eggs in different places and um yeah one thing about this franchise though the storyline always does kind of make sense you know with the (laughs) elevation of these things it's like yeah that kind of makes sense yeah well it's kind of adopted from actual animals and actual things oh completely except for you know like eggs laying dormant for 300 years and stuff that doesn't yeah but even look at like the how do we know that that's not going to happen? You know, 300, 300 years. Let's face it, man. I mean, well, <laughs> I mean not, that I, not 300, but I mean, you know, whatever, like th- these cicada things that are happening this year in Pennsylvania. I shared it in the group group. I remember 17 years ago when that happened, it was insane. It was just like nuts. Like, I don't know, Matt, you might get it. I don't, I don't know about your area in New York or whatever. Um, I know that New York does get hit with it, but I, dude, if you like, if I can't wait for social media to be around when it happens this year, if it happens like it did when I was a kid, it was nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, 17 years, they, they lay dormant then they infest. That's so fucking weird. Yeah. I, I was reading up on those things. But, Strange. Um, I don't know, guys, you guys have much more for this one. Uh, not really. No. No, no. It was just one of the ones I did not like. After watching it, maybe a couple times, I started to liking it a little bit, but it wasn't what it lived up for in uh, the previous films. Hmm. Body yeah. count is low. Yeah, you it is very low. You get I never two noticed on screen kills. It's, it's got terrible CGI in it too. All man. of the all of the body counts in all these films are all mostly off screen anyway. Hmm. Yeah. But this one has like you know noticeably really bad CGI because it was in two thousand one and that was yeah. when they were like they're like and this one's only PG all the rest are PG thirteen yeah and it's right at that time where you know CG was like okay we're gonna do some CG now <laughs> but it's just like it's so forgettable you know yeah. you're just like oh my yeah. god Jesus <laughs> so uh, ratings who turns to Matt, Matt you want to go first? first I'll go first on this one for 
Deck said this movie, I started off not liking it, then started to little build up a little bit here and there. But the saving grace is that they brought it back a ton of the old characters from the first movie. <clears throat> Michael Gross is still the, the same old gun-toting craziness, you know, I'm so prepared for it. They ever come back, and they're like, yeah, it's been 11 years since a Graboid scene. It's like, you never know. <laughs> so his house is all underground. He's got all the seismic sensors. He's got this and that, this and that. So it's, I like how some of it is, but I, to me, this one falls a little flatter. I would probably give this one maybe a 7 out of 10. Yeah. Yeah. Moods? Um, yeah, this one right here, man, uh, you know, I like I said, you know, I think the it's amazing how they captured the same tone and kind of feel and look to the film, but it's filled with, like, really dry humor and stuff that's kind of, it kind of makes me laugh at times. Effects are shitty in this one, honest to God. Like, I mean, some of the, some of the practical effects are pretty decent, but, man, the CG really sticks out as being terrible and stuff um mostly this film to me is pretty forgettable you know it nothing really is too that you know too exciting to it um i do like you know to a point uh you know again with shriekers and you know turn into ass blasters (laughs) i can't say ass blasters without laughing (laughs) it's so ridiculous but you know, at the same time, I'm not really a big fan of having that as your villain, you know, a flying creature, even though I'm a big fan of the birds. There's something about it. I just find before it was way more scary. You know, the you got the, the underground, even the even the level, you know, the ground level monster, you know, the shrieker was was cool. I, I just find that, you know, it's a lot harder to do and make it effective when you're, you have things flying around and things like that. Don't think it was elevate or, you know executed that great in this film um but you know overall i I still i still enjoyed it man i don't think it's that great by any means i think the best thing about this film is michael gross you know i think he's he's just awesome and you know and that's the one thing i take away from this film um again matt mentioned you know the characters coming back i thought that was really cool back to perfection might as well bring back the cast i thought that was really cool i think they were underutilized uh to a certain degree in the film um which is kind of kind of shitty but uh you know man i i still i still i think i have a little bit of a soft spot for it i'm gonna give it about a six out of ten yeah me um i used to not like this one so much but it, it definitely has grown on me and probably this time watching it, i liked it more than i ever have before um because i noticed so many things about like all the connectivity to the other two films um i'm a sucker for stuff like that like if you tie up ends from a film with characters that are gone like Earl and Grady, uh, that that's big deals to me. And um, there's also just other things like that, that we didn't mention, like when they're in the junkyard and when they're looking for the, when they need some flammable f- stuff, and they are in Nestor's trailer and they grab his bottle of alcohol, which is Melvin's dad. Mm-hmm. Um, like that's cool. He's like you know Nestor used to be a drinker or whatever. Like that. The, like you no, do not need to put that in the film, but th- because you do, I, I love that. It's it's so cool to me when when films keep continuity and callbacks and stuff. It means a lot because it means that it's set in the same world. Um, it is a step down from the first two uh, for sure. Uh, the CGI, like Mood said, but um, it still feels like the same world to me. It still feels like Bert is you know doing what i can with what i got like all his cool lines are there and stuff it's fun um i give it a uh let's go 6.5 out of 10 
so kind of in the middle of you guys. Uh, but one thing that I wanted to say before we uh, move on to the next movie is uh, this year, you know, right, like a couple years later, uh, they actually came out with the TV series for the uh, sci-fi channel. Uh, so in chronological order, this would be next. Um, I know, Moods, you haven't seen it, but I think, Matt, you've seen it. Yep, I have the, the DVD set. Okay, I watched the first three episodes. Oh, you guys are so fucking cool, aren't you? Uh, just, just <laughs> I'm to a kind of, uh, <laughs> Just to kind of, you know, see what it was all about and stuff. And uh, I, I did watch it when it aired. And apparently it got good ratings when it came out. But for some reason, Sci-Fi wanted to change their demographics, so they canceled it. Uh, right away when I popped in the disc and watched the first episode, it, right away I got to say, it's definitely TV quality. Like it, it feels like a TV show even like the camera and stuff and just just feels lower budget but it still feels like it's the exact same world and it's actually continuing the story from part three like el blanco's still there and it's like literally just like mel like melvin like the land developers and like the government's still like bugging them about like protecting the endangered species like it's literally the, the same stuff uh the characters are still there i think jack is got switched out for a different guy who's essentially jack anyway uh no he's and... he's gone because he gets a job in bixby and oh, another guy by the way bixby the that they mentioned in the first film like they continuously mentioned that in these films too in the tv series which is pretty cool because it's like you know the next town over yeah um but yeah the yeah what i said what i meant to say i don't know if i said it was he isn't there what matt was just saying but there's pretty much a guy there that's exactly like him anyway jack that's he's a big know-it-all too it's like he knows a lot more stuff going on but what's cool is the when the tv show was aired it was aired on a sequence too it aired like the finale before like it shouldn't have not been made and uh it just some parts didn't make sense Dude, I totally remember that because when I watched this first episode, I was like, "That I don't remember this episode, but I know I watched it on premiere." Yep, it was aired wrong. It was it got some low ratings, but it also got high ratings. But they they canceled it. It was thirteen episodes, <clears throat> and Michael Gross is not in two episodes. Really? Yep. Even though IMDb shows he's in all thirteen. He is not. Huh. Probably because <clears throat> Tremors 4 was getting shot around the same time. Oh. I bet you Gross was working on the set on a couple times where he couldn't make it to the show. Huh. So that's what my guess is. But what the show, though, is they introduced uh, the new character. Uh, Jody's character is different. The store owner. Same There's name, but different actress. Um, you had a couple new characters. You have... Uh, Miguel's uh, daughter, daughter, cousin, or something taking over the ranch. Rosalita. Yep. Uh, Twitchell is now the government agency that's taken over perfection area, so the grab boy is safe. So the whole yeah, eminent in, domain uh, thing is kicked in. <laughs> he's in prison break. Yep. Uh, so you got some new characters, but also you have new threats. They added a lot of different kind of monsters in there. I didn't uh, get to any of the new ones. All I saw was the Shriekers and. Uh... Graboids. Yep, you get you got an ass blaster. The same ass blaster that they sell in the third movie is <laughs> in the TV show. It comes wow. back. Oh, that's so cool, man. <laughs> that's funny. 
Uh, let's see, they have a couple Shriekers, but they also have other, like Christopher Lloyd is in it. He's got a uh, couple episodes. He was a scientist that worked at an, a base that was stationed near Was his name Perfection. Dr. Brown? No, it was not Brown. <laughs> <laughs> but they have this thing called Mixmaster. <clears throat> Mixmaster was a uh, like a mutagen that could mix different DNA of different creatures. And of course, this Mixmaster somehow got leaked into the Perfection Valley where now these are different creatures coming up that are threatening uh, Perfection. So you got like a there was a, uh, let's see Christopher Lloyd had a uh, cat-like type creature that he kept that he like raised himself. Of course it gets loose and now they have to fight this weird cat-like creature. There is a ghost-like monster in the mines. Now, they said that in the first movie, when the doctor gets killed, he says, you know, there's a bunch of mines around here. They mention the mines in the TV show and, of course, in part four, but there's this weird monster that mummifies you. It absorbs all the fluid. There's even a creature that's in the water. There is, like, a bug scene, like, of different killer bugs in one episode. So there's all different things that get your attention. It's not all graboids, ass blasters, and shriekers. So it really expands the mythology of uh, perfection. Yeah. The whole mix master adds in the elements. And, of course, people are trying to come in and steal the graboid, or they're trying to uh, get something from the town. It's That's what gets people into the town, which is pretty neat. But, yeah, the, the show was pretty fun to watch. Yeah, I, I had fun with it. the first three episodes. People get killed in all the episodes, so there's always someone getting killed by some kind of creature or something. So that adds to the element. And it follows right along from part three, which is really cool. And Gummer, of course, is in the majority of the episodes, except for two. Cool. Hmm. Cool, yeah. So, uh, Moods, check it out. I'm going to definitely finish it up, actually. Yeah, once it drops back down in price again, I'm, I'm going to pick it up, definitely. All right, so. I'm going to check it out. So, yeah, moving into the year 2004, and this is definitely the closest uh, sequel, you know, (laughs) in years. I mean, yeah, this is only three years later. So we got Tremors 4, The Legend Begins. So this is uh, an origin story, really. This is a a TV film. This was made for TV, right? I think it was made for sci-fi, but it might not have been. It could have been like video first. It was video first because the only way you could get it was online through Stampede. Because I remember I wanted to get it, but the only way you could get it was online. I remember remember when uh, they did a marathon of Tremors 1, 2, and 3 on Sci-Fi one time. And they had a commercial that was like, Tremors 4 coming out, you know, this time. Like, order your copy now. And I had my grandma call, and it was like something like three payments of like $29.99 or something. (laughs) She wouldn't buy it for me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's a man so yeah so uh tremors for the legend begins um so tremors four tells us about the founders of rejection valley and how they defend it against the dirt dragons aka the graboids so in this film it starts out in nevada in 1889 you know it's in the wild west and stuff and and they are not called Graboids. They're called Dirt Dragons. That's what they called them back in the day. So I like that, man. That's cool. 
I think that's and you get a uh, another kind of the evolution of yeah. the graboid. Yeah, like the well. first out of the egg, which I call those ones the dirt dragons, and then the big ones the graboids. Yep. I call them grab bits. They're smaller. They're <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, so yeah, this film is very weird to me. I never liked it when it came out. Uh, we have Burt Gummer or not? We have Burt Gummer's nope. ancestor uh, coming to rejection, the town of Rejection, uh, where he is sort of this high class guy. Harem. 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 Hiram. Hiram. Hiram Gummer. Who? Who's like obviously has been pampered most of his life uh, where he's like kind of inherited a mine and the mine has been shut down because 17 people have died in the mine and he wants to figure out what's going on. So he comes down there himself. Of course, everybody in the town is like ancestors of, you know, everybody it's very back to the future ish. In terms it is. Of, like, it is. Yeah, exactly I don't like I prequels like this, by the way, where it's almost like a remake, just set in a different time period, uh, because they don't make sense. Like, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> you know, like none of this would ever be like real. Like that's not how like relatives work. They're not like the same carbon copy person is <laughs> is they end up having their ancestor be. You know what I mean? It's like the. I think they just do it for familiarity, though. <laughs> Really, I mean, if you had all these characters completely different than, you know, than they're supposed to be, I think it just confuses shit out of people. Yep. You know, I think it just works like that. You know, that's it's why I don't these... feel like these things work at all, though. Like, the, the, really, I, I'm the complete opposite. I think it works because then you just kind of relate to them. You're like, oh yeah, that's that's higher. Oh, it's that's like totally, a parallel universe. That's totally gunner. Yeah, that's totally Bert. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but and I, I will add, man, Michael Gross in this film, he's awesome, man. He's great. So you guys really like how they do that, huh? Where like, yeah, I do, is, like, man. The exact same person, but <laughs> I do. I mean, it's it's obviously not the way it's going to be for real, but I think it works in film because you just instantly, you know, you're drawn to that person. But doesn't it feel like, oh, fake? That, like, that's it just who it feels is. like like oh, that's that's lame. Is. Like it's not the same really. I, honestly, I can't ever hate on it because it's like Back to the Future is my favorite trilogy, and this is just it. it just totally reminds me of something like that, you know. These characters that are identical, but they're, you know, they're different. Uh, it says the legend begins. Does that mean the legend of the monsters or legend of perfection? Well, because they they're... the legend of fucking Burt Gummer. Well, I know. They, they, yeah, but I mean, they also show how they, you know, they changed the, how they got the name. Yep. <laughs> like, I just think it's so stupid, though. story. like, would you ever name your city Rejection? <laughs> No, <laughs> like a, I'm a uh, reject. I'm gonna go to rejection. I know, like that sounds like a place you just never want to even attempt to settle at. It's like rejection, so funny. But I mean, that's the joke, right? You know, they said. But but moods to to further my annoyance with these type of prequels, which I, I honestly don't like them. Yeah. The thing also is like they're not only the same characters, but like same like things happen to them, and it's like. Mm-hmm. This just feels like it's not a prequel. It's just a remake in a different time period. But that's what it... this is. This is not a prequel at all in any way. No, I think it is, though, man, because it shows you the birth of the town, basically. I mean, it, you get introduced to this this town that's called Rejection. And, you know, there was never – well, obviously, there was n- no problems with Graboids and stuff before because – 
you know, there was there was really no town there. I mean, so, there was a legend of the of the uh, of the dirt, whatever they call them, dirt dragons. Dirt, dirt dragons. Dirt, dirt, dirt so dragons. you're telling me that like the same sixteen people live in this town, and then their same sixteen ancestors, like like where did they? have sex and babies <laughs> like the same 16 people like ancestors like years later there too like 100 years later it makes no sense <laughs> this is why it's not a prequel it's just a remake <laughs> it's it's not really i mean if you look at the definition of a remake i mean it's not really a remake it is a remake no not it, necessarily because it's, you it's don't have ar- the babies because... in the in the front they would if they do a remake, they'll just be the graboid. Not necessarily. They they, if they remake Friday the Thirteenth, it's not Mrs. Voorhees. It's what the it's what it, it it adds things. It's Jason and shit. You know the hockey mask wasn't in part one. Well, the remake of Friday, they combined one, two, and three to make the remake. So it's technically a remake of one, two, and three. You already had Mrs. Voorhees. You already had Jason there. And then Jason dones the mask in the that third movie. True. So it's like a re- it's like a remake sequel or something then, or a prequel. Like it, it's, it is, it is a, a very it's a prequel. poor <laughs> attempt at a prequel. I mean, it's a prequel just based on the fact you know, that it's before the time period. That's literally the only thing: the fact that it's set before. But I mean, it's still a comedy, though, right? This this is still like a comedy horror film. I mean. That's kind of the joke. I mean, everyone's the exact same. That's just what it is. That's the joke. You find it funny or you, you, you don't find it funny. I like it, man. I like the fact that, you know, Michael Gross is playing this character. I, it just it's, it's comical to me because you instantly relate with all these characters. There's no storytelling at all. You don't need anything. There's no substance to this at all. You already know all these characters. Too. If you watch the first three films, you know who these fucking characters are. Yep. And it's, at the end of that's the what's likable movie... About People are when they re, when they're repainting the rejection to perfection, they show more people coming into the town, so you know more people are coming back because now everything's all set up. So you never know what happens down the road where more people can come and go, come and go. Yeah, and then the, the same six like, so, people. So essentially, they just all end up being the same people, though. <laughs> much all the same people or moving out or whatnot. Yeah. <laughs> and and okay, here's another thing that annoys me. Okay, so. Burt Gummer is like h- hooking up with this redhead who's obviously supposed to be like Heather, <laughs> but it, it's like weird because like okay, well that like is that supposed to be her ancestor? Because like then they're like incest. <laughs> it's it's just the joke, man. I mean, it's, it's no, just... it's it's always annoyed me. I hate prequels like this. They uh, make no it, sense. It, it, I did like it though when they're in. I would her. rather take it as a remake because then it would make fucking sense. <laughs> I don't know, man. You gotta take this one with a fucking <laughs> like, it, it's super lighthearted. Yeah, but like, I like when like, they're in the, the hotel and she's got all the guns on the wall. Like how they were all the guns are in yeah, yeah. Tremors 1. She's like, oh, they left them to me. I don't know anything about them. <laughs> but I guess I could take it as a prequel. But you no, and she's no, like, I'm taking, no, payments, on the, I'm taking payments on the gun. No, it totally is, man. It, it it tells a little bit of the story and, you know, like how it even shows the elevation of the name. It tells how dirt like, dragons, this person's dirt dragons got, that have turned into graboids. That's what they are, man. That is the only prequel part of this. <laughs> okay, whatever. <laughs> I don't know, man. I just... I just I think me and Matt are seeing it completely different. It's just fun. You know, it's yeah. it's it's all about 
the film itself. Okay, you know, it's all about you know having fun with these characters and. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, but this it's, is my nitpick, much like yours, is like, well, the government wouldn't really do that. I understand. In the previous one. Like, this is way more retarded than the government thing. Well. <laughs> no. It no. is. You're crazy. No. You guys are fucking nuts. <laughs> this is no. terrible. This is a terrible prequel. I do like this movie. I like it as a Western Tremors remake. But it, as a prequel, it is garbage. It makes zero sense. It is ludicrous that you even try to justify any sense whatsoever in this film because there's none. I like this movie, man, because I'm a really big fan of westerns. And I That's remember I, I remember watching this film, you know, years you know, a few years back and really not caring for it. I was probably just in the wrong mind state or whatever. But Rewatching this, I had a lot of fun with this. It ha- it's a silly film. It really is. Yeah. It's silly. It's lighthearted in tone. It has, it, you know, it still has that kind of similar tone, but it is definitely a little more silly. You know, with certain things that are going on. I always the part that makes me laugh is when the kid is like, you know, he, he fixes his bike and stuff, and he's like, I'm the only, I'm the only, you know, b- uh, person that fixes bike tires in here. It, just shit like that. I'm just like. Of course you are, man. There's like four people in this town. Like, Blacksmith's just... gone. The bank is gone. Exactly. This is I'm gone. Like, of course. <laughs> you know, it's like eight-year-old kid that's fixing your bike, and it's just ridiculous. But it's super lighthearted, man. To me, it, it seems like, oh, this is like Burt Gummer, like having – or Michael Gross, like having fun with being able to play a different character. Mm-hmm. Like, and he plays I can tell he's though. totally having fun being somebody else. It is. Man. He he actually does a really. He's like good the job. complete opposite of of his character, but his arc is eventually he becomes, well, essentially he becomes Burt Gummer, which makes no fucking sense because it's like Burt Gummer's grandfather. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's just it's what he turns into. They're just showing like, you what he's literal, going to like, turn into. He, he into says lines yeah. that Burt Gummer later says. Like it's just like it's just later. like the graboids elevating. You know, it's these characters. That's what they turn into. You know, that's just what it is. But you know, I mean, I gotta say, man, one of the one of the his character is such a dick in this film, man. He's like anyone that can be taken advantage of. That's like my favorite scene. He's like, you would can, you like a piece of this? Would do. you like this last piece of ginger? <laughs> and he's like, oh yeah, Mister Gummer, I would love it. And he's like, well, go fetch me my peach brandy. And the kid comes back. And he's like, where where'd the gingerbread go? And he's like, I ate it, of course. And it's like, like what a dick. <laughs> 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 I just like how they show him eating the whole thing too. It's just yeah. it's so awesome. Yeah. It's so awesome. He, like he's right, trying to get to the horse and uh like you came and ride a horse right. You came and <laughs> the part says grab a gun which makes you feel like yourself. He grabs this little mini little type of gun. <laughs> they look at him like, What the fuck did you just grab? <laughs> <laughs> like a little pea shooter. He's like, What? You told me to grab something that feels <laughs> and Billy Drago, who was in this Tries to teach him to be the Dude, Billy Drag is awesome in this. Yeah, he is. He gets all pissed off. He's like, "Can't you shoot a gun right? Can't you just come on, man? Get on the horse like a man." <laughs> this is like the only role that Billy Drago can actually play properly, man. You know, like Blackhand Kelly. You know, I don't know. Kind you of like hated him in th- uh, this tough fucking Mike's imprint. Was just that kind him? Of, yeah, just kind yeah, of. I don't know why t- you don't like this guy. This guy's awesome. Oh, Billy Drago's a terrible actor, man. He's just yeah, awful. Right. He he just comes yeah. off as so bad. He's like this really shitty fucking. He like hands it up. He's like this really shitty David Carradine man character. He's got like this very similar <laughs> type hair, and he's just not as cool as Carradine man at all. No, he's cooler. Uh, 
but I have to say, man, his death in this film is uber fucking funny, man. <laughs> I was I was busting out out loud. I was like, that is awesome. I, I kind of didn't remember that. <laughs> I don't know if there was something about it. I was like, it was so good. But uh, I don't know, man. Th- this one, to me, is just fun. I Honestly, I just I have a lot of fun with this, man. I think the set pieces are fantastic in this. I think the costumes are great. For, for being such a low-budget film, Five it looks, yeah, it looks good. Like, they actually did a lot of good... Uh, you know, designing in this, you know, I mean, and they use less practical, they, they use less CGI and more practical effects. Yeah. They, they had a lot of puppetry. They had a lot of animatronics they used. They really uh, take this, the tentacles and really utilize them in this yeah, more yep. than they ever have. Before. That was one thing I, I was really blown away by was the effects in this film. I was expecting to be very CG heavy. Not at all. Oh, of course. No. There is scenes another and thing stuff. why the, the, uh, uh, actual prequel thing makes absolutely no fucking sense at all. <laughs> oh, is no. because old Fred. Oh, there's a character named Old Fred. Oh, really? You mean like the same guy that the sheep farmer that died in the first film? Oh, and it's, guess but what? He dies in As this movie too. No. The, it's just fun. Just a name. Man. That's all it is. It's just a nickname. They call him Old Fred. Uh-huh. <laughs> if they so, call him so OJP and then JP Mexican was in the other movie, that's like the same character but different things. So There's is no Old reason. Fred in the 1990 Tremors film the ancestor of Old Fred from? No. <laughs> Maybe. <Nope. laughs> I'm going nope. Probably just a nickname they called him. Old okay, Fred. okay. Is you it don't just... know what Fred's real name is. They just said Old Fred. Old okay. Fred can be anything. Okay, is it just me or? Like you never, I, I barely ever see bikes in Western films. Yeah, I know, right? Stickers have bike out of place, like the sticker on it and everything. Yeah, I don't know if it was if there was a joke there. I'm just missing or something. But I, I was trying to think when I was watching it yesterday, and I was like, um, I don't remember a, seeing bikes in Western films. It's just so weird to see when that. When was the bicycle invented? Oh, it's probably invented before. This is 1889. 18, I'm assuming it was invented before that. But 18, I mean, it's just 17 ish. Yeah, it's just weird to see a bike in a western. <laughs> like the scene where where Harmon's is going. It's like, oh, he's like, hey, I don't. It's need a, a lot horseman. of I've, rough I've got... country out there, and he's like, oh, it's okay. I got the cross country model. <laughs> <laughs> takes him up fucking. He gets about 20 feet from him, and his chain breaks. <laughs> this fucking laugh. I'm like, of course. Again. Yeah. The silly, lighthearted tone of the film is just, it's stupid, but it's It's fun. definitely very lighthearted. Oh, it um, is, man. It's so lighthearted. Even when, like, Drago gets eaten up by the by the Graboids, I'm just like, <laughs> I'm fucking, like, dying. Like, just the way it goes down. It's their expressions, man. It's the way they're acting, and they're just like, <gasps> I don't know, man. I just, I, the, I thought. The, one thing that I found weird was that the Graboids couldn't break through the, like, railroad ties that were on the floor <laughs> yeah maybe they made them quality back in the day yeah but <laughs> well, they showed they tried doing it and the wood kind of like buckled a little bit yeah that's why the, the snakes the tentacles were grabbing him pulling yeah but them it out. don't make sense because they can like <laughs> well nothing makes under sense the ground <laughs> come on <laughs> But then they break the ground and eat Drago afterwards. But then again, that was lighter wood, I guess. Yeah. So, Matt, what's, Matt, what's the body count in this film? Oh, great. Come on. Uh, you see. did it in every one. I know, because I was too busy counting when you guys were talking about Do the about 17 people that are killed off screen count? No. 
<laughs> I'm going to call by on screen. So you got the two miners in the beginning. You got Billy Drago's character. There's you no... got old Fred. Um, yeah, there's not that. Four. I would say probably maybe six on screen. Oh, nope, nope, nope. You got. Let's see. Oh no, because the guys me... at the at the fire pit. So you got. That's the guy right. With I was going to say. His brother, the other big guy, there was the other dude. I'm gonna say nine. This one almost has like the biggest body count. It's crazy. I think <laughs> I think the first kill in the film where the dude gets sucked right down is fucking. It looks good, man. It looks really really decent, man. I was like, wow. I was expecting yeah. shit effects and everything, and he just gets sucked in. And they kind of show it too, like he just goes right under it. I'm like, yeah, nice. Wait, which one? Uh, like the very first kill in the film. Um, where Buddy gets sucked down. I, uh, is it in the camp? I think it is in the camp. Oh, yes, when the, the little baby ones grab him and pull him under. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it looks cool. So I'm going to go with a body count of eight. Mm. Yeah. Not bad, not bad. So, you know, honestly, like this one, uh, I used to not like it all, but I, I have actually grown to like it quite a bit. Um I love the music in this film too. It's funny because it's like an interpretation of the exact same soundtrack we're in the first three films. Yep. But yeah. it's like older. Yeah. <laughs> it's like they used banjos it, and twang ears instruments than the other one. It totally makes me laugh. I'm like, that's awesome. It's just like the same characters, but in they're just interpreted. <laughs> you know, in this soundtrack, this exact same thing. I don't know, man. I find... do the dirt dragons remind you of like the burrowers? They do remind me of Burrowers. It's <laughs> not the same thing. Yeah, Burrowers, Burrowers is, is a much better film. <laughs> I will, I will ah, add. It's pretty close, dude. I like Burrowers. them both about the same. Burrowers is good, man. Yeah, Burrowers uh, is good. I love the scene in Tremors, though, when uh, they hook up the one worm to the uh, the steam engine. And, like, it just hits the side of it and just explodes out of nowhere. Oh, I know. It's like, where's the explosion? What's this? <laughs> <laughs> and it was hysterical because they have to have some kind of explosion because in all the Tremors movies, something gets blown up and all the guts go flying and hitting people in every single episode, every single movie. So they had to figure out how to make that explosion and get people covered in guts. <laughs> yeah. And you know, like- my thing with the the way that the film kind of plays out is I honestly think that like they like destroyed them way too easy like there was no real struggle there didn't seem like there was any real threat uh they just kind of won the you know what? I, people that is i've noticed that i had noticed that too but then again i was like you know what this film is already super lighthearted and like th- there's like there's no struggle to this at all yeah i think it just kind of fit it too like i think if they had went like crazy fucking hardcore you know, and just like had this crazy ending. It's, it probably wouldn't have fit as much. You know, they just get super serious and, you know, whatever. I don't know. I think it worked, but I, I do understand where you're coming from, though. Because, yeah. like, the way it goes down, you're just like, what? <laughs> but I like how in all the films, and it's very consistent again in part four, you know, with the music and, you know, the, the offbeat tone and, and stuff like that, is that uh, they always have exploding grabber, graboids. And people get covered in shit. They always manage to do the same jokes. <laughs> like every film, I like that. It's consistency, man. It's good. So, you guys ready to rate this bad boy? Let's rate it. All right. Shout. I think it's uh, Moose's turn again. All right, man. You know, I generally would be very disappointed with, you know, a more silly, lighthearted, toned film. 
toned film. I can't fucking talk tonight, man. This is ridiculous. Um, but this one works, man, because I like the the whole aspect of these characters being relatable and, uh, you know, the exact same characters, but, you know, taking place 100 years earlier. I, I really like that. Uh, there's some pretty decent moments in this, man. The Billy Drago death scene is just, it's beyond hilarious to me. I, I think it's so funny the way it happens. Kind of reminded me of, like, it kind of reminded me of the of the death scene in um, in Feast, where that one dude shows up and he's like, he appears he's going to be the hero. Yes. And then he just gets fucking mangled and killed, and you're just like, and you instantly die laughing. You're like, that is the funniest thing I've ever seen. But like, it is kind of a shock when you see him die. You're like, you kind of would expect him to maybe live a little bit longer, but I don't know. This is kind of funny to me, but uh, you know, great setting. Uh, I have a lot of fun with this one. I actually do prefer this over part three. Uh, I think I have a little more fun with this one. I'm going to give it six Same. and a half out of ten. Cool, cool. So this one for me, um, like I said, I didn't like this one growing up and when it aired and stuff. But I, I learned I didn't really like westerns all that much. I didn't, or I didn't realize I liked them. I always just thought of them as like, oh, those are old, and I don't like old stuff. But you know, <laughs> oh, once I grew old. up and realized <laughs> that, like, you know, oh, this shit's actually really cool, and I actually do like all these damn westerns my pap been showing me for years. Uh, you know, I, I, I've, I love westerns now, and I especially love western horror films. Um, this one's super lighthearted, fun. Uh, I, I do really, really enjoy it as a remake because that is what it is. It is a hundred percent a remake. Uh, you can call it a prequel if you want, but it's not in no way, shape, or form. Um, well, except, it totally is. Uh, but... It's completely, 100%, just absolutely not. But <laughs> no, you know, it, it even says prequel on it. So, uh, but you know, um, you know, even you know, a little may, might want to look into this a little bit. But the you know, people involved in it said that it was kind of a reinterpretation of the first Tremors films. So, you know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, you know, <laughs> uh, it, it is, uh, it is one that is fun. Uh, I, it is just, I don't like prequels like this. So, uh, as a like parallel universe of like, Hey, this is like the Tremors movies that we know, but set in the old West and all these characters are the same, but they're supposed to be ancestors. It doesn't make any sense at all, but it's like a kind of like a remakey parallel dimension thing. I'm down with that. So uh, I give this one uh, the same rating I gave part three with a 6.5 out of 10. Wow. I thought, I totally thought you were going to come in a little bit I thought you were going to come a lot lower. Yeah. <laughs> that was weird. I was waiting for that four out of five. I uh, four that, out of 10. It's a great fun movie. It's just, I hate it as a prequel. Like I hate thinking of it as a prequel because it's not. Huh. Well, for me to rate this prequel, I would actually rate it <laughs> a little bit higher. <laughs> Because I found it a lot. After watching it again, like I did, you find it as a prequel, possibly. <laughs> just like yeah, you know, he jumps in, you're like, "Well, I've had to rate this prequel." <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking hilarious. I, the audience is gonna agree with me, by the way. Oh yeah, just say. Well, All right, guys, down do. below, post we think it's a prequel or it's a remake. <laughs> okay. After watching this one again, like I would watch one, two, and three over and over again, and I always kept putting off four. So I said, since we're doing the show, I had to watch four. I was kind of dreading it, but after watching it, I started liking it even more. It was like just so much more fun to watch, uh, a lot better than the third third movie. And uh, again, you get another Tremors movie, another different adaptation of the Graboid, versus now you have it as a little baby. 
looks a little different. The spikes are on the side. The beak's a little smaller. I'm like, all right, so we got something different now. And the rules still apply, but they have to relearn the rules because it's a com- to completely different cast. Yeah, which it's that's a remake. Pretty... So they have to relearn what they but no, first film. But with this <laughs> prequel here, they're ancestors. So therefore, you don't have anything. It's not a remake. It's a prequel. Because yeah. we're back in 1889, and the town of Perfection was established in 1901. So you had that time period in between for them to grow into perfection. So anyway, for this prequel, I would give it a 7 out of 10, because I had a lot more fun watching this film than uh, Part 3. I think I rated that one a lot higher, though. So, yeah, because, you know, Tremors 4, the prequel... I did. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. All right. Oh, Jesus. All right. So moving on from what was it? Two thousand. That was two thousand four, right? Yep. And then we got a huge jump here, man. We got like eleven years later, and we got Tremors Five: Bloodlines. Dude, when this movie got announced, I was like, no fucking way. Like they're yeah. making a sequel. It's I not actually, a remake. I actually. Like, but then yeah, I realized, oh, they already remade it last time. Of course, they're not going to do a remake again. Yeah. <laughs> You're just, no, no. <laughs> See, the thing with me, I was like, I didn't really know what to expect from this at all. I'm like, it's been a long time since they put one out. And then I was like, really? Jamie Kennedy? The yeah. fuck? I was like, oh, oh, this is going to be super silly, stupid comedy. It's going to be like... Those Jamie Kennedy films, <laughs> you know, I, I just I didn't know what to expect from this. But when they first announced it, they were to say it was going to take place in Australia called Thunder from Down Under. But then it got dropped. And all of a sudden, later on, a couple of years later, now they came up with Bloodlines. I'm like, OK, now we're taking place in South Africa. I'm like, mm-hmm. ooh, OK, this sounds pretty cool. Yes. And on that note, Tremors 5 the giant man-eating graboids are back, even deadlier than before, terrorizing the inhabitants of South Africa. Wildlife reserve as they attack from below and above. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, and that would be the ass blasters. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm yeah. But one thing, I fucking love the intro to this film, man. It's yeah. almost the exact same this... intro as the first movie when they did the the pan off. And zoom in. Did you yeah. notice that? Yeah, yeah. It's the exact yeah. same intro as the first one. I'm like, wow, they did that intro. Cool. Yeah. I just like how they did it too. Like they they have the whole explanation, you know, because it's been a long time since the Tremors films come out, and the last one was a prequel, so they kind of <laughs> had to explain things. Yeah, you know, and, and they kind of and they you know Michael Gross's character, Bird, he's like explaining things like what graboids are and what they're doing and things like that. I was like, that is good. And it didn't and it even come the across. comic scene and how the worms move and how they act and yeah and it was all animated was like, and it looked good and like I mean yeah. really fucking good on Blu-ray like amazing and it was just done really quick and it got to the point and it just got into the film and I, I was like, like watching a National Geographic yeah it just it worked so well I was like oh that's a, that's a great opening when I first watched this last year I was like sucked right in I was like yo pun intended but <laughs> 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 oh yeah. Um, but yeah, man, great start to the film. And, you know, honestly, one thing I love about this movie, man, is Bert's character. He's just so 
he's almost angry. He's to the point. He's like, okay, fuck this, man. I'm hard as fuck. <laughs> I love that about his character in this, man. He's just, yeah, he's, he's awesome. He's also man. like, he's, um, just, he's just down to business. He's so old school and like, he's like just old. <laughs> you know, he's he awesome. is. He's just awesome, man. He's just like, he's not fucking around anymore, man. He's, he's got his mind set up and he's like, this is what I'm doing. What I'm doing. I'm um, not, you know, I'm not fucking with, uh, yeah, you know. <laughs> he's also like the, uh, like survivor man guy, which, yep. um, you know, is really cool because yeah, it yeah. does feel like the natural like kind of progression of his character. You would think that he of would, course. Be, you know, with technology now, like the, like he would uh, kind of get into that a little bit. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. So, what do you guys think of Jamie Kennedy's character? I actually didn't mind him at first. I thought, oh god, this is going to be pretty bad, the way he's dressed and everything. But then he starts talking, and he starts. You see the evolving of the character, and you're like, all right. I can yeah. see where this is going. God damn, does he look different, by the way. I haven't seen him yes, in so he long. Oh, he's just, he's a lot older himself. But, you know, honestly, man, that was one of the things I really liked about this film is the fact that they didn't use Jamie Kennedy's character as, like, pure comic relief. Yeah. They made him, like, a real person. And he was, like, mm-hmm. he was, you know, he had jokes here and there, but they were, you know, they were subtle and they were kind of dry and stuff. And it wasn't taken away from the film. The focus wasn't on, you know, Jamie Kennedy, the star, you know. And I was like, this is awesome. And it worked well. I pictured Jamie Kennedy playing a character in Tremors like Grady from Part 2. I'm like, that would have been Jamie Kennedy. Mm -hmm. It's kind of weird. He's so much more likable in this film than... Oh, he's... I I think Jamie Kennedy did a great job in this film. Yeah, I like him, but I... The whole time, I kind of just wished he was Grady, to be honest. (laughs) What? No, no. It's totally different. Oh, I'm totally opposite that. I, I I personally really liked him. Yes. I thought he was okay. He's better than I thought Jamie Kennedy would be, but I didn't know really liked the character. No, hmm. nah, not really. I don't think there's anything really too wrong with him. I don't think he's like he's not extreme. He's not ridiculous. You know, he's just kind of. I just didn't think yeah, he just had kind of that there. Like, buddy he buddy find. vibe down good enough. Like he didn't feel like I don't know. Well, there I just was, didn't there, feel there's like a reason much of a. There's, I think there's, like, I mean, but it's revealed in the end why he's not probably buddy-buddy. Because he's trying to kind of, I don't really want to give that away, but... Well, technically, since it's Trummer's bloodline, there's another reason why it's called bloodline. Uh, yeah, I know, I know anyway, that, It's kind of like a double entendre. Honestly, there's a few things that I... Means. There's a few things that I kind of do feel like are uncharacteristic of Bert and that is one of them. Oh, the fact that yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. you know it's funny because I actually thought the exact same thing considering you know how he's such a he's kind of a homebody and you know like he's just kind of set in his own ways and stuff. He doesn't really seem like the type that would probably make that mistake or even put himself into that position to make that mistake or even where he was. Exactly. I mean I understand. I thought the exact same thing. It's a good point, JP. But but that's not the only thing. And this is the the only scene that I truly dislike in the movie, and it actually annoys me. The scene where Bert is locked in the cage. Okay, yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was thinking the cage thing. It is so uncharacteristic of him. I could not stand you, it. You know why, too, man? Because that's the point in this film when like everything is like actually kind of serious up into that point. That is literally the point in the film where 
the whole kind of tone changes. It goes from pretty damn serious until he gets captured and he gets put in this cage, and it just kind of takes this like comedic turn. Yeah, it just comes out of nowhere. It, it does, feels man. like it doesn't belong. It's I have just, it noted uh, down. I'm like, wow, the scene where he's in the cage. I'm like, talk about tone shift and like everything, mm-hmm. man. It's like, it's weird how they did it too. It's the way they edited the film. It's just like, bam. It's like going along strong. And all of a sudden, now we're going to make this shit a little funny. Well, we're going <laughs> to try to make it funny. And then we're also going to make his character. We're going to kind of like less his character a little bit. Because, yeah, I understand. The, that's really probably wouldn't happen. So it, does Is there a point where he drinks his urine? In the cage? Yes. Does he drink yeah. his urine in the cage? I don't even remember. Yes, remind. he does. Oh, maybe he does. Okay. Yeah. That mega <clears throat> pisses me off. Mega, 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 mega pisses me off. Well, that's the whole that... survival. This is no... Well, I what? know the line pisses in his face. Does he drink his own piss? Yeah, because he pisses on the shirt and then he, you know, squenches out under his, under his face. Yeah. No, he, no, he pisses so on himself. I didn't. That. No, he doesn't drink it. He pisses on the shirt to on, and dresses himself because it acts as a bug repellent. Are you sure that he year. doesn't drink it? I don't think he drank it. I think he just rubbed it on himself. If he just rubs it on it. himself, then I'm cool with that. But if he I'm, drinks it, it makes me so mad because anybody who really knows about survival knows that when you're dehydrated, you're not supposed to drink your piss. That's why Bear Girls is an idiot and put that on shit on TV. No. It's all toxins at that point. Yeah, you need to filter it out to actually drink your own piss. Yeah, like if you first get into the desert and you pee in a bottle or something and you have that, it's because your system has is, is hydrated and flows through. Yeah, you can drink that. But by the time you're actually dehydrated, it's all toxins left. Super bad. Yeah, once you're dehydrated. Yeah, exactly. I think it was more of a bug repellent. He was but yeah, he or doesn't, even he to doesn't cool drink off it or something. I'll, I'll be cool with that. The I only like piss in the face. I think like when the lion pisses in his face, and it's it's one of those scenes too where you're like, really, like, okay. And again, it changes you know tone so big time, man. You're like, what the fuck just happened there? But it only lasts for you know that whole scene basically you know it does kind of switch back a little bit not as serious as it was before yeah but uh but you when know, i but reviewed the, this it takes podcast, you out of it a little bit i remember i forget what episode that was but i, I reviewed this film and I, that was the one thing i pointed out that i and it, it just still pissed me off in the this movie re-watching it too where it i was pissed like, you off <laughs> <laughs> yeah because you know it's just so it's not burnt like like, that's just not his character. It lasts yeah. too long. It's just yeah. I agree. Messy. I agree. Yeah, I totally agree with it. But besides that, I mean, it's pretty good. <laughs> it's like the only main issue. Oh, they just – the consistency thing. into this film is ridiculous, man. I mean, for fuck's sakes, man. Bert's been wearing an Atlanta Hawks hat the entire franchise. <laughs> I love that. But this is actually a different hat that he's wearing in this film. It's still an Atlanta Hawks hat. It's an Atlanta Hawks hat. <laughs> it's just a different hat. I love that about it. And, of course, you know – Towards the end, is like, you know, why doesn't critical information, you know, never or ever get to me and things like oh, that? Yeah, like, I love it. the same fucking joke over, but it actually works really well in that, too. In that point, yeah, because you know, yeah, the tentacles detach and it's like, what the f- but, but you know, I guess we should go into that a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah. The, oh, the, uh, the next el- uh, evolution of, of the graboids. Yeah, so these ones are African, so they're a little. Everything's bigger in Africa, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I do, man. Big dinks. 
<laughs> well, I was mainly talking about like all the man-eating li- animals. <laughs> oh, I see where you go with that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, dude, seriously, like I actually don't mind the change of the appearance. I like them. They yeah. have to adapt to their setting, so therefore yep. they got to like change it. their adaptation of the environment. That's why they're all different. I love it. Yeah, and I thought that was great too. I thought it worked. Yep. Yeah, I totally 100% agree. And I didn't care that they didn't have shriekers in it. That's fine. You don't, you're just missing that evolution part. You know what? You still what? have an ass blaster and you still have the graboid. That's I didn't have any problem with it either, though. I did miss the shriekers, you know, because I like them. But I like how uh, Bert, in one scene, he's like, and where yeah. the hell are the shriekers? You know, because he's yeah. like, it says, like, that's good right there. You just fucking hooked me up with that. Yep. Awesome. I always like the part where they're talking to the helicopter pilot. He says, you know, when the gazelle wakes up, it knows it has to run faster than the, lo- the predator. And when the lion wakes up, he knows it has to be slower than the, uh, faster than the slowest elk. So no yeah. matter what, you always have to be running. So it's always running. So it's always, on, always be on your toes. Yep. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. I love the helicopter. <laughs> Oh my God, Bert Gummer! You can see the pern, the insanity Bert Gummer <laughs> has towards weaponry when he's shooting those missile launchers into the cave. <laughs> he's all enjoying. It's like all, oh. <laughs> and uh, Jamie Kennedy's character is like, "What the fuck are you doing back there?" <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys think of the eggs? The way they looked, I thought they looked like you know, overgrown like snail shells or something. Mm-hmm. They almost had that exact look to them. I kind of liked yeah. it. It's kind of weird looking. Yeah, you, you know something else, guys? Uh, the, I did, you know, the yeah, moons. I like the eggs. Uh, but I was just thinking, I, I had to look it up because I couldn't remember exactly what it was. But uh, when uh, Bert goes to uh, Travis and Travis brings him the HK-91, um, and Bert obviously is, like, super into the gun. That's why he agrees to this. Uh if you guys remember way back in Tremors 2, when he talks to uh, Earl, he says, you know, I had to give Heather the HK-91. Yep. That's right. So, that gun's very important to him. Yes, it is. <laughs> and, like, that is the type of shit that, like, again, I love stuff like that. Yeah, they're always managing to tie all the films in together, man. And that's honestly one thing I love about this franchise, man, is that everything is it's just... It's so rare for that to happen. It, no, and it with, is. It's it's beyond rare. It, like, never happens. And with this movie, it's a rare occurrence for a sequel to follow a a prequel. I know, it is, man. It is in, like, you know, and a pretty good one, too. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but no on a serious note though I was really pleasantly surprised with this this film when I watched it earlier or last year you know it it came close to getting into my top 10 I believe it did make my top 20 Uh, it's it's way better than you could ever expect for Tremors 5 like 11 years later you just don't first of all you never really expected to get a Tremors 5 you never expected to to continue with Bert and and have all this cool stuff in it like I'm I'm just happy that it happened and you know we've talked about this on the show but apparently you know they're they're talking about doing another TV series with Kevin Bacon yeah 
How crazy would that be? And it would I know, like so really bring it full circle. I don't know. Would you rather have the TV series with Kevin Bacon or would you rather have another film? With Kevin Bacon? Yeah. Uh, I'd rather have the film. I would have rather have the film too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Tremors 6. Kevin Bacon. <laughs> in, outer, in outer space. In and outer you know how happy I was that they actually called it Tremors 5 and not Tremors Bloodlines? I know. It's so good. Yep. Yeah. See, this whole this whole franchise is just a rarity. It really you know? is. You it know, really they numbered they numbered all the sequels. You know, they had a, a prequel that worked. Remake. Yep. <laughs> prequel. <laughs> back to like part three, back to perfection, where you're okay. going back to perfection. Let, let's handle this prequel thing well, right now. <laughs> so technically, it's called a prequel, and technically it was marketed as a prequel, but like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise, I don't give a fuck what you say. Those are remakes. Chain- Chainsaw 4, remake. Chainsaw 3, remake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Part 4. Yeah, part 4. Whoa. <laughs> I don't think part 4 is a remake. That movie's just a... a Dog a, shit? A no, piece I of junk what it is. There's oh. nothing to do with a remake with it. Ugh. <laughs> I actually tried to watch that. I think I told I think I told the story like a few months back. I tried to watch it again. It's very it's very rare, seldom that I can't get through a film. <laughs> you know, I was like I was just dying. That's a horrible film. Oh, you got a remote control leg thing. You got some weird. It's a plane. bad film. The, the so mayor of the town is bad, bad and he's man. good. And like what? The I can't fuck wait to I- do the Chainsaw franchise one day. It's gonna be yeah. so fun. Oh God! All right, <laughs> off, off on a tangent here. Yeah. Um, do we have anything else to say about this one? I mean, I really don't want to go too much no, more um, into like the third act because we don't need to spoil yeah. part five. I mean, if we get any more into it, I'm gonna be sleeping. Body count is eight. Body go. count is there eight on this that's one. That's what we needed. That's what we needed to cap it off. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> You're welcome. All right. So whose turn is to go first? I think it's my Jake. turn. So I watched it this time. I liked it a little bit less, not much less than I did the first time watching it. But that that's expected when you know you watch something that's new so close to watching it. It's only been a couple months since I've watched it last. Um, but you know, not even enough to affect my rating. Uh, there was just I found the things that I found annoying were more annoying this time, uh, which is also to be expected because it's I'm seeing it again, which I didn't like it the first time. So why would I want to see him trip out in a cage again? Uh, but for the most part, man, this is a fun, super surprising follow-up. I, you know, you know, like Matt, I'm a huge fan of this franchise, and I assume now like Moods. So when this was happening, I was a little nervous for it, and I was like, you know, just blown away that it didn't suck. That's that was just happy it didn't suck, and it, it exceeded my expectations. It's a fun sequel, especially for being so later and direct to video and. All this stuff. It was filmed in South Africa, by the way, which is pretty cool. Uh, I give it a same rating that I gave it before, seven out of ten. Uh, let's see. When I first heard about this movie, I thought, "Oh my god, I can't wait!" You know, being in South Africa, and actually watching it, I was loving it. I'm like, I think this made my top ten for 2015. And the one thing I Actually, two things I did not like about the movie was, of course, the cage scene, <laughs> and the the final the final scene at the end, and how they got rid of the graboid. 
I thought that was kind of a little far-fetched <clears throat> kind of luck based on everything and kind of like like a cheesy way to end it. Yeah, I can see. But that. yeah, I was like, eh, okay, but it could have been so much better. But still, I love this movie. I love the way the Graboids looked, the Ass Blasters looked, um, how it developed into a a cool ending after the prequel. So therefore, I'm giving this an eight out of ten. Matt, this was your number uh, eight of 2015. Damn, how the fuck do you come up wow. with that shit all the time? Crazy. Because uh, I have like tons of spreadsheets that I keep track of. Like I'm weird. Wow. Dude, that's almost getting creepy that you have Matt's top ten in the spreadsheet. Well, you got to remember, <laughs> Moods, I collected all of our listeners' top tens and then made like a giant consensus 22 shots top ten. You remember? know what? Touche. <laughs> I forgot about that. I did. Exactly. <laughs> um, Tremors 5, man. Uh, I have to say, this movie actually kind of floored me a little bit because uh, I was expecting it to be pretty bad, you know, when it first came out. And I was, you know, I was pleasantly surprised at how, again, it kept the same type of feel and tone to the film. It was crazy. Um, you know, introducing, of course, Jamie Kennedy's character. And uh, and that was probably the biggest surprise for me for this film and really kind of sold it for me because I thought for sure it was going to be pure comedic. It was going to be silly. It was going to be ridiculous. I mean, we all know Jamie Kennedy. That's what he is. He's a comedian. So with that said, it, it turned out to be completely opposite of what I was thinking. It turned out to be great. You know, it, the comedic jokes were great. They were subtle. There was, you know, there was some silly parts in the film that were, you know, ridiculous. And I do agree that the... Uh, um, the cage scene is just kind of out of place and it just, it happens so quick in the film or at a point in the film where you're just like, why the fuck? It, it totally throws you off. Uh, it's a pretty well shot film. Like the music, it's, you know, it actually, the fucking visuals in this film are fantastic. You know, like JP said, shot in uh, South Africa, beautiful, really, really well done. Um, yeah, I mean, I had a lot of fun with this one. Can't really say too many bad things about it. I thought the effects were good. The CG mixed with practical. Um, again, that's kind of the common theme between, you know, uh, part two read through part five. You know, the CG practical, more practical than CG, which is always a bonus. It's it's a selling point for me. You know, if you're gonna ha- if you're gonna do a film like this, you got to keep up that consistency. Probably the best selling point of the whole franchise: the consistency of jokes, characters, uh, continuity. Uh, honestly, this is one of the better franchises out there. When I made my list a few days ago, I hadn't gotten through the franchise again. So who knows? It might have actually made my top 10 because this one is really, really consistent. It's a fun ass franchise. I would rewatch these films in a second. I, I was, you know, just having a fucking blast watching these again. You probably and forgot how good they actually were. I did. I really did. And, you know, the thing is, I just I I just completely had forgotten about them. You know, I'm not going to lie. I just completely forgot. I even forgot how good part one was, you know, and that's just, you know, it's not really my ignorance. It's just the fact that I'm constantly watching 10 million other movies, you know, <laughs> sometimes you just, this is what happens. Things get put on the back burner. And then when you revisit them, you're pleasantly surprised. Um, yeah, this one, it's a fun film. I am also going to give this one a seven out of 10. I think it's a really, really fun film. It's uh, surprisingly good. Yeah, <laughs> it's good. Cool. Yeah. All right. So that is going to conclude the Tremors franchise show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, Yeah, man, I couldn't stress enough for the people out there that, you know, are always hesitant on checking out these Tremors films. 
you know what? You might be pleasantly surprised like I was, you know, after rewatching these. Absolutely. Give them a shot. Give them a shot, man. I mean, you can't go wrong starting with such a great film. They're also uh, really cheap. Yeah, that. Yeah, that. That's one of the coolest things about these. <laughs> you definitely get these really, really cheap. So um, there's no excuses. You know, everyone can afford all five of these films. <laughs> you know, but uh, Matt, I want to thank you for coming back on the show. We couldn't have had you on thank a better show. Thank you for show. having me. Yeah, I mean, yeah. creature features. You know, this is just this is right up your alley. This is you were made to be on this show. You're it's born kind of to be on too, the Tremors franchise show. Yeah, we didn't even like plan Tremors. Like, like it ain't like we had this one on on the like stove for a while. You know, it's like we yeah, just this, like this Matt one jumped like, ahead so of could, a lot uh, of shows. So I can do the show on the twenty first, uh, and we was like, all right. What are we gonna do? Let's do Tremors, because <laughs> yeah. we know Matt likes Tremors films. I like them. I've been wanting to do them for a while, anyway. But yeah, yeah, man. Say, if you ever need anybody else, let me know. I can. Well, we know you're Thursday, coming I can back. Get off and... Puppet Master Show. Puppet Master oh. Show. Fuck, you're the master at that. Oh my god, <laughs> that's gonna be fun. <laughs> it's gonna be such a long. I mean, I think that show right there. I might we, we might just do an intro and just get right into it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that might be a two parter, man. That's a that'd be like twelve movies. That's that'll a, blow away the fucking Children of the Corn franchise you guys did and the Howling. Yeah, the most now we're doing we did 12? was nine. Yeah, nine nine films. Or no, how many Halloweens are there? Oh, ten. But that was a two part show. Yeah, what the hell am I thinking? Two <laughs> Yeah, especially <laughs> if you're gonna do Puppet Master versus Demonic Toys, that adds another one to the mix. Oh, it's just fucking For crazy, sure. man. That, that'll be a hell of a ooh, ooh. Okay, <laughs> hey Charlie, uh, man, take your time on that. Pretty much, <laughs> we might actually have to take two weeks in prep for that. Maybe take yeah. a week off just to do that because that's a lot of films, man. I don't even know if I can watch. Luckily, them most of them are aren't aren't most of them short. Yeah, I mean, but it, there's still twelve films. Yeah, I mean, potentially with the new one, right? So yeah. So it's it's a lot. It's a lot, but yeah, um, yeah, Matt. Anytime you want to come back, just just holla at us. We're no always problem. and we're always down. We're not sure exactly for the people out there listening. We're not 100 percent sure when we're going to do the Puppet Master. It's coming though. It's definitely going to come. So if you guys are interested in that, it is coming. So yes. And so am I. No, just kidding. Oh yeah, there it oh. is, man. I'm about to be going to die. <laughs> I think, it's 4:14 think... in the morning. Yeah, yeah, it's one fourteen where I am. That <laughs> ah, sucks for you guys, man. Sucks, I've but I gotta, I gotta, like be, I actually have to, be up and, I have to be twenty. Up. Oh my god, I've almost, I've been almost, I've been up for like twenty three hours and fifteen minutes. Yeah, I got, I gotta be up in a few hours though, man, because my kid's gonna be up. I'm sure he's surprised he hasn't woke up yet. I'm talking like right underneath him. Um, that sounded weird. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's let's get but, out of here. So but anyways, guys, that is going to do it for episode 79 here on the 22 Shots of Moose and Horror podcast. And you know what? I'm going to let JP take us the fuck out of here. Yeah. No long outro this time, guys. Make sure you check out Matt on YouTube, you and your horror movies. You already know everything else. And, you know. What do you guys think? Is Tremors for a prequel or a remake? I think you guys know the truth. You know, I think you guys know. Uh, so, with that said, peace, bruh. Peace. Yeah, yeah.